Well, you know, you start to rationalize. You're like, well, Harris never wrote. So then like maybe he just didn't have any talent. But I remember saying, I remember doing an impression of Harris on stage where he's like, because Harris also insisted that uh, I was the- Sit here, bathroom's in the back, shut up and sit down. It was the one line I remember was, I wish I followed Lebetkin off the Hyatt. Oh, that's what he said? No, I said that as Harris. Oh, yeah. And Harris just glared and uh, Dice pulled me aside and said, maybe you shouldn't be so mean. And I'm like, look- he said I was the worst comic in the history of the store, and Jim Varney was the best one. Now, Nasty Dan was a nasty man the whole day long. Good for him. He'd go where he could, and he'd try real good to make things go wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. He'd yeah. jump for joy when a little boy would trip and fall. Really mean. And the only words that he ever said were, I don't like you at all. Yeah, nasty right on. Dan <laughs> was a nasty man. <laughs> Hard to understand that nasty dance. Now here's the best part. Of Ladies and gentlemen, how are you? Welcome to Ari Shafir's Skeptic Tank. One of my favorite people in the world is on today, Mr. David Taylor, on the podcast that I've wanted to get him on for a while. David Taylor is a dick. He's always been a dick. He's a jerk. Let's not make it about gender. He's a jerk. He, uh, he rubs people the wrong way. And it's not just rubbing people the wrong way. He, he, he goes after people. He tries to hurt people. He's also one of the nicest guys I know. It's this weird dichotomy of... Uh, I heard this on a, on a video once. Some woman was making a video about women in video games and what their place is. And her point was that it was... Oh, I love to have the acoustics when I walk into my room. I'm back in New York, you guys. Um, the acoustics change in here. Listen, listen to this, and then listen to now this. Does it sound different? This sounds more echoey, right? But keep listening, keep listening, keep listening, keep listening, keep listening. Did it change? Anyway, uh, so she wrote, she made this uh, video about women's place in in uh, video games, and her point was that outside of Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, women primarily exist in video games as a response to their male counterpart. The big example that everyone knows is Pac-Man. Pac-Man was huge. Then they had Miss Pac-Man, and all it was was Pac-Man with a bow. And she was talking about how it like pushes them into gender-specific. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I forget the whole point of the thing. Um, but the one point she made was that you can write off something about a topic and not write off all of them. And I really like that. Stuck with me. I really like it. Um, because it's true. I mean, there's people that I hate, but every once in a while they'll give you this, they'll say something and you got, you'll lose for yourself. You'll lose if you write them off when you know they're right. If Boon Shakalaka, the homeless transsexual who hangs out at the comedy store, who sells stuff that he steals or finds for a dollar. If he tells me something about my comedy, if he's like, Hey, uh, that tagline would work better in the beginning. It's naturally, it's my natural reaction to go, fuck you, Boone. You don't know what you're talking about. But it's not the messenger that matters. It's the message. Um, so I think she's right. Yeah, you can write off as part of something and not everything. And David Taylor, as dicky as he is, is also a really nice guy. And that's why we're friends. And I've had multiple people ask me in the past, like, why are you friends with that guy? Why are you friends with that guy? That guy's a dick. And it's like, I can't say you're wrong. I can't say you're wrong. But also, 
he's not a dick to me. And um, I guess that's all it comes down to. It's like if I, when I see him victimizing people, it makes me uncomfortable. And it's like, yeah, I can see why you wouldn't like him, but it's just not, it's, it was never to me. And, I, and I've seen him be really kind and, and nice to people. Anyway, that's not what this is about. David's a dick. He's a jerk. Uh, a lot of people uh, know him as that. In the comedy scene, I've actually taken a lot of abuse because I've been associated with him sometimes. People are like, you were an asshole to me this one time. And I was like, no, I was just standing there when David was an asshole. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess he didn't really say anything. I'm like, yeah, we're just both tall. So I talked to him about why he's a dick, how he started being a dick. Sorry. How he started being a jerk, <laughs> how he continues to be a jerk, uh, and how he's working on it. Um, I mean, there's moments I've had to tell him, like, David, you can't be like that around me. It makes me too uncomfortable. You have to pull it back. If you want to be mean, do it on your own. It's like when Sam Tripoli wanted to go get a picture of Alyssa Milano. And I go, yeah, go get a picture when we were at that NASCAR race. I'm like, go get a picture, but I, I can't be here for that. I can't take the picture for you or go up there with you. He's like, why not? I'm like, because I think taking pictures of celebrities is, is lame. I've always thought that. My friend Jesse Cooper came to visit me in L.A. once. He was going to move to L.A. This is a big plan. Jesse Cooper is like an attractive Liberian man. Black, black. Seal black without the fucked up face. Is that Seal or was that the other guy? Who was the guy from the spinoff of Grey's Anatomy? That really attractive black dude. He was on an episode of Punked once. Doesn't matter. Jesse's a really attractive black man, and he, that doesn't matter either. And he was thinking about him to LA. So he said, Ari, do this thing for me. When you go to parties, because he has this idea in his mind about what Hollywood parties were, they're just house parties, you guys. Until you get to like upper level places, you know, upper level people. Um, that's the only difference, just what level of celebrities there, but they're just house parties. Um, some of them have catering, I guess. But most of the Hollywood parties do not. Most of the Hollywood parties are like at Stephanie Escajeda's house, just some cool place in Koreatown. Who, you know, she just had a backyard, so we could all booze there, and the neighbors wouldn't complain. And he goes, hey, when you go to a party, just ask people. Just start asking people. Go, hey, have you seen Jesse Cooper? And they'll be like, no, no. And I'm like, oh, okay. Or they'll go, oh, I don't know who that is. And I would just keep asking people, have you seen Jesse Cooper? Hey, is Jesse Cooper here? Have you guys seen Jesse Cooper? Hey, you guys know Jesse Cooper? Is he around? And his theory was that after a while, people are going to start remembering the name Jesse Cooper. That's, his, that's, that's assuming there's like eight parties in Hollywood. There's like a thousand any night. They're all over. It's a gigantic city. Well, LA is anyway. Um, why did I bring up Jesse Cooper? And I swear I have not smoked pot all day today. Boom, I got it. I'll be honest, I paused for about a minute and a half. But Jesse was at the comedy store. He came to visit me. And um, he actually took a video of me that he has not been yet to find, but it's one of my first sets at the comedy store. I wanted to put it as, like a, as an extra bonus features on my special paid regular that I shot at the comedy store. Realized a dream of mine um, in the original room. And I wanted to put that as an extra, like on the same stage, you know, from like when I was a year in a comedy or less, when I was terrible. Um and pleasant, terrible, and pissed no one off. <laughs> um, but he came and he saw like it was like Reggie McFadden and maybe um, Mark Curry. I think he maybe said Mark Curry. It might have been that hanging with Mr. Cooper. 
Mr. Cooper, Mark Curry. And he goes, hey, I'm going to get a picture of him. Can I get a picture? And I was like, yes, let me walk around the corner. I, can't, I don't want to be here for this. Uh, I don't know why. It's always been that way. This is way before cell phones. This is way before even the flip phones. This was like he had a camera with him. And that was the coup. And I was like, yeah, sure, do it, man. But I, I can't be a part of it. I'm a comic. And it just seems cheesy to be around it. Anyway, Tripoli wanted a picture of Alyssa Milano. And I'm like, yeah, I can't be a part of it, dude. So when David Taylor does mean things, I just like, I, I can't be a part of it. But I can't contain him. If he's a scorpion, he's a scorpion. You can't blame the scorpion for being who he is. You guys all know that story, right? You must know that story. There was rising tides. And there was a frog on the shore. And there was a little island, and it had become waterlogged. Water was all around it. And this frog was swimming by, and the scorpion said, Hey, frog, help me. I'm going to die. The tide is rising. I have no path back to the shore. It's going to eventually like, overcome this little dirt island. You know, It's only like two feet by two feet. As the, as the tide rises, I'm going to drown. And the frog goes, What do you want me to do? And the scorpion's like, Well, let me, let me ride on your back, and we'll, you take me to the shore. And the frog goes, if I take you to the shore, you're going you're gonna to sting me. <laughs> like, you're a scorpion. You're going to sting me. And the scorpion says, I won't sting you. If I sting you, I'm going to die because we're both going to drown. I'm lethal as fuck, brah, said the scorpion. I should write children's book. I should totally write children's books. I'm lethal as fuck, brah, said the scorpion. Ribbit, said the fra- uh, responded the frog. Don't fuck with me, dude, replied the corpse. All right. Uh, I just like the first line. So the, score, the frog is like, yeah, good point. If you do by me, you'll die. You're right. All right. So that's a good, yeah, let's do that. And uh, I'll let you off near the shore. And then uh, when I let you off, I'll just quickly hop away. And then you can spend all your energy swimming uh, to the shore. So before they take their, you know, 45-second ride to the shore, the, the scorpion gets on the back of the, of the frog and they, they start to go. They're, you know, in between the, the island and the shore, and the scorpion stings the frog. He stings him. Sticks it right in him. And the frog goes, ah, fuck! And he starts to get paralyzed with the venom. And he goes, what, what did you do? Now we're, bo- we're both going to die. I, I'm, we're going to drown here. I'm going to go down. You're going to drown. And the scorpion says, I am who I am. I'm a scorpion. That's my nature. I sting people. The end. So David is like, you know, he's a jerk. Let him be a jerk. Um, And he's tried to be nicer lately. I mean, he has definitely calmed down since he got laid. We'll talk about it. Uh, He went a long time without getting laid. And then he got laid and people still hold it against him. His old days, you know, from years before. But um but I know better. And it's like, he's a, he's a nicer guy, but there's still some times when he's awful. He has a podcast that he just started. Uh, if you guys want to check it out, it's called, um, what's it called? A oh, motherfucker. He told me about it. Hold on. It's right here. Until I lose interest. That's what it's called. Until I lose interest with David Taylor. It's on, um, iTunes and it's coming to Stitcher soon. Let's check it out. He's got a few episodes up there. Um, David has his ability also to analyze people to the point of seeming like a wizard. His memory, his education level is super high. So he'll tell you a detail about you and people go, oh, how did you know that? And he won't tell them, but he'll be like, in his head, he'll be like, you told me 
eight years ago. I just never forgot that your favorite book was this. And they think like they feel self-important because he remembers them, but it's really, he just remembers everything. He's got a really good memory. He won't smoke pot. Will I say there's a correlation between his memory and, um, and the fact that he's not smoking pot, you know, um, what were we, wait, what were we talking about? Anyway. Oh, his memory. <laughs> I know you guys, that was a joke. So anyway, let's start the episode. Shall we? We shall. I've got no work left, you guys. I'm so excited. What do you think I'm going to promote? Fuck all. You can go to my Amazon link if you want at arithegreat.com. Do some shopping through that. But I got shit to promote. Nothing. It feels great. That intro was all intro. I'm going to Australia. You know, middle of uh, whatever time, whatever it is. And Steve Simone is going to Calgary. But nothing for myself. Oh, it's so good. You guys, I've worked so hard for so many months, and I don't want to. I don't like doing it. Let's start the episode. But really, all my friends are like, not all my friends, some of, my, some of the industry people were like, well, this is what you wanted when I got like a TV show and specials and stuff and promoting it. And they're like, this is what you wanted. I'm like, no, it's not. I wanted the specials in the TV show. But really, it's just about doing the things, do, putting out the fucking stories and putting out the, the specials and the material. Just keep churning out new material, keep growing as an artist, getting better and better, learning my craft. That's what it's about. But what I for sure did not want is to spend fucking six hours editing stories. I mean, I know that's the only way you get it done, but like that's, that was never my dream. I, whatever. It all came out great. Seriously, you guys, thank you. For everybody who watched This Is Not Happening, Thank you. They came out great. You heard some amazing stories from some awesome comics. Mark Marin, Jay Okerson, Kevin Christie, Will Weldon told an amazing story. Ollie Sadiq's, I keep saying, if you guys haven't gone, go to This Is Not Happening playlist and look at some of the amazing comics who have, who have gotten material out there because of this show. I, I'm really stoked on it. Um, and entertain yourself for the day. Ladies and gentlemen, let's start. Shall we? We shall. Ari Shafir, Skeptic Tank. I told you about Australia, right? Melbourne, Sydney, and, and uh, Brisbane. Episode one. Hold on. I'm not going to look it up. I remember. There was, there was a reason I knew. 212. The 212. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I think I might have messed up. Because 212 is a New York area code. So why not do something about New York for that episode? But here we are at 212, and I don't have anything. I'm going to look the police code for the next five like episodes like 213 214 and see if there's anything about you know what if it's like jaywalking <laughs> i mean i gotta do a podcast about jaywalking if 217 is the police code for jaywalking then i'm gonna do that unless i fuck up and forget uh all right you guys ladies and gentlemen Ari Shafir, skeptic episode 212 jerk with david taylor starting now you're a mean one mr grinch you really are a heel You're as cuddly as a cactus You're as charming as an eel Mr. Grinch You're a bad banana with a Greasy black peel Just like, I mean, no, it was on the way too Which is even worse, because 
remember also he left us there and Simone's like, he's coming out for us. And after a while I said, Simone, he doesn't remember we're here. Yeah, Paulie doesn't and then know us. He walked back, came back, and said, We can go. Yeah. Yeah, that's when Simone was still hanging out with him. Remember when we started in the in the uh weren't we starting to curse during that and stuff too? Weren't we like, Yeah, yeah, yeah fuck you, dude. Yeah, we were we were playing <laughs> prisoners. We were getting into the character. Just crowd noise, right? Yes, we were playing and that's the thing too. You think about Polly. He had the three whitest people from the comedy store playing prisoners. <laughs> Who do you have? Me, you. Me, you, and Simone. I mean, that's as <laughs> Caucasian as it gets. You that was at a point though, before before Tommy said all those racial slurs, we didn't have any black employees to cover. Right. Yeah. Now we have some. We got a lot thanks to Tommy. Settlement. The <laughs> irony is Tommy's racism integrated the store. Demar is uh yeah. Think, think, Are uh, they really? Maybe. I don't know. It's one of those things where like Tommy in a weird way was like the Jackie Robinson of the comedy store. But by being He's like the Kennesaw Mountain Landis of the comedy well, store. Oh yeah. He's like by instituting right. the color barrier, he he's actually like, there will never be a black door guy at the comedy store. You're like, oh man, now we gotta hire a bunch. Yeah, he really did scream racial. Like he, you know, it's tough when you can make comedy store employees uncomfortable. It's just tough to make a non-racist statement that starts with, "No, I'm not racist," but you gotta admit. Well, let's not forget <laughs> when like, he was calling people to say Martin Luther King was his hero. Who said that? Oh, Tommy? Yeah, that's right. When your hero is a black guy who lived like 50 years ago, and that's the first black guy you can think Martin of. Luther King is a hero of mine. Yeah, because hero. also remember it was uh, who was he? It was. He did a bunch of stuff. He was swearing at the uh, the employees, like, and then I remember he was, he was using racial slurs when there were black people in the booth three feet away. And it's not an exaggeration. And I was thinking, how in the world is he doing that? And everybody pretended it wasn't happening. Yeah, that's a cool thing about racism and stuff like that. The Cosby stuff too. It's just like yep, you pretend it's not happening until so you're forced to see it. If you do something enough, there's yeah, a real lesson. But if somebody there. yells out, "Hey, did you hear what this guy just said?" He just said this, and everybody has to go, oh, no, hey. But everyone would rather, everyone is anti-conflict. Well, it's critical mass. Also, nobody wants to put themselves out there. Look at Tiger Woods. I mean. What about him? Well, Tiger Woods fucked a lot of girls and a lot of, you know, call Careful, girls. you're talking about my commercial mate. I, I, when I was in Orlando, I knew about Tiger Woods. Really? My friend, yeah, it was, it was known in the city. I don't know, man. And tell me if this is an uh, 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 argument. What do they call it? Argument with a match? Something with a match? You have to explain what it is before so sort of I can give you the name. Terrible of it. way of arguing a point. Straw man. Straw man. Yeah. Tell me there's a straw man argument. Well, I don't know, David. You say that about Tiger Woods, but me and Ren Azizi went into the commercial with Tiger Woods in Orlando, and we didn't see him cheat with anybody. I think that's a valid and reasonable argument. So I don't think he is cheating. Uh, is he, that a straw man argument? I don't even know what a. I, I, my, <laughs> I don't no, really actually, know I think a straw man argument is when you bring up something that that might actually be a straw man argument. I, the, the things that are brought up the most on the internet that I hate are like people like that's a straw man argument, and it's like I don't think you have a knowledge of what that means. I certainly don't, but you don't. Yeah. And then the other one is like once you compare something to the Holocaust, it's over. And they point to this one study this one guy did to show like that's when your argument's over when you compare it to the Holocaust. But to me, I disagree with that because the Holocaust is an excellent way of comparison. To Nazis are way overused as far as comparisons, though. Yeah, but then all you have to do is change it to uh, this was in a concentration camp or this was in a gulag. It's the same shit. You just change it a little bit and they're like, I, okay. I don't know about the Holocaust. That, that seems fine. It's when people call somebody a Nazi. It's just... Oh, yeah, that's yeah. terrible. That's it's lame. when they go like... When they go like, oh, well, you eat lunch, so do the Nazis. I guess you're a Nazi. It's like, mm, that's pushing it. But when you're like... Um, they were just following orders. Like that's what Nazis Nuremberg said. defense. Like, yes, that's a totally valid. That's thing. a good. That's yeah. a good comparison. And luckily, Nazis were also following orders. And luckily, people continue to do that. So <laughs> shut up. Since Even that's a part of human nature. That. 
Well, with Tiger Woods, everybody knew. Hell, I knew. But then it, nobody wanted to come out and say, I'm the person, especially because there was sort of an, a moral implication of anybody participating with him. But then once the word got out that you're not going to take the whole hit for being a slut, that you'll take like one twentieth of the hit. Oh, and right. people were more than happy yeah. to, to pile on. Yeah. People were happy to pile so on. So everybody's happy to pile on. But, but hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let's be clear, though. There's nothing wrong with piling on. That's one of the funnest piles you can make. <laughs> Everyone's already lying in a pile and you get to jump on top of it. Oh, absolutely. That's, you want to be the top of the pile. You don't <laughs> yeah. want to be the bottom. Piling on is great. It's the other people that pile yes. on after you are the problem. Look at every NFL game. The stuff that's happening when they jump for the fumble is unspeakable. Oh. But people run up and land on them. I wonder if they ever do it in, instead of like spitting at people and gouging their eyes, if they go, listen, you give me that football, I will give you that recipe you always wanted. Uh, that's probably not. You know, they back ribs? you know NFL players don't wear cups. Why? It slows them down. So they just grab nuts. They grab nuts and squeeze and pull. Oh. Oh. Yeah, they don't. like That game is about speed. And also, it's not like a baseball or anything. Like You're probably not going to hit in the nuts. Yes, it's also probably. Think about how valuable that football is. They should be honest about who actually recovered the ball. You guys know. You were down there. Tell me. Be sportsman. Tell us who recovered that ball. Yeah, it's, it's about sportsmanship, not about money. (laughs) <laughs> you know when I was playing rec league basketball and yeah. I admitted that nah, ball went off my hand my teammates were yelling at me oh, yeah. so if that happens in the rec league then I'm pretty sure NFL teammates remember were- that commercial where the guy makes the the coach it was off me remember that was that one that of had the, to be a latter day Mike I was about to say Mormons latter day saints had that to was, be yeah that's absolutely the Mormons do you remember that one uh, I don't remember that one I remember the family getting upset and then playing in the mud Hold on. Let me find this now. Are you going to look for it on your rotary dial cell phone? No. You know I can't. You know, I feel as though I am your smartphone. And I think like... Yeah, you're my lifeline. But you were before that too. Whether or not I have a smartphone just means I text you or call you. Figure out if you're too lazy to to look up Google. No, it's usually not... It's not exact enough for Google. Like, hey, what's that saying when it's an Look, when you called me to say, who is that guy in short circuit who played the Indian? They have internet sites dedicated to that. Oh, yeah. That's because I can't use mine. Yes, called IMDB. Yeah, that's because I can't use it. I needed it quick, too. What was that about? Was it helpful that I knew that he was banging Michelle Pfeiffer too? No, that was not helpful. Um, I was telling the story about South by Southwest, how, how Alf stranded us there. Oh, he's the worst. And then I watched that movie that night, Short Circuit. By the way, I still think the most amazing part of that movie is that Fisher Stevens was banging Michelle Pfeiffer. God, at the time. Yeah. And he was playing, a, wow. Just I a mean, the dweebiest of the dweeby. A uh, full-on dweeby ethnic stereotype. That movie could not be made in 2015 no way and and we're the lesser for it (laughs) it's just crazy that he wasn't indian at all and it wasn't like he's playing any guy doing stuff the only joke there was i don't know how to get to the place right now that's not the most amazing indian being played by a non-indian let's try ben kingsley as gandhi oh yeah the most famous greatest indian of all time played by some british dude I mean, I'm pretty sure that Indians were okay with letting the dude who, who was the robot's friend in Short Circuit just be played by a white guy. I mean, it would be hurtful, but you know, not the worst thing in the world. Dude, if you look up um, Sportsmanship Mormon, one of the first things that comes up is high school player, high school basketball player passes the ball to a mentally challenged player on the other team. I would block that guy's shot. <laughs> not even a question. You step on the floor, you got to learn a lesson. And granted, you might have a hard time learning it because you are mentally challenged, but I will block your fucking shot. Dude, I used to block so many shots in Yeshiva in Israel. I would have, let me tell you this. I would have, um, Axe Mormon commercial. No, that's not it. I would have, um, 
burn notes in my sock. You did tell me about the burn notes. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, uh, you know what I would do is land. when I was playing basketball is if somebody drove by me and they jumped to, to do a layup, yeah. I would shove them in the lower back and watch the skid off the floor. <laughs> I had so many people threaten to fight me, but I never stopped doing it. It was so much fun. I cannot and find this. They learned a lesson, and that is don't go into the paint on David Taylor. <laughs> or specifically, don't go buy David Taylor in the paint because he will be incredibly cheap with you. Sports and Shipman High School. No, so not. what happened in this commercial? I, I don't really remember it. They go to a timeout, they, they, and then they like say, okay, let's huddle up. And they go, because uh, it's, it's like red ball. And then they huddle up, and then the guy on red goes, Coach, it was off me. And uh, and he goes, all right. And he goes and tells the refs, like, is that, it was off us. And they give it to the other team. You know what the lesson there is? That guy was a punk. He wasn't a teammate. You know what? He fucked over everybody's team to assuage his his weak, guilty conscience. Uh-huh. You know what? It's, I'm pretty, pretty willing to bet that at some point in that game, the ball went off the blue team. And did they keep the ball? Yeah, they, they did. They did keep it. They so, did keep it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's a makeup call. Exactly. It's a makeup call. That to me is... A coach was off the... Mormons are incredible. You know my theory about why Mormons are so nice, right? What? They've been brainwashed, so they're really easy to get along with. Oh, because they're already... Yeah, that's also why that Elizabeth Smart was so easy May to brainwash. found it. You remember Elizabeth Smart, that girl who was kidnapped for like a year? Uh-huh. Well, she was a Mormon. She'd been brainwashed once. The second time you brainwash somebody's easy. It's like a concussion. The first time's the hard one, and they got them... You know, that's every Mormon. Oh, right. So that's why she was so pliant, I think, is that she was Church of Latter-day Saints. They're incredibly nice people, though. Have you ever known a Mormon who wasn't incredibly nice? I've known any... No, Joe List, I know a Mormon. He was raised Mormon. He's, and how nice was he? He's, he's very nice. It's incredible. No, not Joe List. It's not Joe List. My friend Gordon Jackson, look incredibly look nice. Dunking. Let me make a point about this, by the way. The red team that evinces sportsmanship is all white, and the blue team that is destroying them and dunking is really? all black. All black. Yeah, it's values.com. It's a values.com. Okay, culture. yeah. That black. Man, he's going for a breakaway in slow yeah. motion. Number 23, Michael Jordan's number. Boom. You're right, all black. All black against all white. This is like the Texas Christian game with Don I Haskins. I remember the guy that was honest being it's black. the 1968 NC2A final <laughs> as a lesson. This is Glory Road. And then here it is. Out of bounds. Uh-oh. Oh, no, the black player is the one who says. I the ball before it went out, coach. Come on, Alex, the ref did not call that. You gotta be kidding me, Alex. It's the championship game. Talk to him, coach. Oh, that's one white guy. That white guy is angry because. First of all, this is called expository writing. It's yeah. a championship game. Come on. I mean, you know why the white guy's really angry? Because he has the worst case of acne I've seen since my friend Armando in high school. God. It looks <laughs> like the white kid is angry because he's been doing a lot of steroids. Uh oh. He's yeah, got a coach is calling a play. I touched the ball before it went out, coach. Come on, Alex. The ref did not call that. You gotta be kidding me, Alex. It's the championship game. Talk to him, coach. I touched it. It's their ball. Come on, do it right. Don't foul them when they inbound. Team on three. One, two, three. Yes. How's it going, Alex? Sorry, coach. 
Uh, no, that never happened. going to tell the ref. Here's how I can tell you. If you've ever played any sport, especially high school basketball, you know that the coach is the worst type of type A asshole. God, you're right. He's high school basketball. High school basketball coaches are as likely to say, hey, man, thanks for throwing away my game. As they would be to say, why don't you just key up my car also? That was that looks like fun. Come on, Alex. Championship game. Yeah, good First call. Of all, blue, white was dominating up until that point. Yeah, they really were. Because they're all black. I mean, let's be honest. Maybe they're catching up and they need to press. Maybe that was on the press. No, that was breakaway dunks. Let me yeah, tell you something. They were dunk. not behind that all-white red team. That was break- and, and not only was, they, was, was red nowhere catching up to that breakaway dunk, the camera guy was the only one in the way yeah, of that. Absolutely. It was, uh, I got to say... That was the most unbelievable commercial I've ever seen. Videos. I wonder what else but, they have. Uh, whoever did the music for that, great job. Yeah. Already there? Oh, wow. They got a what whole What is values.com of- trying to promote? I don't know. It's a good question. Ballet? What should we click on? Um, let's see. Any song? Uh, True Beauty? Try ballet. I did ballet for a year. Did you really? I swear to God. How old were you? I was five. And my mom forced me to do it because I, she was worried that I might be uh, mentally disabled. Uh oh, she's going to get molested. Is in her- she's running into a house okay. and she's going to get molested. No, so that's a molester right there. Yeah. Jessica's wearing a tutu. She's about five, seven. You know what she's doing? It's called asking for it. <laughs> that's the, the values.com. <laughs> she's running at this poor guy who's just doing nothing. I'm trying to be good yes. and not molest. I told your mother I have a problem. <laughs> Why are so- you doing this to me? <laughs> she was the, coming at me. <laughs> the courts forced me to tell you. Dance recitals are so boring. That looks like the kid from uh, the Drummonds when they adopted a kid. I was going to say Oliver from the Brady Bunch last season. Oh, I was saying later seasons of, <laughs> by the way, same yeah, thing. Yeah, he definitely has the look of, of like the silver kid. Silver Spoons. The kid grafted. Not Silver Spoons. Uh, different strokes. Yeah. He does have the look of the kid. Danny Cooksey is that kid's name. Uh, Danny Cooksey. From uh, Different Strokes. He does have the look of the kid who's been grafted onto the show. See, how would I get that adorable. faster from Google than asking you? Come on. If I needed to know that guy's name. Danny Cooksey was also in T2. With Eddie, he's Eddie Furlong's buddy. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's that redhead, like, let's get a cute this He's now. cute. He seems cute. Yeah. Okay, so he's saying dance ourselves are boring. He's is still he- in the car. He, okay, he's in the car. That's the joke part. So they should just stick to the good smoke. She's got a suitcase. Okay, this is awful. Wow, what is values.com? Values. What have we just discovered, dude? That little girl is going to be a monster. By, by monster, I mean actress who hangs out at the comedy store. Who is, what is values.com, who we are? Well, by the way, bringing an empty suitcase because you're so sure we're going to a trophy is the same sort of behavior that ends with you posting about your auditions on Facebook. Oh, yeah, it's the same thing that people go, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to nail it. You're right. The people that come to the comedy store are like, I know I'm going to be good. You better put me up. It's like, all right, ladies. So... Com- that's not confidence. That's arrogance. Foundation for a better life. 
That's who they are. This sounds very white, very right-wing, very Christian. Some of the award-winning artists and writers who have donated their music to our campaigns included Black Eyed Peas, Aretha Franklin, David Foster, Celine Dion, John Bon Jovi, Josh Groban, Diane Warren, Basically, Amy Grant, all the music Chesney, you've ever flipped by on the way to something better. Steppenwolf, Backstreet Boys, Frank Sinatra. I don't believe Steppenwolf did not donate music. Steppenwolf, you know the story about Steppenwolf, right? John what? Kay? Uh-uh. John Kay was Steppenwolf. He, he was the lead singer of Steppenwolf, and he they had Born to be Wild and Magic Carpet Ride. Now, what happens in the 70s after that? the songs are really big, at some point in the 70s, his bandmates say, John Kay, we want to tour a Steppenwolf. Will you let us? He said, I'll let you tour a Steppenwolf, but in return, you have to sign over the rights to all future music to me forever and ever. Just future to tour. Music? All fe- but, but they said, what difference does it make? It's, there's no future here. It, our songs sold once on record. Not a big deal. Okay, so they sign it over to him, and then the following happens. Eight tracks, audio tapes, compact discs, which, by the way, he put each song on a different Greatest Hits album. He was He's incredibly rich, and his bandmates are in absolute poverty. Oh, really? And the behind the music is him laughing about it, and them saying, why didn't he give us money? And he said, I feel no guilt. And the joke is this. There was a guy in the band... Who was also Wow, named, because they wanted a tour without him? Yes. So the guy in the band was named John, but John K said to him, No, you can't be John. I'm John. You're Goldie McJohn. Uh-huh. And then the guy who was in poverty was still referred to as Goldie McJohn. Really? He never changed his name. Anyway, there's no way that John K of Steppenwolf is going to donate shit to values.com. <laughs> You're right. it's just he this. let his former close friends live in a trailer. He's not going to give up. Founded in 2000, promote better values. That's a very, you know, that's a very vague and pseudo fascist type of thing. There we go. Founded in 2000, $700 million endowment from Philip Anschultz. I know that name, but I can't. Member of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church of the United States. That's how I know that name. Yep. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. The Mormons. The organization is headed by its president, Gary Dixon, a member of the Church of Latter day Saints. We were right. It's Mormons. Maybe John Kay is a Mormon? Maybe his wife is. His wife is German. Could be one of those. Her name's like Uda or something. Anyway, Did the Mormons make it to Germany? The point is, Polly wasn't. Um, <laughs> there was a point there. Absolutely. I saw two guys. I was like, Sandy, Tony, and and Matt Egger going upstairs, maybe Benji, to help Polly with his house up there. Yeah. I was like, where are you guys going? He's like, oh, Polly wants us for something. And whoever was the last guy out, I was like, just don't go. He's like, they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, he's not going to give you anything good. It's only going to be to work for him for free. Yeah. They're like, what do you mean? Like, trust me, if it's something good, they'll call you and say, where are you? But it's going to be physical labor that he's just roping you in for. Because you think so? I'm like, they won't. He asked you to go. Yeah. So if it was some good thing, your friends will tell you, get over here. Well, also, it's I right mean, up there. Even if he offers you money, he's not going to give you money. It comes at a price. You want yes. $10? Give me $35 for it, bruh. Yeah. Oh, that's a naked on the Kalakon Pops. He, it's, it's fascinating to see somebody raised at the comedy store because he turned out every bit as poorly as <laughs> psychologists would have predicted. Um, yeah, well, what are you going to do? You know, you go back do? in time with an OBGYN to take care of that problem. Philip Anschultz. Yeah. I know that name, too, from somewhere else. Can't just be that. What? They... Entrepreneur. What's incredible about those commercials is how vague the values they're promoting. God, that's a weird one. It's confidence. I need something for my championship trophy. That girl's going to be crying when she gets home tonight. Or she'll win and then she'll be as cocky as hell. You Mommy, know, I want ice cream. Uh, don't forget to bring your empty fucking suitcase back inside because I didn't want to bring her to the car in the first place. <laughs> that would be my mother. Oh, guess what? Grand prize trophy, you can carry it with your hand. My mom would scream, idiot. you're making this suitcase dirty. Get it out of here. Is your mom mean to you guys? Oh, yeah. 
Well, she should have been. Why? We were awful to raise. <laughs> what do you mean? We were nightmares. Why? Because we were difficult people. Because we were, you know, like... Who, just you and your brother? Me and my brother, yeah. And my dad was like in and out. Uh, so it was like she was kind of forced to be the designated hitter. The hitter? Yeah. What do you mean? I mean, she would literally whip us with belts. No, my brother less really? than me. My brother learned how to get in line. Yeah. He's a real charmer. He's very sweet, but I never learned that. I'm like, you know, fuck you. So she you kept chased, getting beat. What? You kept getting beat. I would be locked out of the house. But yeah. also always about the violin lesson. I wouldn't practice violin. So mom would chase me with a belt and I'd sort of, you know, juke and jive. And eventually she'd get me. And then uh, I'd, be locked, <laughs> I'd be locked out of the house like the fucking saber toothed tiger. How old is this? It's like eight, nine. I eventually outgrew her. I remember uh, Aton Butler once getting hit by his mother. She's like, you stop it. And she hit him. And he just goes, ha ha. And I was like, oh, tides have turned. Oh, yeah. She, uh, when I finally had a growth spurt, which happened late, she'd reach for my hair. But by that point, it was just not, it didn't make a difference. It was gone already? It was going, but it also just didn't matter as much. But yeah, that growth spurt was a real lifesaver. That what? That growth spurt was a real lifesaver. Oh. She could really swing a belt. Wow. Wow. Um, well, David, I want to talk to you about what an asshole you are. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you've been one as long as I've known. Hell, longer than, longer than you've known, Ari. Yeah. I've known you for about 15 years. 15 years, yeah. Um, like you some, know, there's, some a, of belief, the highlights of, there's of, a belief at the comedy store uh-huh. that somehow it's related to me going bald. Yeah, there is that belief. A lot of people then, say it's But then, hell, my friends knew me in college when I had a sweet, sweet bowl cut. Uh, and I knew I was going to go bald, but at that point, I still all my hair, and I was even worse. How'd you know you were going to go bald? When I was four years old, yeah. my mother, my aunt said, oh, this is all going to go away. And what? my mom, she, you could just tell. It was thin. There's a picture of me. My Twitter- Your uh, brother pic- has thin hair, too, though. No, he has all of his. We knew he was going to keep his hair. The pic- Look at my Twitter picture. It's me at age four, and I have a real high hairline. You can tell me to go bald. My mom used to tell me about her friend who was a doctor who got women, even though he was bald, when I was four. She told, oh, really? Yes. She was already planting the seed, like you still got girls. Forget planting the seed. She was fucking putting it in there and hammering it and mulching it. Don't let this hold you back. Yeah. She You're got, not handy. No, not even don't let like, this hold you back. Fine. It was just anything to make me a doctor. So she oh, knew that okay. that possibly would work. She's like, you're going to be bald, but yeah. if you're a doctor, you can still fuck, you four-year-old yes. kid. Everybody, yes. Everybody in the family knew I'd be bald and Matthew would keep his hair. Wow. And that so was, you don't think it's related to that? Well, no, I don't think I so. I read up a little bit on what makes a person mean. See, the problem with that is that I believe you probably looked on internet sites and they might not be the best people because there's a belief on the internet that bullying yeah. is somehow wrong. And you don't believe it is. I think... Uh, well, let's, yeah, let's yeah, we'll go, go first about some of the examples so people can know what we're talking about. Um, like, let's say, for instance, uh, outside the comedy store when you were trying to make people cry one day. You were part of that too. I was totally part of it. I'm not saying that I'm not mean. <laughs> I'm just saying you're mean. Yeah, I would agree. Yes. Um, and what was the deal that day? It was like after hours, right? There was one... We were trying to get people to talk to us and I can't remember why. And nobody would do it until... We were mocking people. I mocking we were people. making fun of people. Yes. Until like if a group of like black chicks... There was one group of like five black chicks and one white girl. And we knew better. We were like, let's only make fun of the white girl. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we get the other black chicks to turn on their white friends. Yes. So we eventually got somebody to stop and talk to us because we said, 
it's cool. We're both totally gay. Yeah, girls would walk by. Like we just talked to you. We weren't, we weren't even trying to get laid, were we? No, we were just bored. We were bored. We were sitting outside. It was like two or three in the morning. And eventually, I don't remember what we did, but we got one girl so angry. Well, wait, 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 yeah. wait. Do you remember what we said? Yes, yes, I do. Oh, what did, what did we say? So we kept hitting on people left and right as they walked yeah. by, trying to like make fun of them, yeah. hurt them. Uh, mm-hmm. I bet just, at some point, somebody from Katana came out. Yeah, and I was like, uh, she just got off work. She was pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. You can tell who was like, nice and who. Hey, wasn't. where you come from? She's work. We're like, eh, eh, all right, have a nice day. You get a pass. It's kind of like you ever the story about the Hillside Stranglers? No. They would the two Hillside Stranglers. Two uh, Hillside Stranglers. Yeah, it was Bianchi and Buono, and they, they knew each other. They were like, you, I think they were cousins, or they just they were best friends or something. And they uh, they would kidnap. They would pretend to be cops, pull women over, then of course do their business. What but business? Murder and rape. Oh, which and the business which was good. What? Which order? Uh, probably rape, murder, rape, if I had to guess correctly. Anyway, oh. they, what, they pulled over one woman, and she turned out to be the daughter of Peter Lorre from Casablanca, who played a serial killer in the movie M. I think it was I've M. I've compared to Peter Lorre before. What? I've been compared to Peter Lorre before. Well, that's a pretty I've mean thing. said I have a have, Peter Lorre quality to me. Have you ever seen Peter Lorre? Nope. Let's look. Trust me. Look at uh, Casablanca. Rick, you despise me, don't you? You have to see it. That's uh, that's something. Oh, you want that to look. guy. Yes, who you're talking about. Exactly. Oh, that I suppose I would. Oh, you, listen to you. You're all excited <laughs> until you find out. It's anyway. Yeah, this is I, I, the best line is the return line. I suppose I would if I had any regard for you, Rick. You despise me. <laughs> so anyway, they pull over this woman and they realize it's Peter Lorre's daughter and they let her go. They let her go? Yes. Because? Couple, because she's Peter Lorre's daughter, and they had a respect for Peter Lorre because he played a great serial killer. Really? Maybe, I've also heard that way. I've also heard that maybe it was about the fame. There would be too much attention. In any case... What would she they, say on Peter Lorre's daughter? They, remember, they were pulling her over as cops. They looked at her driver's license. I'm pretty sure... This is... Yeah, this is Peter Lorre speaking. No, look up Peter Lorre in Casablanca. You just want... Drama. I am to be a half mad scientist. I, a poor peasant, have conquered science. In this movie, he kind of has a Davy Jones, uh, you know, Chekhov on Star Trek quality. I don't like this at all. No, no, no. You should see Casablanca is the best because they just play him as an absolute fucking weasel. Really? It's, he's such a weasel, he gets the plot in motion because he's, he's just a fucking punk. He's fucking weasel. He's putting the plot in motion. Yeah. So he, anyway, so they let her go, much like we let that girl from Katana go. Yeah, exactly. Less so then we found a girl way. who wouldn't go by. We said, no, no, we're gay. And then that would actually make people stay. It's like, all right, yeah. they're not hitting on us. Because I'm sure it's Sunset Boulevard, especially 12 years ago, who's much more the bro dude hangout than it is now. Yeah. And also, let's there was, be there real. Was, there was, um, there was, uh, What's it called going on with the cars going back and forth? Cruising? Oh, the cruising, yeah. We had to have anti-cruising rules. Remember that? Ticket? If they anti-cruising rules. And then also that's when they hour. were so upset about so many cars being parked there, they decided to start towing for lots of money. And that solved the problem of all the people who were on Sunset Boulevard. What do you mean? All, that, that's when the businesses lost so much business. Oh, yeah, because no one could park there anymore. You, you really solved that problem. No more cruising. No one's here. Yeah. So, uh, so we said, hey, we're gay. Don't worry about it. So we started talking to her. Yeah. And um, I don't remember what we I... We were just trying to hurt people. But we had to find an angle that would properly hurt. Because generally, if you're like, fuck you, cunt. It's very they easy They won't to, be hurt. Ari, go, it's very easy to find an angle to hurt people. 
Well, that's what we did with her. I mean. All you have to do is look at them, uh-huh. find their vanity, which takes about five seconds, and then use that. That's not what we did with this one. What we did was uh, found out she had a boyfriend. Oh, yes. I remember that. And her boyfriend said, so he's definitely cheating on you. She goes, no, he's not. Honestly, and that's her vanity, what's your, too. What's your boyfriend do? She goes, he's a musician. And we're that's, like, oh, he's definitely cheating on when you. When she said he was a musician and he wasn't cheating, that's when we started laughing, I remember. Yeah. We were like, ha, of course. And she goes, he goes on tour. We're like, of course he cheats. And then she said, no, he actually got back from tour this morning and he's at home right now waiting for me. And we go, how long has he been gone? Yeah. She goes, a month. And we're like, he's been gone a month without any pussy. And he's home now, just sitting around, waiting. Sounds like he didn't cheat to me at all. And she got so mad at us. She was enraged, and she kept trying to walk away, and you kept she screaming. Hit us. She hit us a lot. Oh, yeah. She did wail on me with her, with her and bag. And she hit us with a purse and broke the purse. She, and you kept, she kept trying to leave, and you're like, run along now. So she oh, kept yeah. coming back. And she was like, fuck you guys. You don't know shit. You go. She would leave. Run along now, little girl. Yes, and she run had to along. come back now. And the hitting with the purse made us laugh. But then the problem is she started offering money to strangers to beat our ass. And that's when we said, maybe it's time that this ends. Yeah. And we walked away. Uh-huh. She would offer money to people. Yeah, it was only like 20 bucks. Us. People were like staring, but one guy looked like he was going to take it. I'm like, this is not good. Because everybody wants to be a fucking sh- white knight. Everybody wants Captain to be like, Captain Save what's, what's that little lady? The, These men bother. And it's like, you don't know you anything. Know the, you know the term for that, right? What? Captain Save a Ho. Captain Save a You got to read Bossip, Ari. You got to keep track. I've heard of that before, David. That's 10, 12 years old. Maybe it's longer. Bossip, man. What's Bossip? Bossip is the black gossip site that has the best slang of all time. Captain Save a Ho is from when I was in high school. I'm just saying that they have lots of, for example, cakes. Do you know what cakes are? No. That's an ass. Do you know what chop down is? No. To have sex with somebody. So when you're chopping them cakes down, you know what that means? I know what it means. Yes, you do. (laughs) In fact, when I was writing for Jezelnik, that's all I read. So every joke I ever got on that show, which is not many, was about black people. Bossip? Bossip. Great black gossip website. Black gossip. Bossip. (laughs) It is wonderful. Every joke was about black people. Bossip. <laughs> so racist. When I say something black, when it's not, what the fuck? Get out of here, Cheryl. Um, yeah, so we, we were making fun of her until she was, she yeah. was crying, crying and wanting to get away. That's not the one, you know, that wasn't the worst thing I did. The worst was, uh, if I think about the, all the things I did as a young door guy, there was one where uh, I was working the door, and, then, and so it's a great night. I think you were hosting, and oh, Don Barris was hosting, and everybody is destroying. It's just a great night. Yeah. And I go on stage, and I bomb. And within three minutes, I get the room radioactive, because that's what I can do. You bomb hard. Hard. So at minute 2.30, I, uh, some woman was giving me a look, some, some large woman. I said, well, you know, we have something to say. What you say? Say whatever you want to say. I'm, I'm fine with it. And she said, she points at me, and she says, your light is on. And uh, I looked at her and I said, well, it's nice to see that the diabetes hasn't made you go blind yet. <laughs> and the crowd start the full crowd starts to boo real loud, <laughs> real boo. loud. And that's when I start dying laughing. So and this would have been this. And I left. I finally felt good about my set and I left. And then that would have been the end of most nights. But then she goes to the cover booth, the ticket booth to complain about the guy who was just on stage. Yeah. And she's like, you know, in tears and she goes to the ticket booth guy to yell about this and it turns out the ticket booth guy is the guy who was just on stage, me. You went yes. back to the booth. She, she says, what you said was so fucked up. And I said, well, that's the onstage me. The offstage me is totally different. <laughs> and then she said, it was fucked up and she starts to cry and I said, onstage, offstage, different. And I walked away. Really? Yeah. 
<laughs> but what the offstage you, guy wasn't being that yeah. nice. What do you think the punishment was for that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, you don't learn repercussions if you don't have repercussions. You That's the value of the store. Yeah, it really lets you just. It lets you commit anything. to being. Yeah, you know that Woody Allen quote that fame gives you the license to be who you already were going to be. The comedy store does the same thing, but without the chicks and the money. It's like the Captain America machine for your degeneracy. Yeah, it's well, it's like Heart of Darkness. You go into the fucking yeah, where there is no society you down lose, the river. You lose yeah, your own uh, society. You lose Absolutely. Your own. And how many people have we seen succumb to the Kurt? I just trap? saw the new guys. I saw boobs. I touched boobs. Yeah, Barrett's had a girl with boobs on. I touched them. That's a great moment. For yeah, every and new he was guy. Like, I can't believe it. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, welcome to the store. I remember yeah. that. It is a wonderful. Moments like, I can't believe what I'm seeing right and now. And then a couple of years later, you're like, blowjob on stage. I've seen it. Yeah. Everything is blase. Man. Yeah. That girl did. Oh. Was, that sorry. reminded me of something I was going to say. I forgot what, though. Which one? The one on stage or the no, one? the girl oh, getting off. Oh, I had some lady complain to me about, uh, I was making fun of her uh, children. She was being real, real jerky in the audience. And I kept like trying to like go with her and I was like yeah some people shouldn't have babies I'm not one of them like, yeah I know you shouldn't I was like yeah that's what I'm saying uh, and she just kept like in on me trying to hurt me I could tell she's trying to hurt me it didn't bother me she that's goes, I was like I would have an abortion yeah well you should and I'm like yeah that's what I just said it's amazing when audience members think they're gonna hurt comedians oh my god and then I found out later she said I was actually a comic for seven years I didn't say it but I'm like well then you should know better than to do what you're doing there's no what you're doing right also now. there's a reason you're not still a comic anyway i'm still trying to include it. i was like you have kids she goes yeah i'm like How? and i would just make a joke about something about that anyway it comes out they're child actors and i was like oh well that's i mean a horrible thing for your kids to do and i made a couple of jokes about it. she left angry that's abuse child having Absolutely. your children act is child knowing abuse. what we know now you're still gonna put your kids in that position not a question Terrible. it's child abuse it's abuse it'll never go good only bad even if whether or not it's another thing too is let's say you don't make it and that's like always the example they that's give the best case scenario for humanity the worst case is they're just subjected to dozens of failures a year yeah exactly we didn't get this audition you didn't get this audition you didn't yes get this. it's constant failure yeah and then you're going to build your child's self-image on that no and, and then some of them say we only we, we make it a good thing when they do book something and i'm like yeah but then what about the other brother who doesn't book anything Ugh, it's just a horrible thing anyway waiting for me outside she goes i just want you to i just want to say like all smiley that you are an asshole and I dropped your smile and i was like it was almost like when that happens like lady you're talking to the wrong guy you know whenever somebody does that i always say thank you yeah she goes, you don't know anything about me. And then it finally hit me. I was like, I've been in this position 150 times. Yeah. Nothing ever comes of it. They won't listen to me. At best, I can get everyone around to laugh at them until they're angry and leave. So I was like, I'm here hanging out with my friends. I don't really want to do this right now. You're not going to control my life. I didn't say any of that. So I just, Ash is like, you don't know me. I to assume. I just turned my back. Yeah. And walk away. stood for a second and then walked away and she chased after I was Really? I was teaching Frank, the door guy, that because he got in a screaming match with one of the dance moms at the comedy store. Oh, yeah. What happened? Some well, She had some attitude and he had to walk her out. Totally cool. And then he told her to shut up because she was getting kicked out. And then he kept arguing. I said, Frank, you can stay. So if you walk away, then she just gets angrier and angrier right. and you don't have to put all that work in. Yeah. You want to see a win in an argument. It's always but a you'll win. you'll never see the win. It's always a win if you, for example, if you're tall, you can always just stare over somebody's head. You win if you don't, if they can't say anything to you. Or if they hit you. That's always great too. Hit yes. you like, That's a uh-huh. great. Yeah. We, we figure if we get a girl to hit us, that would be the ultimate win. I was right. once hit by a lit cigarette at an open mic. On purpose? Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty good shot. And what then was that? What was that about? Some random girl. I don't know. She hit me with a lit cigarette. So then as she walked away, I threw it back at her and it bounced into her hood. Uh-huh. And uh, the funny thing is, everybody's like, yeah, that's exactly what you do with a lit cigarette. Get in the hood. Like, that was a known <laughs> thing. 
Remember when I got Ari David trying to drop N-bombs 45 times in a row? At the- How many people have we known have tried that? I mean, it's, that's a, it's a common thing. The problem now, of course, with- Ari David's running for office. Oh, yeah. God. Luckily, as a Republican. Oh, is it really? I believe so, yeah. I mean, that's, so that's not going to be a deal breaker for comedy. his constituency. Um, uh, I did notice that you're, you have a moral code about it, and it seems to be somewhat associated, but not completely, with the downtrodden or left alone. Well, yeah. Why else would you do that? I mean, well, like there was this girl, Deb something, who was a comic. And Deb Cox. Were, Deb Cox. And you, she was totally like. She never gave me any attitude. Yeah. But then other girls you really try to put the needle to. All you know, the what happens is this, is people, I was thinking about this today. People will try me. A nice, smart, pretty girl. Uh-huh. I walk up one day and out of the blue, she says to me, oh, look, it's David. How's it going? Human cancer. Yeah. Now at that point, my father was dying of cancer, so maybe I wasn't as charitable as what I would have been recently? otherwise. This was like a couple months ago. Uh-huh. So I said, "Nobody would accuse you of being cancer. Cancer makes you thin." Right. Yeah. And then Adam looks at me like I'm a jerk. I'm like, "How am I the bad guy?" Well, she she said just cancer. called me cancer. Where did that come from? Why did she call you human cancer? Uh, I'm sure I did something before the pistol off. But the point is, in that case. I was not in the mood, but it's usually somebody does something that makes me think, well, now I'm, I'm going to have to crack their head. Not sure that's true. Uh, I'll give you the example of that girl we made cry on the patio. Also, she was asking for it. Uh, Notice we didn't do the Katana girl. By the way, she, she was, was just walking by. There she was, was no like, fuck you, losers. I'll make a pointer. She was asking for it is the ultimate. That's the <laughs> passcode phrase to sociopathy. Yeah. Yeah. She was definitely not asking for anything. She was actually an innocent bystander. Well, there was, she was another a bystander. Time, well, there's another time where I, um, whether or not we got a rise out of her, she did not do anything to you or me. Well, when she started hitting me with the purse, that, that was, was already past that. Inexcusable. That proves that she's a bad person. That retroactively proves no. that I'm right. There was a time where I came into that party, I think Escajeda's party. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And I had, uh, I took my glasses off. You had your hair slicked back and my hair back in a ponytail. And you nodded at me. I'm like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, I came in. I forgot what I was looked, looked yeah. like. I was dressed like that all day. Uh, from the shower, I slipped yeah. my hair by putting it in a ponytail so it was tight, you know, instead of the big fro. No glasses. Sure, I look like a different person. But I remember that. I come in, I see you talking to Nick and whatever. I was like, oh, hey, what's up, David? And you were just, you turned, you just gave me this like, and then like turned back to Nick. And it was like, what? And then eventually Nick goes, oh, hey, Ari. And you're like, oh, Ari, I didn't, I didn't recognize you. And my, I think my response was, but who did you think I was? Thought you were somebody I didn't know. Yeah, but I was like, why would you be that much of an asshole to someone who just said a hi? It's my default face, Ari. Okay, so now it's not about Christina. Well, no, 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 by the way, that, did father. I say anything mean? You were mean. Was David. mean or did I say something mean? No, David. By the way, don't be so standoffish. You're very standoffish. Come on, Dave. You got to be honest in this podcast. You can't, you can't dance around stuff. I was a jerk, yes, but yeah. not, I didn't say something mean. All right, you didn't say anything mean. You were mean. You look at somebody who says, hey, how you doing? You just go, oh, and turn around. It's, that is, that's like, that's super mean. Well, thank you. That's very standoffish and mean. Yes, yes. I, I have standoffish and so mean. So one of the things I read on the internet in Psychology Today. Oh, Psychology Today. Yeah. Which is not A just, great source not just, for. I looked past the Huffington Post article. Psychology Today is only a half step. By the way, that's where you look if you want to learn body language. I also sites and they all sort of share the same thing. Okay, and it was that a lot of times people will clan up. And they will try to defend their own. And the way to defend their own is through putting others down. Well, that's also all of humanity. That's all humans, sure. Yes. Now, some people will do it through positivity. Like, our guys are so good. Other people will do it, and I'm guilty of this too, of fucking laugh factory comics suck. 
instead of comedy store comics are great. We just said, look at them. They're terrible. Okay. So your point is, where do you start focusing on the negative like that over the positive in order to defend your own position? Which is what everyone does all the time, but you go for it negatively, whereas others So implicit in this is that... It's not good or bad. Don't defend uh, no, no, yourself. No, no, I'm not saying good or bad. I'm saying implicit is your argument is that yeah. I'm defending... I don't know. Maybe. My own. Maybe. Or like what sets you off more than other things? What would someone say to you that would set you off more than something else? That's You're ugly. Question. I'm sure you get that a lot. That doesn't set me off. It doesn't set you off. No. Right. I don't think you have any value in your beauty, so I don't think it's Zero. Anything Absolutely you. none. They say uh, you're not funny. You know what pisses me off? For example, uh, it did say this too. It's, it's anything that's closer to the truth will make people go off a lot harder. Anything that makes them think. You know what really pissed me off was uh, I watched Steph Zimbari and a, f- a friend of hers be just an absolute asshole to Josh Martin. And then they got upset about that. I remember. Uh-huh. But because I was like, I said, well, he belongs here. Yeah. You don't belong here. Who is Steph's? Um, friend, some random dude who then got in my face and then I said, Oh, is a ghost talking to me? And I walked right by <laughs> and then Steph said to me, you're going to be, well, I'm on television when I'm acting on television, you'll just be a ghost at the com or you, you'll be a dead body at the comedy store. And That's I said, of her. <laughs> yeah, I said, Steph, when you're on television, you're acting on television, I will fly around the parking lot with wings that have sprouted out of my back because it's never going to happen for you. She's and now she showed show. me she's on a reality show on Oxygen. I'm on that show. Congratulations. <laughs> I am shocked you would consent to do that. I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll do your stupid show. Really? Yeah, who cares? It was just, it was just uh, Esther going like, can you take me on the road? I'm like, no. Why would I take you on the road when I have tons of friends I could take on the road? All right, so you're the sort of representative of all male comics who want to keep Something them like down? Something like that. Whatever yeah. it was. It was just like, I'll just be honest. We'll eat a pink. So I'll just be honest. And then that's your actual reality reality show. You know, I'm willing to bet they're going to cut it back to where it's just going, I want to sleep with you. (laughs) Could be. You seem to be more angry at women than men. That's what I've noticed a lot. Fairness, I've had men punch me out too. Yeah, a lot of times they're defending their women. No, no. When I got punched at the stores because some random Well, men are more likely to punch than women. But what I've noticed is that the the meanness of standoffishness is more directed at women than it is towards men. I don't think I get both. But a lot of times it ends up being verbal with women quickly because a lot of times – they uh, they think that they're going to get a free pass that yeah. men don't necessarily feel. So they're more willing to to come at a guy. Shannon Sossman, what happened with her? Oh. How did you start it off with her? Oh, I just asked her what she did. And would she say, I'm an actress? Yes. And then? I made her cry within like two or three minutes. <laughs> yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> I think there is this thing. Here's I'm I'm, I'm analyzing it as In I'm talking. In fairness, to you. Ari, I made her cry with insight. Yes, I didn't. You know, it was it was fairly. It's not how you do it. It's I'm talking about the reasons why. What the way you do it is an art form for sure. Uh, you you figure out their their uh, their neediness, their their insecurities, and you poke on that a little while. There are tricks you. There's soft spots. It's well, like when also a fighter sees somebody's eye closing up. They'll just concentrate on that eye. And also, it's like people are like dogs. Uh huh. In that, you know how you kill a dog. Yeah. I was explaining this to somebody like last week. You know how you kill a dog? Beat it to death with a stick, then eat its delicious meat. No, but that is one way to do <laughs> That's it. How you the do it easier in China, way, the easier way to do it is you put glass in the food. Oh, because dogs can't spit the glass out. They can't spit the food out. They just can't do it. They have to eat that fucking food. They're trained to eat that fucking food. They don't care about the glass. They don't know what the consequences are. They're going to eat that motherfucking food and they die of it. Right. People are like dogs in that 
when you want to kill them, you put the insult inside a, a compliment, compliment. Yeah. and they can't spit the compliment out. They can't do it. They need it. They need it. They want it. They have to have it. Especially actresses. We live in an actress town. No, Ari. And actresses require more attention than most. If you think actress writers are vain, everybody's vain. I used to live in fucking Pittsburgh. Trust me, actresses are not. They're the, more vain. Only it's They're a difference more in self-absorbed. difference in degree, not in kind. Okay. So there, it's more evident with them. But again, you just saw the commercial with that Mormon girl with the empty suitcase and the tutu. She's an actress. Yeah, she absolutely. Well, come to think of it, she is literally an actress. Yeah. She's doing commercials. Yeah. That's how she played Needy so well. Yeah, she absolutely. I'm going to fill the suitcase up with my real mom's love. The sad thing is all those kids that didn't get the commercial. <laughs> they're, being beaten. they're being locked in that carry closet. They're Say eat- your prayers. Just as Needy and they're not getting that sort of affirmation. <laughs> Yeah. So if you want to really let something land, you have to, uh, for example, what did you say to Shannon Sossaman? Is this the, for example, uh, no, that one was Give me just, the for example, give me the, for okay. Example. Good. For example is this, if you see, uh, okay, there was a girl, this is a, a classic, a trope is this. If you see a girl and you say, Oh, I bet a lot of nerdy guys like you, they'll say, that's absolutely true. And I'm not hugely proud of it, but they're proud of it, you know? And then I'll say, you know how I knew, it's because you slump your shoulders. Your posture is terrible and you look gettable. And then you'd be surprised how that really that affects them. <laughs> they don't like it. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes yeah. that. And by the way. But they think you might ab- still be in the market for some compliments. So they stay around. Absolutely. Because they, they, they're sort of torn. They're like, wait, what? The, what? Also, because if, a, if I say to a girl, I bet nerdy guys like you, she looks at me and she thinks, this dweeb. I, it's like the ref in the basketball league. Yeah. You know how I got thrown out of the league? Yes, it was he. The the, the, the basketball leagues, refs in basketball leagues are notoriously terrible. Yes, and this I mean, one, some are, and they're angry when you're like, "Come on!" They give you a tech right away. You're like, "A tech? We're all friends. It's a comedians basketball league." Yes. So it was uh, in this case. Remember one time I was boxing you out? Yeah, I was boxing you out on a foul shot, and it's, instead of going for the rebound, you I just grabbed my arm. Boxing yeah. out? No, no, no. Or, you were behind me. No, that was Tebow grabbing your arm. Oh yeah, I was behind me, and I just let the ball bounce in front of me, and you just kept pushing me forward. And I just kept boxing you out as the ball was like bounce, bounce, yeah. and I had my hands back, so it kind of wrapped around you. And eventually, the <laughs> ref just stops. He goes, "Technical, I'm both of you." I'm like, why? For we're no reason. Out. For no reason. <laughs> we're just competing. Yeah. So this ref, the, you feel almost bad for the refs of the comedy league because they always think they're going to win an argument. But in the comedy we're league, comics, you ain't winning our argument. Even the dweebiest person in the comedy league, who would be me. Yeah. So anyway, there's a situation where they, Morrissey does this. Morrissey. Well, Morrissey like, was part of this actually. Oh really? But he'll go like the ref goes, "No, you can't. Uh, you can't uh, go over and back in the backcourt." And Morrissey's like, "Which rule book are you looking at? Because I played Division three and two basketball, yeah. and that's absolutely wrong. It's two feet and the ball." And the guy yes. says, well, continue. He goes, well, we'll continue when you tell me what that rule was because it's not a real rule. that You're just making it up. He, Morrissey knows that rule book really well. So he gets called for a ridiculous technical foul in one of the games. And we play five on four and we lose the game. And I'm livid. And Morrissey comes up and starts arguing with the ref, sort of trying to talk to him. Afterwards. Afterwards. After the game. He's not even arguing. He's just talking to him. And the ref says something like, says some small point goes, well, you said this and now you're saying this. I said, don't get legalistic. You didn't go to law school. You didn't even go to college. Yeah. And then the ref gets in my face, gets up in my chest and says, uh, how do you know I didn't go to college? And I said, you're a rec league referee. If you went to college, you went to the wrong one. 
and then I was thrown out of the league. <laughs> you never got back in? No, nah, I still have to, to do that. Your anger to, management class. We want to film it for Punch Drunk Sports. Go to a hearing for that. Yeah, but we want to go to it. Here's the, the, the absolute deal is you could tell that ref thought, well, I'm going to handle this guy. It's not yeah. going to be a problem. He was legitimately surprised that I didn't back down because, again, in the comedy league, even the dweebiest guy is used to screaming at people. You're also pretty tall, though. Yeah, but that guy, you could tell, is like he wasn't. He was like five ten, but he was in my face because I think he thought he was black. He's like big skinny white guy. Yeah, I'll yeah, yeah, I'll make him bow down. Yeah, but it didn't. It didn't work out like that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, so that's just a good a good trick if you're going to be abusive okay. tomorrow. What did you do to, to that girl? Because that girl, I remember looking at her in a Knight's Tale. Was that what the movie was? Something yes, nice. she was in that. Yes, God, she was so hot in that. That was actually. And who remember, was the dude? Is it the dead guy? Was in that Heath Ledger? Heath Ledger? Yes, he was hot in that movie too. Yeah, I remember people were like, "Oh, Heath Ledger's big." I'm like, "Yeah, but don't overlook this fucking super hot girl." Yeah, I think what what did it was I said to her, it was like, and the dude from Wimbledon was in that. Paul Bettany, he was great Paul in that as, as Jeffrey Chaucer. There you go, really good. And Mark Addy, my friend, has a huge crush on Mark Addy. Who's so Mark everybody. Addy? Um, he was the guy who kept giving, beating up Chaucer. Do you remember that he was like one of the two guys? I didn't see Wimbledon. I just saw the commercial. Oh, Knight's Tale. He was a Knight's Oh, Knight's Tale. Yeah. Mark Addy was in. Anyway. He kept beating up who? Jeffrey Chaucer. Which was Chaucer? No, no. He wasn't beating up. The other guy was beating him up. He was the dude who fell in love. Anyway, this is yeah, yeah, like, yeah. okay. So uh, in that case, it was like uh, I said, you used to be so famous. What happened? Point one. She said, I had a kid. I said, she said, I'm really happy about that. I said, sure. Tell yourself that point two. And then I said, you know, it's crazy. You look a lot prettier on camera than you do in real life. Okay. Now hearing yourself say those things. Yes. You can tell that those are unprovoked attacks. Those are three unprovoked attacks on a human. Well, David, yes. I mean, you know, it is. So now my question is, where does that come from? I was, where bored. does it need to see a, a, a super hot movie star or celebrity? And take them down a notch. I was bored. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it, you're just bored. Yeah. But there's like, let me, you know what was uh, odd about people that? Would take the, like, like, uh, like, um, you know what was really odd about that what? was this is that Jeff Dennis and I were standing at the back door and Jeff said, Hey, here choose actors. He said, Hey, what are you in? She didn't acknowledge him. For some reason, she acknowledged me. I don't understand why, but for whatever you reason, type you had a, she had a boyfriend that looked like you or something. Uh, yeah, it's, it was something like that where it's like she didn't acknowledge – Dennis is a lot better looking than I am, you know, but for well, some reason – straight up. What? It's not a straight like this guy's better looking. You should be into him. People are into certain things. Yeah, but it was, it's, it, was, it was very weird. So anyway, yeah, like so a couple minutes later, Ren Azizi walks up and says – and I've forgotten she exists at this point. Yeah. She's off in the corner and Ren Azizi comes back to me and goes, David, that girl's bawling about what you said. How long did you talk to her? And Danish goes, two minutes tops. And then Steve and I high-fived. <laughs> I wonder what that is though that makes you do that. Like, like, okay, here's a, a good. Who's played Special Ed on uh, Crank Kickers? Friends with Norton. And he opened for Florentine? Dice with them. Florentine. Yeah. Florentine saw uh, someone in distress or someone like that that you can like toy with if you're bored. Yeah. He would do it with prankery. You know, I don't like prankery. Sure. Okay. I don't find prankery. Here's the thing: pranks are to me like how dumb people. I'm not saying this about Florentine, but how dumb people make themselves feel smart. I like straight ahead, like combat. Yeah. I mean, because I feel like I'm giving everybody an honest chance there. You know, sometimes you lose, sometimes you win, but just to attack right away. 
you know, that it wasn't a super harsh attack. It just seems like it's combat. Like, let's say real combat. It seems like it's a little with the equivalent of taking like a, a, a crossbow, a staff. Yeah, and staff, cracking somebody in the skull. Just, yeah, just cracking their shins. Yeah. I'm like, you got anything? And they're like, get away from me. <laughs> well, I mean, we did talk more after that. Yeah. Yeah. But she wasn't completely done with you. But I just. No, I she actually know walked what, back over. What makes boredom go to that thing? No, it's boredom is to have the interaction at all. No, boredom is not then to have the negative interaction. No, actually, you'd be, that no boredom is absolutely to have a negative interaction. Because if you have a short attention span or you're bored, yeah. this is one thing I've found. Even boring people, when they are yelling, when they're screaming, when they're upset, they're not boring anymore. They're interesting. It's really fascinating. Even the most boring person in the world, if they get upset with you, all of a sudden, then this is comfortable. Probably it has something to do with a difficult home life, but that's the one time I feel like, okay, I can deal with this. Is it because your mom would yell at you? When I was I five, that, when I was five years old, saw, like connection. Or when I was connection? five, my parents used to have me mediate their conflicts. Really? Yes. Wow. So, one thing I learned was, well, I'm pretty comfortable in a chaotic environment. That's when I'm pretty good. So, would she let you do it to your brother too, or no? Oh no, that was Matt. Matthew was like a separate thing. I'm saying it was when my mom, and my dad would fight. I would be the mediator. So I learned early. But, I have skill in chaos. Yeah, and you learn to probably appreciate at least somewhere around my parents. No, talk about that. That's a thing they talk about, right? What? It's like your version of love is whatever you see. So, like when your mom is around you, that's like that's your version of love. So she's absent. You're you're absent. Or if she's like, like you said, like abusive, then you get abusive. No, abusive. She was just you know doing what she had to do. Abusive (laughs) is look no abusive is much worse. Yeah. Well, it's like small abuse. Let's say. The yelling at you and the beating you. Yeah. Discipline. Yeah. Your parents didn't whip your ass? Nah, my dad really? a couple times took two fingers and smacked Two fingers? Arm. Jesus. Yeah. My dad never beat my ass because he was just too big and strong. Yeah. I told you about the uh, the dog, right? What happened with the dog? Not the shooting the dog, but when I was little, uh, there was a dog next door that used to just terrify me. This little dog would chase me. Yeah. And one day. We had that Shana. What? We had that Shana two doors down. Yeah. She, she bit so, the girl in the butt. Chased me on top of a car. So the dog went to my dad, though. God love him. Said, hey, uh, next time that happens, run to the driveway. I got you. Run to the driveway? Run to the driveway. I, I got you. So dog, one day, dog starts chasing me, little dog, and I run, and I'm scared. And as I run up, I see the, the old man standing there, six foot four, big dude, yeah. like 210. He's got something. And what the hell is that? It's because you see him backlit like a movie in the shadow. And I realize what he has is a wiffle bat. And he wailed on that dog. Whoa. He beat the shit. And you're at And then the dog. And he beat the hell out of the dog. And after that, I never had a problem with that dog ever again. Oh. And I said, you didn't hurt him. You know, he said, David, if I wanted to hurt him, I wouldn't have used a wiffle bat. I was like, that's a damn good point. He hit him. I hurt him a little, but not. Oh, he beat the hell out of the dog. The neighbors never had a problem with it. Over and over again? Yes. Wailed on him. Wailed on him. Now, it might have been two or three times, but you're little. Everything seems much bigger. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, my point is my dad never hit me. Right, right, right. But your mom did. Oh, yeah. Your dad was gone a lot. He, he, I don't he, know what makes even when someone he a was certain around, way. You have a standing anger about you, too. Yeah. That's, but that's a dour quality. That is genetic. You know, I, I tell you about my, uh, my, great, my great uncle, John Cirilla. Uh-uh. John Cirilla, because I had these family members that all worked in the fucking coal mines. Yeah. And they were bored. And they were very smart, and they were fucking digging in the dirt. 
Yeah. So one day at the coal mine, John Cirilla is just riding some dude, just fucking making fun of him to the great amusement of all the coal miners. So mm-hmm. lots of laughs. So the coal miner says to him, hey, after work, I'm going to kick your ass. So it's really okay, fine, because they can't do it at work. They come out, and apparently John Cirilla knocked him out with one punch. They thought he killed him. Really? It's like not what happens in the movies at all. <sighs> but... Yeah, He's making fun of John Cirilla? No, John Cirilla was making fun of him. And then the John Cirilla is like, fuck you, I'm punching you first. <laughs> the guy said, I'm going to kick your ass. He goes, okay. And then, <laughs> then he knocked him out. So wow. the bully, my point is this, is that like, if you know any Eastern Europeans, like that is straight up the personality. My grandfather would just scream at my mom. Yeah. You know, that's just, that is just straight up genetics. That is not even, I don't think that. Do you ever major- see yourself going too far with people? Do you ever feel yourself, especially maybe in sure, your Sure, I've apologized to people. I apologize to fucking Whitney. Uh-huh. Why'd you apologize to Whitney? I can't even remember. Uh, you ever like realize you're like, I guess I was the jerk there. And then you're like, hey, I'm sorry. I was the jerk. That's so, yeah, I guess, you know, sometimes you, you have a beef with somebody and then you realize after a while, like, oh, they were being reasonable and responding to me. I was the asshole. Yeah. Because what happens when somebody's a jerk? What was it with Whitney? I can't remember. Like, it just got up to a bad foot and then. Uh, what, the relationship? Yeah, and then, then at some point, she just uh, decided she didn't want to deal with me, which is totally reasonable. But yeah. I can't remember. I think I just stopped talking to her or something. Like, for me, what I've learned is it's a lot of times it's not what I say. It's when I don't say anything that looks the worst. Like, yeah. I have a really good silence. Yeah, to be, like, exclusionary. Just, it's, I, I, my face, I, I have a really, really good, like, asshole silence. You know how, like, Gerard... Carmichael, when he's on stage and he's silent, people are smiling and leaning forward like they want to know. <laughs> yeah, I've learned when I when I say nothing on stage, people start booing and getting upset, and it's just just your fucking my face. default face. <laughs> my default face. Now, granted, I can add stuff, but a lot of times the meanest stuff I do is when I'm just sitting there saying nothing. Wow. Yeah, I guess so. So then I've learned, well, why why bother working that hard on all those mean things to say? Yeah, but you just stand there and stare at somebody and just say nothing. Do you see yourself as you're being mean? Go like, oh, this is, this is, I don't want to be this harsh right now. Or like, I'm hurting you more than I want to. Uh, usually it's after. I mean, when you're in it, you're in it. You're in a fight. Yeah, like, well, it's like anything. It. It's like being on stage. When you're in when it, they, you're in it. When they had those movies and TV shows when we were little, like 21 Jump Street. I think it was an episode of 21 Jump Street. And some, some class, some uh, student had a gun to his teacher. Like, oh, you're going to tell me to spit my gum out now? It wasn't over a gun. Yeah. It was something. And then he was like, now put it away. You don't tell me to put it away. I'm in control now. He's like, now son. And then he shoots him. Yeah. And as soon as he shoots him, he does that thing that I've seen a hundred times. Like, oh, oh, oh. Chad Lowe. Yeah, and, and they drop yeah. the, the, what have I done? Yes. Chad Lowe in that, uh, that teen suicide movie they showed us in high school. They had like a raft of like movies they'd show you that there was a Meredith Baxter Bernie one about eating disorders where she just goes to town on some chocolate milk and Snickers bars. Wow. And there's a Chad Lowe one about suicide where he gets uh, like 700 SAT. I might have talked about this one already. Total? Yeah. It was so low that I oh. remember thinking, well, of course, that's reasonable that he killed himself. <laughs> and as he was driving off the bridge, you, they show a look where he's like, I shouldn't have done this. Yeah. Like, I'm really regretting this moment now. They always show that, huh? Like, what yeah. have I done instead of like... What I think it would be when you're jumping off a, a, a building or something is that moment of like, sweet relief is coming. I finally get to sleep. Yeah, that could be. I mean, they say that also a lot of times when they, they did a study of people that were rescued from the Golden Gate Bridge and a lot of times they didn't try again. Well, 
I studied deviant psychology yeah. in college one year, one semester, so I'm kind of an expert. And You're going to make the argument about the difference between yeah, attempted and no. The problem with that argument is that jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge is a suicide attempt. And the only reason Hold they on. lived. They jumped off or they stopped them from jumping off? I think off. it was the people who were fished out of the water. Okay, that might be different. Yeah, that's, They said there's some outliers where it's like, yeah. look, you really tried and actually didn't happen. Or... Or um, you had no, you were just making cry for help, and then this wasn't cry for help. I know exactly. Yeah, there's a fundamental difference. Cry for help is what that little girl who had the empty suitcase is going to do when she's upset about a breakup. She's definitely (laughs) my bag and leaving. No, no, she's definitely going to call the boyfriend. I just ate pills. And you're going to feel so bad when I'm dead. And the first time that'll work, and the third or fourth time he'll say, "You know what? I got to go. Late shows on." (laughs) Yeah, all videos. Jesus, I want to watch another video. Okay, wait. So, so what's his name? What did we just say? Peter Lorre. What? No, no, the guy you just said who did that suicide. Chad Lowe. Oh yeah. Rob Lowe's Are brother. you ever in that moment? I'm going like I'm going too far here. I'm shooting too. Like when I'm on stage, just for example. Yeah. I'm on stage sometimes. I can hear myself cursing too much, and I gotta be like, Ari, you gotta pull it back a little bit. I'm 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 not a I'm not into like. I know what you're saying. Curse, it's but, like uh, here's the thing. It's like uh, or I'll say something to an audience member, and I'll be like. In my head, I'm like, that came out of my mouth too harsh. Now it's angry instead of like... Usually, polite. and this isn't 100% of the time, I'm trying to think of a counterexample, but usually um, I've convinced myself that I'm right at all moments. And then afterwards, I say, well, that, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Does this hold but, you back in life? Well, something's holding me back in life. I don't know if this is it. Yeah. I don't know either. So I, who knows what, what it is? I mean, do you, have you found it holding you back? What, my belief in myself at all moments? Your meanness, your jerkiness. You know, I've learned to harness it a little. Dan Bialik used to, to do this thing with me where I'd be talking to a woman where he, we'd be sitting at the Baruco and he would rub my back when I was being nice and start hitting me in the back when I was being too mean. Really? And I was like, how did you learn to do that? He said, they, that's how they train tigers. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hit him in the back. <laughs> start punching me. I'm like, oh, okay, so I'll stop. I'll stop now. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I'm oblivious, you know? There's times I remember one now what where I don't want to say a name, but like someone going out of the way to say, don't hire that guy for a writing job. Oh yeah. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. There must be times like that that person. Yeah, I'm sure that person was right to do that. Yeah. So does any part of you knowing that it has held you back in positions and like, Oh, you want to say what Neil advice to you was? Don't be a drag. What was no on SNL packet? What was his advice to me? Oh, but my jokes itself. No, it was, I'll just say it. You can tell me to take it off if you want to. Um, where you're like, what this packet? He goes, I like it. And he goes, I can, you know, I'm friends with those people over there. I can, I can tell them to, you know, look out for your packet. But yeah. I need you to tell me that you're not going to be a problem. Oh, yeah. He absolutely had that conversation. That was also before we knew each other that well. Uh-huh. We knew each other some. But he did have the phone call where he's like. And if uh, not for. Go ahead. What? If not like, for Neil being a complete cunt as well as you. He wouldn't have recognized it as much to say, hey, I still can believe in you. Well, no, I Neil is to. much better about it than I am. I mean, much better in yeah. that. Well, obviously, He's got the capacity in that same way you do. Same as I do, but yeah. like you're better than us at it. Well, thank you. You're welcome. It's very kind. So that he could see it. And I think he wanted to look out for you, but he what was, did he say he, he was incredibly nice in that he called me. He said, um, are you going to be reasonable in office? I said, yeah, I'll be fine. And he said, okay. And then he pushed and I didn't get it. But it was uh, through no, f- I mean, that guy really went to bat. But yes, it's absolutely. And he's actually given me really good advice that I've repeated other people. And that is his big advice at work is don't be a drag. 
Right. Because a lot of times people, if you have like a show or something, you're doing your own thing. You just want to make sure nobody who's working for you is a drag. What do you mean drag? Well, we have a friend who, you know, who will go on job interviews and he will kick the interview. And then afterwards he'll say, well, I didn't want to look too needy, too eager to have the job. And I was like, they don't care about you. They just want to make sure that you believe in the show and that you're willing to just do the work. Other than that, like they don't want you to. So Bobby Lee told me about commercial auditions. What, what do you say? Be the guy they want to have at their Christmas party. Well, that's even another level entirely. And that's all you got to do. Yeah. Well, that's Bobby. You know, it's, I watched somebody talk themselves out of a booking once. Uh, when it was some old guy and it was there, he was playing some guru on the mountain and this guy was so perfect for the role. But the more he talked, I'm like, I would never hire this guy. He's a crazy person. The joke is they did hire him and then fired him. Really? Yes. And I never seen it that clear cut before where it's better to get second place. Who's not going to be impossible on the set. Sure. That's a lot of it. It comes down to a lot of it. People like, I don't want to work with that guy. Literally. It's not just about money. It's about my overall life experience. And, and also to be on set with some yeah. asshole is not as fun for a little bit less money as yeah. work being on set with some nice guy. Yeah. The difference between number one and number two is not that great. Yeah. That's the thing. And Every unless time. you're like a movie star, yeah. you know, who is like bringing in money or is just an incredible talent. Like Robert Downey Jr. could get away with sleeping in other people's beds. Okay. But let's look at Robert Downey Jr.'s co-star. Rob, or Terrence Howard? Terrence Howard. Yeah, they he said, had, you know what? We're get, bringing everyone back, and we're bringing your character back. Yeah, he also has a little problem with the beady smacky with the women too. I oh, mean, really? And but then, but then, look, he ended up on Empire. That's a step down. Absolutely, but I'm surprised he got that. Remember, Monique didn't even get that. I like how people are talking about Empire. They're like, see, just shows black shows can be successful as long as they play typically black roles, like record executives on a well, black. It's tough on to a black say. Label. I mean, that is, from what I've heard, is just a fun soap opera. That's yeah. like saying, like you know, Gossip Girl. It's a black is soap typically opera. Yeah, Gossip Girl was a white soap opera. It was pretty great. Yeah, what they should have is a couple of black people on on Gossip Girl. Which they probably no. do. Now that I think no, about they it, they did not. Do. They had one half black girl they brought in at the end of season no one. Way, she, really? She well, you so, watched Gossip Girl. Yeah, it was incredible. Gossip Girl was this. Okay, first season of Gossip Girl was incredible. Here's why. Okay. Yeah. They have five major characters. By the way, peer pressure, the peer pressure video, I'm pretty sure it's going to be about weed, but go ahead. Okay. Let's go through all the characters because the show is amazing. The parents are actually pretty good. Uh, it's this blonde woman who's a crazy person and uh, Rufus, the dad. She's They're pretty good. Uh, Blake Lively is the world's worst actress. She's just bad, huh? God awful. She can't even be bothered to open her jaw. She's terrible. Chase Crawford is a beautiful man. They kept trying to do stuff with him, but the problem is, well, he's pretty, he has no, no talent. Penn Badgley seemed okay. His character was kind of touch and go. But the two really good people, the people who carried the show were Chuck and Blair, Ed Westwick and Leighton Meester. Incredibly talented. They just, they run circles around everybody. So everything they're in just shines and everything else is super boring. Really? And eventually they figured out, let's pair these two up, which meant that one out of three scenes was really compelling. And the other two was just like, could we get this show on the road? Let's get back to Chuck and Blair. Oh, really? Yeah. The problem is that show suffered, as all teen soap operas do, right. from the end of the first season, they ran out of couples left. I you know? recognize her. Who? Leighton Meester? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super talent. Uh, you know the bizarre thing Cute. about nothing crazy looks. Here's the bizarre thing about oh, that. She looks good there. She's prettier than Blake Lively. She's way more talented than Blake Lively. Blake Lively has a hundred times the career. Hundred times the career because she was the lead. She's the gossip. No, girl. they were both co-leads. Wait, who's the gossip girl? Gossip girl is the blogger played by Kristen Bell. The two leads. No were, way. Yeah, she wasn't even in Gossip Girl. What Blake Lively was in Gossip Girl. No, but, Kristen Bell. Yeah, she was the narrator, but she wasn't actually playing a role or anything. No, she's a narrator. XOXO. I thought it was who was gossip. It was one of them. Was no, Blake Lively girls. and Leighton Meester were the two girls. Gossip Girl is the narrator of the show, oh. and we don't know who it is. She's cute, but she. It, the thing is, she's mo- it's talent. She's really. And what's talented. the other girl's name? Blake Lively. 
I bet Blake Lively's hotter. I don't think so. She's kind of like a cyborg. She looks like she'd be a fun, drunk, drunk fuck. Well, then you watch her act and you think there's nothing fun about her at all. Ooh, is she pregnant there? Yeah. Ooh, she had babies? Yeah, she had a baby with Ryan Reynolds. Done to me. Nothing to do with you, Ryan Reynolds. I don't want you to read into this. It's just about the fact that she had a baby. Okay, cool. Uh, You know, I don't Ryan Reynolds... I'll even forgive you for Green Lantern, as shitty as that was. Ryan Reynolds should be rewarded for making sure that the movie industry didn't need Dane Cook. Yeah, that's really what it's Ryan Reynolds did a fucking public service by taking casting directors and saying, look, you don't have to put this guy in anything. Why did we bring up uh, Blake Lively? Blake Lively? Oh, because of Gossip Girl? Yeah, why did we bring that up? Because of Empire. Oh, yeah. And Empire because of black people and also because of Terrence Howard and Terrence Howard. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Being a jerk to be around. Yes. And people didn't want to work with them, so they just got the other black guy from Hotel Rwanda to do the same role. Don Cheadle. Uh-huh. Um, knowing that it has held you back and stuff like that, does it make you want to change or not at all? N- neither one's the right answer. I don't know. I'm, I'm pot committed. This is my personality. Like I'm, You're just going with it. I've gotten nicer, I think. People you have gotten say, nicer. When you started getting laid, I saw you take a big jump up. That's what people say, but honestly, that's I saw not, it, David. Like, yeah, but it's easy to say that, but also that's post hoc ergo propter hoc reason. Yeah, yeah. Sure, but it just seemed like you let out a breath of air. I was like, oh. I mean, not fucking for like you 10 could years. Ar- yeah, I went eight years. That's a long time. It's just like once you get la- when I don't get when I get laid, I'm more upset and angry. And oh like, yeah, but like, no, what, oh, eventually it just sort of like nails you. Like it's hard to explain, but years two through eight were pretty much the same. I was talking to this guy who went a year, yeah, and he felt bad about it, you know. And I was like, and then he just broke the streak. He said, "Everybody's making fun of him." I said, "Hey man, I went eight years." And the look in his face was like, first of all, he's like, what? And then he was like, how? Yeah. And like, what the fuck? Back to what again? <laughs> yeah, like, what? And he goes, but people made fun of me. I said, hey, man, they made fun of me too. I said, but the truth is everybody forgets. What do you mean everybody forgets? Well, for- They're talking is not all they think about. Well, no, the point is this, is once you start having sex, then people forget you were that guy because it always turns over. Because yeah. the nice thing about Los Angeles is everybody is so self-involved, they can't remember you. So yeah. you can reinvent yourself completely and repeatedly because nobody really cares that much about you to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Kreischer uh, said that once. His, his head, this is my favorite sentence. He goes, the first year I did not get a development deal, I, <laughs> I just started laughing. It's <laughs> like the first year you did not get one? That um, incredible. But he said he, went, he did I'm an audition. I'm on the 15th year I did not get yeah. a development deal. I've never gotten one. Um, You're at 16 or 17, and I feel bad. For, Howard Stern is right. What? Your career is utterly <laughs> ruined. Have I told you my theory about that? What? Stern is yelling at Stern. What do you mean? Okay. What was the crux of his... You didn't listen to it, but the whole point is Howard Stern, who made such a big fuss, such a huge fuss about leaving terrestrial radio. I was just a dinosaur, and he was moving on. Oh, yeah. The biggest fuss in the world. What was the root of his argument? Are you think you're something? You want to be a big deal? Go to terrestrial radio. That's where you prove yourself. Why is Howard yelling about that? Because here's the truth. Howard Stern made a bad decision and he remembers it every day. He went to Sirius. And in a weird way, his his, uh, fame level plummeted. Yes, he made a lot of money, but not as much as he thought he was going to because the stock plummeted and his relevance went to zero. This is a man who was going to run for governor of New York. And now he just has a niche market because Stern bought the dream. He just bought it too early because when you think about it, 
And I was talking to Nick about this because Nick had a theory that Sirius was like the middle ground between podcasts and radio. Uh-huh. Right? Podcasts no, no FCC are, rules. That's what he said. Yeah, absolutely. Even though they came exactly. later. Sirius was podcast before podcast. But the problem is that it was sloughed off. This Howard Stern is the functional equivalent of a man who took all of his money and invested in GPS units yeah. and then discovered the GPS on the phone and started screaming, you should use that Thomas guide. Right. Oh, right. He went halfway. She used the map. You know what they say? Like a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. A little insight was a dangerous thing for Howard because he bet, but he bet on the wrong fucking pony. When I was in software, I put money into TiVo stock because I could see that was going to be a big deal. And I knew that was going to be a big deal stock. I knew I'd make a lot of money. We used to watch all the blind dates because it was such a great product. But what I didn't realize because I was stupid is that one day, and that day being like six months later, all the cable companies would have the TiVo technology, not give TiVo any money. DVR. Yes. TiVo was a middle ground technology. And then they were like, oh, we don't need you anymore at all. So when Howard's yelling at TiVos. you and yelling about podcasts, Howard's yelling at Howard. He knows he made a bad decision. He went to Sirius, and now he's fucking stuck because he doesn't have the control. He, has he doesn't to deal have control. With- he still has the fucking bosses hanging over him. Yes. It might not be the FCC is one of his bosses, no, but, but he, he has- still got bosses. He has stockholders. He yes. The thing is, he would have, uh, I don't want to talk. And my point is that he is absent. So when he's yelling at you, Howard's yelling at Howard. And another thing, too, is that he's like, you know, his cultural relevance is waning. And that's the way it is. And it would have probably waned anyway. The man's like is old. But if a guy's yelling at you about being 41, not being a big deal, what do you think he feels about being 60? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was my take on it. It was that Howard's yelling at Howard. But lucky for you, he got to use your name a whole bunch when he did. (laughs) So, I mean, that'd be nice. It's honestly not lucky for me at all. Absolutely. Only it's only luck. People like all the press I'm giving him. You, he got me nothing. I even really? looked at my podcast downloads that week. That's disappointing. Lowest in ten weeks. Really? It made zero well, difference. You know, I'm shocked that a man who was once able to get people to call televised crime scenes and scream "Baba Booey." I know all these people are like it's like, now you're lucky. He's even mentioning it. it's like that's not the way it works. That's just not the way it works. These people aren't podcast listeners. The ones that listen, they're going away. There is a value, though. If Howard Stern were on terrestrial radio, that would have made it in the newspapers, and then it would have been a bigger deal. The problem is it's just not as big a deal now. Yeah, it's fun. Comics heard it, and we all talked about it. We got a good laugh out of it. Yeah, and i got to tell you, I'm pro Stern, 100% team Stern on that one. <laughs> He's, I still I do think he is a, a brilliant broadcaster, uh, but unfortunately, you know, made bad decisions. I mean, he You're had a great run. from your experience listening to him after 2010? Well, I mean, he was a great broadcaster. I haven't I'll listened to him in years and I'll years. Yeah, I don't know. Like, even One now, it's got to be tough to fill. It's like it's t- got to be tough to fill a fucking 16, 20 hour hole every week. Sure. That's why so he's he talking to, about me instead of a blizzard. Yeah, well, I don't want to talk about this. Okay. Um, so back to me being a total asshole. Yeah. How many apologies have you made? Oh, you I'm trying to think here. I made, a, I made my share. I made my share of calls. And I see you more, do more, not more, but I, what I see anyway more is that you explain away your um, your negative behavior instead of saying, fuck, shit, I shouldn't have done that. When I make apologies, I don't explain my negative behavior. When you, sometimes you have to. Was your apology to Whitney that curtain short? Hey, sorry. No, it was like, look, I'm sorry I was an asshole. You ever, I said to her, you ever realize that you're being an asshole? And then. And she goes, I realize you're being an asshole. <laughs> she said, yeah, like 20 times. I said, well, now I don't feel so special. You know, David, it's not too late for you to change and be nicer. Well, why would I do that? Um, well, because of it holding you back in the career. You Here's the problem. Is your argument that, David, you should be better hearted so you can. No, no, not be better hearted because more... you are nice hearted. You're very kind to other people. Yeah. It's not instead of focusing on negative. It's that you focus oh, on the positive. God damn it. Ari, you sound like a girl's Instagram post. 
I'm just saying you managed to point out the negative instantly and it's held you back in your career. Not that you should, but I'm just telling you, when you say it's too late, I'm already set in my ways, I think that's like, I don't agree with that. Well, I mean... You might not want to, but it's not too late. I, how, okay, so give me an example of how I can look for the positive in life. Well, I'll tell you what, I used to play this game uh, when I was driving. If I could slow down when I saw a yellow light coming and get the guy in back of me, a lot of oh, us have played this game. Fun. Just that get, is That is Be fun. the first one to miss the red. Yeah, that's great. So he gets Just like Beverly Hills like, Cop. Yeah. yeah. But then I changed the game to go... If I can get somebody else behind me through also, then that's the win. And it's just a more positive, exactly the same rules in game. Just a more po- everyone's you know, happier it's funny. playing that, that game. The first game sounds like so much more fun than the second game. It's the same, it's the same amount of pressure. It's the same amount of, you have to like limit the, the amount of space on the car in front of you. Really push through so he can get through. Too. I just drive slow. I, I've had people drive by. And swear at me and flip me well, off. Well, driving slow is not, that's not what I'm talking about. That's I'm talking about that game thing. of like, yeah, this. I know. Yeah. So I'm saying for the, the exact same thing, you can point out negatives or positive. Like, you're wearing a great shirt, you're wearing ugly pants. You will always go for the ugly pants. I'll say great shirt too. And I'll say, you know what? That shirt is so great, it makes those pants look even worse. <laughs> yeah. Mark Norman, I did my, uh, I did a Conan set. Yeah. And, um, and, um, uh, I'm not relentless. If I see something negative, a lot of times I'll let it go. Okay. Yeah. But so your, your Conan set, which I thought was very good, and I Thanks. told you it was very good. Thanks. Mark but no, then I, I did bring up how Andy Richter mispronounced your name, so maybe that's who I am. No, no, not that. Mark, no, I, I was 188. I should be 175 to 180. And I was 188 from celebrating my special and everything. I was like, I'm just going to eat now. Oh, your weight. Yeah. Oh. So Mark Norman was the only – everybody's like, hey, good job. Awesome set. Mark Norman. And it's only 10 pounds on a, on a pretty thin guy. Yeah. Good job, fatty. Nice. My <laughs> mom like, did that to me. How did yeah. you know that? I was worried. When about I went that. home uh, to see my father die, my mom was like, "You're fat." I'm like, "I know, I know, I'm fat." So that I lost weight. Yeah. Sometimes negative feedback I did is more Natasha valuable once. than positive feedback. I did that to Natasha once. What'd you do? While we were dating, it was like, I will never do that to any girl that I date. It was like, I know you'd want to know this. I know she would want to know it. Ari, if you think she doesn't already know. I mean, it, it, that, let me like, tell you, you're getting kind of, I was like, I don't care, but you're getting a little, that chill. is something I will and she not. She was like, she was like, you could tell she's a fucking pro at what she does. I will not She was do like that. this. She was just like, okay. She just <laughs> sucked up the pain, took it and goes, it'll be back down. She knows I want to be a top level actress and this I, ain't going to happen with chubby thought. I will get not good. do that. What? Tell a woman that she looks fat. Really? Yeah. It's too much. Look, that's your line. Well, it's an absolute line because the truth is, like, first of all, I would love to play the, the gymnastics coach in the Lifetime movie that says it. That would be great. Yeah. But that is something where women will spin the fuck out, and that's an eating disorder city. And that's like, it's one thing to, like, she say didn't. something mean. She didn't. Well, she didn't, but I'm She's saying I just won't do it, you know? Yeah. It's one thing to say something mean, yeah. Well, you say something mean, but it's another thing to, like, it almost feels like cheating to sort of do that where you're, like, causing them to go vomit. Oh, right. Remember my first joke I ever wrote? Yes. The, how do you kill a girl with an eating disorder? Tell her if you just weighed five pounds less, you would be so pretty. If you lost five pounds more. Part of the RE suite, that and how do you kill a blind guy? Make the sound at the crosswalk. And then I love all animals. Well, not all animals. I don't love Palestinians. Yeah, that was the trifecta. The, first, the two went together, the, the Palestinians. The Palestinians was a great joke. I remember we doing it at the end Urban. And then I remember when you did the Burns pilot back when you weren't a big enough name to do the actual show. I'd probably uh, get on there now. What? I could probably get on there now. I think you could make it. If they it, did the burn on. now, yeah, you and on. I shot the pilot and did really well at the pilot. Yeah, you would have gotten on. I yeah, know I would have gotten you. But it's funny because when you did the pilot, I was like, what about that Palestinian animal joke? You're like, yeah, oh, yeah. And I really, that was the one that was singled out for praise. 
by the writers by the writers yeah. did not get included in the burn pilot um uh Tape, tape they made you know why because well yeah they live in fear of some palestinian in vegas being part of the focus group <laughs> that is the way the company i like to accept that guy's nose <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but to like to say to a girl you're dating hey hey fatty no it wasn't like that it wasn't anything like that it was like hey um it's like it like well, Natasha, she's, though, she's like three feet like tall. hey tuck your shirt and your shirt's all done your shirt's totally wrinkled. How much? Well, had she gotten fat? How fat had she gotten? She gained like five, ten pounds on, on that on body. She's pound. like three feet tall, so yeah. that's like on thirty a on a human woman. person. I remember when I threw water at it, and Duncan was like, oh, "Dude, yeah. you, you threw water at a ninety-two pound woman." And I definitely should not have done that. But my response to that was, "Water doesn't affect ninety-two pound people any more than it does hundred That was pound people. such a Rorschach blot when you poured that water on her because I was like, <laughs> "Seems reasonable to me." And Morgan Murphy, some people like, "That's awful." And Morgan Murphy's like. Ari, what are you doing You're to me? You're making this really hard Are, for me. <laughs> only Morgan would look at that scene and say, what does this have to do with Morgan? <laughs> You're making this really hard yes. for me. <laughs> How is this affecting Morgan? <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, there was a great picture. There's two great pictures in my life I've seen that really says things that I want. And one is in, in Hamilton, Ontario, after... This guy, Patrick Coppolino. Is either of them a Marmaduke? No. no okay. Not. Keep going. Uh, so this guy, Patrick, who went up on a monster store with us for four, two months, four yeah. months up the coast. Remember that thing we did? Me and I Tripoli and Jason Rouse and Chris Do remember Neff. that. Yeah. The, the van. Uh-huh. The van of death and hell. Fucking shitting in tubs. Rouse would shit in tubs, man. No, he wouldn't. He would stick his butt over the one end of the tub and projectile Look, shit. Say what you will about my personality, but that to me says childhood trauma so much more. <sighs> and he would laugh and he goes, there's a problem with the plumbing. <laughs> These are like Motel Sixes. No, it's, it's awful. You'd open up the bathroom door, and you're like, "Oh, what's that's that like smell? when you you ever have a Greek landlord." No, I had a Greek landlord. <laughs> they they insisted to me, insisted. This is when I was subletting for Rachel Arieff. The Greek land, she said, "Look, the landlord's going to tell you you can't flush toilet paper. Just ignore it." And th- but the landlord was out of it. I'm like, "Yeah, that's fine." Because in Greece, apparently, it's waxy toilet paper, and you're supposed to put it in the trash can. I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure, I'll do that." But it's like oh. the problem with the plumbing. There was no problem with the fucking right. plumbing. That's funny. Yeah, you don't flush it in China either. You throw it away. Um, anyway, brought this girl around. We had this giant. It was like a month after, three weeks after the um, the Monsters tour. We had a wrap up show in Hamilton, Ontario. Yeah, right outside London, or outside uh, Toronto. It's where uh, Patrick is from. So it was like a giant show. He brought this girl he's hanging out with. She already had sex with Neff and Rouse, but whatever. That's a real a girl who has a type. Yeah. Um, so they've been hanging out since then for the last month. They've been back. So we're all there. We're getting drunk. I told Patrick, I'm like, dude, get this girl out of here. She's getting flirty. With whom? Just flirty in general. Plus, she wants to have sex with you. I can tell she wants to have sex with you. So get her out. Oh, you mean got her. I thought you meant kick her out. She's going to cause a problem uh-huh. with Neff and Rouse. Take like, her home. Have sex take her home. Her. Yeah, it's yeah. time to take her home. She wants to make, make almost the complete set. She wants to do the whole Franklin Mint. Without you, she didn't get to complete every cup. Anyway. She got most. There's a smoking area in the back in okay. a, like a garden area where it's not really for smoking. It's really just for the um, the old kegs and the trash. But people went out there to smoke cigarettes yeah. and joints. Patrick, uh, Patrick's friend who ran the place, ran and got him and said, Patrick, you got to look at this. Somebody's having sex in the back. Oh, my God. You got to look at this. He just saw some guy and girl fucking. Yeah. He thought Patrick would love it. And if it's the girl getting fucked. By somebody else totally different? By Sam Tripoli. Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I was about to say, that's three out of five. Yeah. 
And she denied it later. She denied it? She was like, it's not what it looks like. And he, wait, his wait, response, uh, that Ralph not- reminded me of, his response was, <laughs> I saw it going in. <laughs> you can't tell me it's not what it looks like. I mean, I saw it going to in. Me, to my mind, that girl sounds so much like a comedian. Yeah. Because you know my rule about if you left money in front of table yeah. for like 10 comedians. They take it. Nine of them would take the money and the 10th would also take the table. <laughs> That's the advice I got when I started working at the comedy store. Don't leave anything here. They'll take it. Oh, yeah. Who? Comics. Take Remember anything. Harris Pete. What do you mean take anything? Like They were like an old fucking oh, yeah. uh, water-soaked copy of a Sports Illustrated non-swimsuit issue. Gone. They'll yeah. take it. Harris Pete like would get angry at people for not stealing with him. Oh, yeah. That's right. That was like a cause of a lot of beef. Yeah. The fuck you ruining the system for me. Harris Pete was not a, a fan of me either. No, he was mean also. He was a very mean guy. What'd yeah, you, of- you know, by the way, let me tell you something. If I think about a ghost of Christmas future, it's Harris Pete. Of you being that. Yeah, I've worried so about that. how does that, that make you feel about, yeah, like you're going, you're going that way? Well, you know, you start to rationalize. You're like, well, Harris never wrote. So then like maybe he just didn't have any talent. But I remember saying, I remember doing an impression of Harris on stage where he's like, because Harris also insisted that uh, I was the... Sit here, bathroom's in the back, shut up and sit down. It was the one line I remember was, I wish I followed Lebetkin off the Hyatt. Oh, that's what he said? No, I said that as Harris. Oh, yeah. And Harris just glared and uh, oh. Dice pulled me aside and said, maybe you shouldn't be so mean. And I'm like, look, he said I was the worst comic in the history of the store and Jim Varney was the best one. So I think I have a little bit of a license to Dice, do that. Dice goes up the steps and he saw that guy. What was that guy who was on stage who said he was doing tonight? Dom Herrera? No, oh, no. Al Lubell, the greatest Dice Al story. Yeah, I said, I'm doing the Letterman. Can I get ready? I need to get five minutes on your show. People this like, is yeah, the sure, greatest. Doing Letterman. Too great. Yeah. Oh, I got bumped. So a month later, he's like, oh, I'm doing spots and doing Letterman. That went on for like six, eight months. You until, went doing Letterman? Until. Until what? Well, remember, that's when Lubell is doing a showcase set for Letterman that was never going to happen. And Dice walks through or walks the room, up the steps and it's dead silent. And all you hear is Dice walking through the room and saying, light this zero. And <laughs> light this light zero. goes right on and then he never did another showcase again. That's the second best Dice story. Light this zero. Light this zero. Dude, dude on stage doing comedy, you go, light this zero. zero. Light him up. Get him off. Jesus. So great. The light- other best, I'll tell you the best Dice story I've ever heard. Uh, Dice is this is from Rick Ingram. Dice is in uh, airport baggage claim. Area. Airport, I know this one. That's Eleanor's yes. story. Eleanor is standing with him, and there are two bull dyke hardcore lesbians behind him. And Dice, being Dice, well, Dice and Eleanor fuck around a lot, a lot. But Dice sees these two, and then he looks. Eleanor, at what are you doing, dummy? Dummy, get the bags, dummy. And then she plays it. Like, oh, sorry, sorry Dice. Dice. Where should I get them? Should I put it there on all? Dummy, yet? get the. He just excoriates. Just get them. one, and then get the other. Excoriates Eleanor. Said, sorry, Andrew. So she's okay, running. She plays into it. Plays oh, perfect. Here's one. I'll go get the other one. I'll be right back, Andrew. And the lesbians are going. Oh, unbelievable! You can see they're just their moral outrage has been reached. Like it, like some NPR story. Andrew, it's not back yet. Should I wait till it comes around again? <laughs> dummy, get the bag, dummy. <laughs> okay, Andrew. So then, as she's running to get the final bag, Dice turns to the lesbians and says, "Chicks, you dudes know what I'm talking about." <laughs> and he did that for an audience of one for Rick Ingram, and that is it. Just for Dice and whoever happened to be standing around. And that is why you got to love the man because that guy is really committed to it. Yeah. So when you see a guy here, let's not talk about yet about turning into him. But when you, I do, I tell you, I worry about Harris Pete. Well, all right, let's talk about that. Let me tell you why. Okay. Also Harris 
Uh, he was okay. For those who don't know, he was an old, mean, alone guy who was still working as a door guy thirty years later. And the only time I saw him smile was when he threw a blonde down the stairs. Threw her. Threw her. Now he was never mean to anybody. I remember going up to Harris. My first introduction to Harris was I was too afraid to go downstairs for about yeah. six months working the phones. Uh-huh. Wasn't my place. Finally went downstairs. I wouldn't talk to anybody. I would just see, I'd be satellite of conversations. You know, yeah, absolutely. Looking Which is around. the way to handle the store as a new guy. And by the way, that's a way to handle every place. I saw an old video especially. of Patrice and Norton and a few other people like all shitting on each other. And you see Metzger and Big J in the back, just like, ah, ah, yeah. just like loving being able to be there. Like the they Muppet didn't try babies. to butt in. Yeah. But you know what butts in? Kevin Hart was like, fuck this. I'm new too. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And that's the annoying guy who you don't want to be around. Who became the big movie star. Doesn't matter who he became. You know, was annoying Hart in that conversation. Is the black comic version of the little girl with the empty bag. I'm going to be a, I'm going to have a, <laughs> Jesus. And probably about the same height as that little girl with the empty bag. <laughs> and your face, Hart. <laughs> fuck you for being a movie star. <laughs> um, so Harris Pete was 30 years old. So wait, so I remember going downstairs and Jackson Perdue was there. I saw him. I recognized him from from his headshot. I saw Jackson and I saw his name. I was like, oh, that's Jackson Perdue. I talked to him on the phone. He called into the Vales and I called him and told him he had a Vales. I've done this for a few weeks now. I figured, why not? I'm like, hey, Jackson, uh, my name's Ari. I work on the phones. I talked to you on the phones. I actually called you today to give you a spot. He goes, oh, hey, man, how are you? Nice to meet you. I saw Harris there and I'm an unchanged newbie to the comedy store yeah. and I just think that's what you're supposed to do and I go hi I'm Ari Shafir put my hand out to shake his hand and he he just looks at it and he goes so that's oh. Harris Pete in one word so so I've never experienced rudeness like that before yeah and it was not even earned that's the thing with Harris. And it also, the thing what, is... What, earned rudeness? Like, it wasn't yeah. like I pissed him off and he was rude. Like, remember when you were doing jokes on the Comedy Store webpage or writing jokes and uh-huh. Mitzi just yelled at you and later you're like, well, she was right to yell at me. Yeah, those are corny jokes. Yeah. But in this case, those Harris was jokes. just... Fuck, I forgot about that. Just a piece of shit. Yeah, so... And, but anyway, I remember hearing how somebody told me, he goes, he had a girl that really liked him and she wanted to marry him and she didn't. And I thought... That's awful. And then I went through my relationship with uh, with my lovely girlfriend, and I was thinking, oh, my God, David, you're Harris Pete. You're Harris Pete. You're yeah. Harris Pete. It's a real eye-opener. Yeah. Yeah. But then I think Harris's problem wasn't that he was an asshole. I think the problem is he just didn't have any talent. No, no, no. Did you ever I see him do stand-up? That's, I'm not saying that's what made him an asshole. Well, you know the story about Harris. That is problem that held him back in life. Do you life. remember the story about Harris? as a human. The three people yeah. in the 70s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the greatest Harris story, really. Three guys in the 70s that said, if one of us makes it, we all make it. Yeah, let's make a pact. We'll all take care of each other if we all make it. David Letterman, Jay Leno, and Harris Pete. Yeah. No, I definitely look back at that. And they were like, the rumor was they didn't keep up their end. But I look back at that. I was yeah. like, we were just talking shit one day in the parking lot. Absolutely. And you know, Marin basically. It means I had you on my show. Well, Marin also like basically uh, confirmed that when he said when he did Letterman the first time, Letterman asked about the store on a, during a commercial break. The one thing he said was, "Harris Pete still work there?" Really? Yeah. Like they are friends. Like he somebody you knew. Wow. But now, I'm not asking about why he didn't make it in his career because I really don't care about making it a career in terms of like humanity. Yeah. When you see a guy like Harris and you see people let's. Sh- shirk away from him just avoid him he's just a, he's a virus yeah absolutely and you see yourself becoming that well that's that's a worry yeah do you, i mean i used to worry about being doug benson and being 40 and dating 22 year olds and then lo and behold it has happened <laughs> <laughs> that's what you it's crazy that you would worry about something that sounds pretty great i mean that's what pissed me off about doug benson and now yeah. i actually love the guy 
Yeah, he seems like a good guy. I don't Super really know. Nice. Yeah. And I realized what pissed me off about him was, was you saw was yourself my fear in of becoming certain things that he was. Yeah, this doting sort of like. Well, the, remember the, one of his girlfriends playing. Yeah, well, I was messages. about to use the name. Yeah, she was in the back of the Bruco playing his voicemail messages. And you're like saying how much he loved her. I was like, Jesus, yeah. she's shitting on him, and he's in love with her. Funny about that. That's girl. what I did not want to be. Yeah, that girl is now thirty and acting still like an eighteen-year-old. Yeah, still looks good, but it was—it's like that personality has got to change. Yeah, exactly. You can't be. Yeah, but when you see that, you don't want to be that guy. No, I don't want to be Harris Pete. That's a—that's a real fear. So now. Are you, and I do this sometimes, are you just going to be like, I hope I don't become that, or are you going to do like the physical therapy to not do that? Well, one of the reasons Harris Pete was Harris Pete was that he wasn't friends with anybody new. So whenever somebody new comes to the store, I introduce him around. I'm trying to be very nice to him. That is one of the reasons. You see Don Barris always being relevant to the young guys because he always loves young guys around him. I, I'm, I don't and necessarily love young acts, guys around him. way younger than he is. The store is the door guys. So if you don't get along with the door guys, you shouldn't be there. So when a new person comes... You be nice to them because that is the store. That is who the store is. Yeah. Also, I remember, we were both remember being door guys. And yeah. Most people being dicks. And some people being nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember like, and that's also why you can really tell who worked the door and who worked in the lot when you see them park. Because the people who worked in the lot, when they park. <laughs> yeah. They ask me that. So I pull in. Then I pull back out, turn around and move it into like a yeah. nicer spot. Like where it's like, oh, this will be better here. Yeah. They're like, first of all, how'd you get in there? Second yeah. of all, how'd you know I wanted it there? <laughs> like you can see. What do you mean? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, but then the guys who never had to do that are often. I worked a lot for a month to get back to basics. I remember after, that. After I Every day. Every day. Yeah. I was like, let me do this for a month. And during that month, I found out some girl got pregnant and she was deciding whether or not to have the abortion through that month. Wasn't that the girl who you got her very drunk because you figured? Cause remember, I was telling you, I was like, Ari, you got to have her early because the first time she has a dream with this baby, she's or she names it, she's keeping the baby. Yeah. So you said your your the strategy was so great. It was you made sure she drank and smoked as much as she could during that month to sort of nudge she that. Said, okay, decision. I'm going to have the abortion, but let me you know schedule for like a month from now. Glug glug glug. Yeah, well, yeah. drink up now. Make sure you have to do it now. exactly. And then <laughs> that was my real thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's and honestly, I think that's how a lot of Russian babies get born. <sighs> that's also, I think, how Dean Gelber ended up. You know that theory, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fetal alcohol syndrome. Absolutely. Now, yeah, Harris wasn't friends with the new guys. He definitely did that. He definitely didn't have talent. But there's plenty of guys who aren't friends with the new guys and don't have talent. Well, then, but they're not they're not reviled like that. Well, yeah. So if you have one of those traits, you probably should do the other two. Or you have two of those traits, rather, you should do the third. Yeah. If you are a jerk with no talent, then you probably should be nice to the young guys. And if you have a lot of talent and you're not a jerk, then you don't have to be nice. Yeah. You're going to be fine. Yeah, it comes up sometimes, Dave, when it shouldn't come up. Sure. It's tough to deal with. It's my biggest problem as my friend, as you're as you're my friend with you. What? I didn't say that. My right. biggest problem, we're going to talk about my friends, is... Uh, Pot smoking. So yeah, it's that your gone. your memory has been really hashed, and I'm worried that as you get older, it's going to get worse and worse, and you're going to start calling me more and more like my fucking dad for things that are really obvious. Uh, hey, what's it like outside? Um, yeah, I was talking to uh, the Scrabble guys. The, uh, oh, Tyler and Jeremy. Yeah, and I was like, "Fucking pot has ruined my head." And one of the two of them smoke, and they're like, "Hey, I'm like, pot Jeremy not reading pot not reading has ruined your mind." I'll say this about Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy is the most. He's incredible because. He is such a brilliant maniac that even when he was doing Wake and Bake, he just was still laser focused and never forgot anything. Kyle said he took a, 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 a um, what's it called? Intelligence test. 
Yeah. Before he started this, waking baking every single day. Yeah. And they took one at, after a year of waking baking every day. And it was like 35 points lower. 35 points lower when he was smoking pot. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy Hortz is just a maniac. Yeah. He's just an incredible person. Uh, also a great Deadpool player. And by the way, 31st out of 1,200 this year. You I am right rolling now. in the Deadpool. Who have you gotten so far? Sam Simon, Kaching, Stuart Scott. You and they're doing. That when you've been bragging about. Yeah. St- so when Stuart Scott, when they have a fucking company event for him in December and they're talking about how his cancer came back for a third time, chalk him. He was a definite, and also the king of Saudi Arabia, and I got some others, like Zsa Gabor. I'm ready to go with her. Man, I really was happy with my pick a few years ago when I played with the uh, king of Syria, because I was yeah. like, oh, he's on his way out. They're going to be revolution. Yeah, no, he power. survived. But yeah, now there's no This dude was, you, like, let me tell you something. You want people who are terminal. That is absolutely, so, yeah. that's money in the bank, Deadpool. And I got three hits already in like two or three months. So 31st of 1,200. I saw in your, the, I, one year I did... Um, uh, uh, Stan Hopes. Yeah. And you were doing that giant one with how many people? Uh, like 1,200 and 1200 the Whitney Houston thing. Yeah. yeah. But like nobody in your pool the had it. The reason was Whitney Houston was a bad play. I, I know, know it but paid like off. Three people in our yes, pool because had it out they of like were 40. rookies. Yeah. It's the same way but that. Whitney Houston, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, that's my point. That was why it was a bad play. Yeah. You know, the fact that three people. Like when did, you hit a three pointer that's from half court, you like still got pulled out of the game. Like, but I hit it. Like, why you terrible shot. Pull up three? Terrible, terrible shot. practice. Yeah. But anyway, my point is, that's my biggest problem with my friendship with you, where sometimes it gets so uncomfortable around you when I yeah. have to walk away. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? And it's not that I great. I love it's, discomfort. Dave, Dave, I can't be here for this. Oh, I love it. It's so bad. I have to like leave. I find that feeling, and it, separate from any sort of career things or anything about like, there is something about me, and, and I, I swear it's biological, it's genetic, I've always felt this way, incredibly uncomfortable situations are just a joy for me. And it, you know, I like uncomfortable situations too. Look, you it's know who I, that. it's like, Oh, you guys, your exes and you're like, it's not that it's the meanness is like it's a different kind of uncomfortable. I remember when Sean, Sean Miller and, and Duncan, they didn't like each other. Yeah. And they were both, Duncan was the talent coordinator. Sean was yeah. in the phones and I was the assistant and they were both down there one day. Duncan was getting papered. It's like, Oh cool. He's trying to be pleasant and nice. And I was like, wait, don't you guys not like each other? I thought you guys didn't like it. And they both got super awkward. I like those kind of things, but not like, I just find, like, hey, Duncan, I heard your father died yesterday. How are you feeling about that? Oh, and it's like, oh, I've got to be out of here. Hey, you slut. Oh, I've got to be out of this situation. It's just mean. <laughs> it's not uncomfortable. It's just mean. It's just like, whoa. I love, you know, who I, the career I want to have is, is Jerry Springer. Yeah, why? Because uncomfortable. Jerry Springer is incredible at, he always has these crazy situations and he always has this look in his eye like, who could have expected it. this? <laughs> yeah. Every episode, it's like, well, I can't believe it happened again. Yeah. Like, who would have thought this was going to happen? And it always seems new because like a great performer, he always makes it new every time. And that to me, is because you know why? Jerry Springer is an absolute chaos freak. Not a question. Yeah. Anybody who would be a mayor of a major metro- metropolitan city yeah. and write a check to a prostitute is a clear chaos freak. He's somebody who just doesn't like comfortable situations and wants to shake things up. Yeah, he does. I don't mind shaking stuff up. I don't mind trolls. It's just like the, it's like beatings. It's like, oh, oh, oh hey, guys, 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 guys. Mm. Oh, if I told you the, we talked about this, my new favorite um, online videos. What? Uh, Bully Gets Knocked Out videos. Oh, yeah, those are pretty fun. Yeah, like I introduced- The little kid was the first one that everybody saw that one. Where he oh, yeah. Them. You know, the joke about that is that it really, that's all narrative when you consider the kid who got body slammed was like four years younger than the kid who did the slamming. Oh, really? Yeah, so when you think about it, 
Why was he beating on him? Because that kid was just a big dumb oaf. Yeah. Uh, when you think about it, like really, that's that could have been told a different way. Yeah. But I introduced Leo. My, that's uh, like that. Uh, that's like the what's it called video? They chopped off the first seven and a half minutes. The Rodney King. Rodney King. Yeah. And all I show is some cops beating somebody. He's like, well, what's that about? I'm like, well, if you saw the seven and a half minutes, then ABC, NBC, CBS, well, in fairness, CNN, the problem, all cut out. But the problem with that argument is that the cops still probably shouldn't have been wailing on him. All right, but show the thing. Don't make it. It's a new story with him just, You're just right. wailing. We need to show the context for that race. Show him fighting evenly with brutality. four cops. He was fighting to a standstill with four cops. So, Look, I'm not on the cop side ever, but that guy was all jacked up and he was fighting to a standstill with four of them. You and know, they didn't pull their guns out. They fucking fought him back down. <laughs> they didn't shoot him. Dude, I'm just telling you, with what we know now, what we think of cops now, I am not pro fucking violence. It is surprising in retrospect. But he was that they fighting them him. even. It is surprising. Well, he's also loaded up on PCP. Yeah, that's sure, why, more power. That's why the tasers didn't work. They didn't tase him, did they? Yeah, I think they did. I don't remember them tasing him. I think those were pre-tasers. No, they had stung him. They had tasers. PCP, you, the tasers don't work on PCP. Oh, I love that. That's like, that's like taking them with the... With the um, uh, pepper spray. Right? Yeah. Have you, uh, the thing about uh, PCP is online cop stories about it are pretty great. Really? Yeah, Google for that. Online cop stories about PCP? People they've seen on PCP. They just do crazy shit. Like you'll see about guys who have broken handcuffs. Marijuana, marijuana, PCP, PCP. All the teachers have it. All the students want it. Why can't we? Something like that. <laughs> That's Frere Jaca. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where that song came from. And marijuana and PCP are completely different. Yeah, that's a completely different like journey. idiot fourth grade Jew kids. Well, you, you <laughs> showed them. Lyrics. You know what you should do is go back to your Jewish school. Let me teach you some better lyrics to these songs, you guys. <laughs> Beat it, Grandpa. Um... You know, uh, yes. Am I a prick? Absolutely. Like, uh, I'm pretty yeah, sure. There's no question. Of course you're a prick. Yeah. Not, I just want to ask you about it. Okay, sure. Like, uh, you know, well, what are you saying? Am I going to change? I'm sure at some do point. Do you feel any desire to change? Not are you going to. I mean, do you feel any desire to, like, not have people react viscerally against you when your name comes up? And, of course, I don't know what the name word viscerally means. but No, you really got it. You actually did a great job there. Congratulations. Ooh, remember things. Just memories of things. Not the actual word, but like this feels That's right. That's the way the brain works. Congratulations. I mean, a healthy brain. I yeah. don't know about yours. Long term. I've learned this word a long time ago. Good for you. Good for you. It and is. The marijuana it's, song, Sometimes PCP. talking to you, talking to you is like talking to, to relatives. Literally I've, to an encyclopedia. Well, no, relatives <laughs> I've had who have d- slipped into senility. <laughs> I don't when you were like young well tell me yeah. about those days that's all you remember i know that's it uh i don't know at this point do you feel a desire to change or not i don't guess i do i mean in some ways i feel a desire to change but not in that particular way when you walk out of my manager's house in like a cunty way god that was funny and i i apologize i felt bad but when i was doing it i was enjoying it so much but then i felt bad after i should have done it yeah so i did by the way i called and apologized and i meant it yeah but there's something about me. You had me. to be talked to before you called and what? apologized. You what? had to be called to apologize. It wasn't like you left and go, oh, let me call her real quick. Oh, no. Steve was, came up to me and he started talking. I go, I'll call her to apologize. He goes, okay. I didn't realize that she had insisted on an apology. And honestly, Steve handled me really well because I think he knew that if he did that, that I might get my back up and go, well, fuck that. But I, like, Steve's very good with people. He's very, very good yeah. at like getting you to the place you need to be. Super charismatic. Not just charismatic. I mean, he is, but it's also, he has a thing where he's like, he just is good at nudging you. That's why when we were like, somebody should call Scott, I'd be like, you should do it, Steve. Yes, absolutely. Anybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, what's your, 
I mean, some people would say it's because you have low self-esteem. Of course I have low self-esteem. In what ways? What avenues do you have low self-esteem? I mean, you don't I mean, think your height is too low. I mean, the, Who has self-esteem issues about their height? Short people. That's a different thing. Yeah, and, I know. But I'm saying, like, and honestly, what, do you, what are your self-esteem should. issues associated with? I don't know. Kind of a loser, I guess. I don't know what, like, you know, what it's you like, it's tough to really lo- focus any sort of self-esteem issues on any particular trade. Mm-hmm. It's just something you have or don't. It was one of those things that that article said and the other articles sort of yes. agreed with. It was like, if, if people hit that low self-esteem button, the thing that you feel bad about, then that's more likely to like. I see what you're saying. But that. the problem with that is that everybody has something they feel low self-esteem about, oh, yeah. you know? So, right. It's kind of like what I hate when people say like, oh, she's got daddy issues. I'm like, what does that mean? She loves her father too much. She loves her father too little. What is it? Daddy issues. You're not really saying anything. You're just alluding to there might be, you're not even saying like it's a sexual thing, just issues. So then it's like, you're not saying anything. You're just writing someone off without actually stating what, what their background is. But the problem with saying low self-esteem is, I mean, we're in the world of comedy Mm -hmm. and it's tough to find somebody. A lot of us have low self-esteem. Yeah. I mean, that's the definition. And then. Self-loathing. Most people do. You see David Tell right now, who's in my book. Incredibly talented. In my book, and as good as he's ever been. Yeah, he's super fucking funny. He's like, those jokes suck, dude. It's weird. He's also one of the all-time nice guys. Yeah. That's when I realized what self-loathing means. Yeah. I was like, oh, you can't appreciate your own value. Yeah. Maybe it's because he's gotten so good that now he sees that this joke that he's writing now is like not quite as good as he's capable of. No, that's putting too much. I mean, look, it's no, it's not that it's just, that's the way he is. Yeah. I mean, you're, argument- you know, it's like you beating yourself up over like the one miss foul shot and not saying I went nine for 10. Yeah. But I mean, also you look at a talent. It's like, do you think there was ever a point where he wasn't like that? Mm, good point. No, it's not like before that's even if you go 10 for 10, you think, well, I missed that, uh, you know, that jumper. Yeah. So your question for me is, David, do you want to change? And I suppose the answer is no, because I don't think I want to change. You think you want to stay that way? I guess. I mean, you sort of... There's thing, a difference between not wanting to and not be willing to do what it takes. I mean, I'm supposed to do physical therapy in my knee now. It's starting to act up again. Well, And in, they go, do some exercises. And I go, okay. And I want to be the guy that does the exercises. Well, what's wrong with your knee? I've had two meniscus surgeries. meniscus? Yeah. What's the, the physical therapy is to strengthen the muscles around it? Yeah. So... Won't even be that much effort, but it's like it's like what you said. I quote this all the time. If you but say the, you're gonna have to do something, you never do. It. Like I'm about to start working out. Yeah. I'm gonna start writing. Gonna start. Anyone who says they're gonna start doing that, that's clearly someone who is not doing it and is thinking about it and has not done it yet and yeah. will never do. I got it. this new daily planner. <laughs> okay, yeah. you're just a lot of talk about. So why don't you get a, a fucking dumbbell and actually work out? Yeah. Um. So it's like I tell myself I want to do these things all the time. So wanting to is not the same as like knowing that I'm going to. I guess I'm even two steps away then because I'm not telling myself I'm going to change. Do you, do you see yourself not wanting to or do you see yourself like, oh, I'll just be Harris. It's okay. I guess I'm saying I will be Harris, but I don't think I'm going to be Harris. I mean, I've changed a few things. Like what? Again, I'm, I'm nice to the door guys. Uh-huh. So you used to not be? No, I guess I was always nice to the door guys. Maybe that Harris thing wasn't a real thing. That doesn't go... It doesn't go with what your code of conduct I've seen because it's not about – because Deb Cox, she was a plain-looking woman. Yeah. So was, I know why you wouldn't uh, t- try to take her down a peg the same way you would Daisy very nice. Daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was also something about the attractive people, the people in power. You're generally – Well, what I've seen is like – it's not like – it's not even thought out like I want to take you down a little bit. It's those people in any sort of power. Yeah. Looks, and you know, the irony too wealth, is – 
that's exactly the way to not advance to knock it ahead to, <laughs> to say oh you have something well fuck you yeah, yeah. Like, you can help me out suck my dick yeah because you're left i do this where i used to anyway where it's like you left one's like those guys why am i not making it and they are well they must suck in the industry and not know anything must not know anything so when i met with them whoever it is i'm like well i've already decided that you suck and the industry doesn't know anything so i can't now say Wow, you're so talented. Yeah. You well, can't do it. And it's that uh, Mark Twain quote about James Fenimore Cooper. Once you put it down by his writing, once you put it down, you can't pick it up. Is basically, yeah, it's that. It's like, one, yeah, you've committed to this. It's funny. Yeah. What did I, what did I just say to get So that? back to uh, Deb Cox, who was very nice. She oh, was, yeah. So it's mostly about this power thing. So the yes. door guys are always a downtrodden people. And in what I've noticed about, because this is what I wrote. Uh, oh, you take notes? No, ahead of time. You seem to have a code of conduct. You won't make fun of ugly people. And then I, right after that, go, no, maybe that's not the cat. It's just that category because I have seen you do it with not just ugly and rich people, ugly and uh, attractive people, but it's other things too. Door guys are downtrodden people. Yeah. Maybe it's because I relate to them because yeah. I am and that always will be a door. Who was very pretty. You're like, yeah, you know what? She's just an employee. Yeah. She's just getting off work. She ain't doing anything. You anyway. know, I will say this. Once I started doing minimum wage shit. Uh-huh. I started being a lot nicer to service people because I was like, you can't not relate to that. Yeah. Maybe the problem is I have no sympathy, but I have a lot of empathy. So if it's something very specific I can connect with, I tend to be okay. Yeah. But anything else, I'm like, fuck them. Yeah. So maybe the solution is for me to become successful and then I'll be nice to successful people to other successful because people. finally I'll relate to them. I worry about being like a crotchety old man. I worry about that, and I try to work on it sometimes. What? How do you? What are you worried about being a crotchety old man? Well, like ah, you don't. I don't just like not crotchety. Excuse me, that's the wrong word. Um, like I, uh, I, uh, the type of guy who would scream at some forty-one-year-old no. comic about podcasts. No, who would just lock the door and stay inside? Crotchety is not the right word at all. Stay inside all the time and not have any new friends and just be like just slough off everything that's not already in my own world. So just somebody set in your ways. Yeah. And I, and I worried about that and I went out of my way to try to like, you know, I asked Nick for like, send me some new music and I, you know, oh, yeah. I, I had to try to get out of the house, especially after Allie left and I was really like hoarding everything. Oh yeah. And I was like, I can, j- I'm going to be this thing that Harris version of like, uh, you know, yeah. Is that why you went to New York? No, but that definitely helped my hoarding. This was when you watched reservation road and had your big epiphany that. What was Reservation Road? The fucking Leonardo DiCaprio movie. You had oh, some yeah, Revolutionary big, Road. Revolutionary Road. No, that didn't get me to go to New York. That got me to um, go into a depression for three and a half yeah, years. Good for years. you. Good for you. How'd you pull out of that one? Success? Pills. Okay. It's been four years since I've, since I've uh, been taking the pills. Five years. Oh, wow. Did they help? I'm off them now. But since like October. For me, working out makes a huge difference. Absolutely. I mean, that problem was severe depression and mine was not severe. I'm not saying, by the way, that that everybody can solve their problems with working out. No, no. no. I think everyone can not solve your problem, but make your problems lessened by getting sun and by working out. Vitamin D and work. Yeah, for me. And by talking to other people, other human interactions also helps. But it might not overcome all the depression, but it'll help you get less depressed. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But the problem is... When you can't get out of bed, it's tough to go down to the UCLA steps and run around a lot. You can't even get to the fridge. Oh, yeah. I don't disagree. Yeah. Uh, that's, but in my case, I've, I've always been close enough to par that I work out. It yeah, eating better there. helps too. A little bit, yeah. Don't but forget my depression sugar. was, and I had suicidal thoughts all the time, it was mm-hmm. moderate depression. 
people with severe depression are like, fuck. Have you had any friends kill themselves? Um, no, I don't believe I have. I have. Yeah? Yeah. Yang? No, he, he lives. Brandon. Brandon. Who moved here with me. Was the only person I knew when I moved here. What? Oh, really? I knew nobody. What we and I called him and I'm like, hey, I'm going to, to, uh, to L.A. And he was living in Albuquerque. And he's like, I'll come with you. I'm like, great. So we moved here. And then he was in the middle of a schizophrenic uh, snap. And, like, and it got worse and worse and worse. And it was like, it was awful. Because you live with this guy, even though it's in fourth grade. And you don't know how to deal with him. And you just ignore him. And it gets worse and worse. And you just want him out. Yeah. So then he left and then he sent me the laptop that I had loaned him from right beforehand. Yeah. I got it in the mail. Wow. That's a thing. A lot of them do. You know, the thing is I, I do. It's a fucking cliche. Did was you on, know as soon as he sent it to you? No, it was in the Chad Lowe movie. And for some reason I didn't connect. I'm like, Oh, he sent back the laptop. But a week later when our friend what called, Chad Lowe movie? Oh, that movie. Well, yeah. movie, when our friend called and I, he, my tableman goes, Hey, uh, Ro- uh, Robert's calling. I'm like, Brandon's dead. You knew. I knew it. It's weird. I've done that too before where my grandfather was not sick at all. Yeah. Like he was fine. He was in his eighties, but he walked around. Mm-hmm. He did shit. Yeah. And I got a call from my mom when I was in Israel. Like, Hey, your mom called. And it was like, Oh, grandpa's dead. He's dead. Yeah. I was like, I don't know how I knew that. And not even grandma. It was like, I knew it was him. I knew he was gone. Speaking so of Polly, you know, so I, I take the call. Polly's dead? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I take the call and I have to go into work because I'm answering the phones. I come in like an hour late. Polly's sitting on the phones with his shirt off, taking calls. <laughs> and he goes, you're late, bro. I said, Polly, my friend just killed himself. He goes, oh, that's terrible. Then it's like a mo- human moment. He goes, that's happened. It's, it just hurts Did a lot of people. his girlfriend? That's, he referenced it. He said, Savannah? Savannah. He said, that happens. And then he goes, you know, I was really depressed. That's why I started making my movie. And I'm like, how the fuck did we get to him plugging? <laughs> I'm sitting there. I'm like, this, it was like such a surreal moment. I'm like, Brandon's dead. I'm sitting here with a shirtless Polly Shore at the comedy store where I work for a minimum wage. And he's plugging his fucking movie. Yeah. And this, this is my life. And then as it turns out, that's been my life ever since. Yeah. When you, um, when you, uh, I was going to say two things. Well, one, when you hear about it holding you back in, in, in the business, in your you know, the career, problem does that with make it, you want to change or no? Here's or the problem. Like, it's never that acute because here's the thing. Uh, in one specific instance, I did hear, yes, I was told somebody was pushing for me for a writing job on a show that I'm happy I didn't get. Yeah, sure. And but another person. That doesn't really matter. Yeah. Another person said, don't do it. And I was annoyed. And then. I was most annoyed about is that that person not that they did it but they thought that i would never be in a powerful enough position to to return the fire because that's the biggest disrespect is when you do something to somebody you're saying i don't think you're ever gonna be able to do anything to me and that's or what also pis- it's like i mean lawrence would ask me about stuff sometimes mm-hmm. lawrence would ask me our commercial agent yeah ask me about comics my first thought was just like i'm gonna try to get every comic i know yeah. a fucking commercial agent yeah but then he was like eventually explains to me he's like ari you can either be in the commercial agency that has Jim Carrey, or you can have the commercial agency that has a bunch of your loser friends. This was not and somebody goes, who worked and, for the company. And at some point, I realized, like, yeah. oh, I'm actually friends with Lawrence. So my job is not to the comics I don't know that I've heard of twice. My job is to him. So I'll tell him, like, that guy's funny. That guy's not. That girl's doing okay. That girl's doing terrible. And I'll just let him know. It's like, it's up to you who to hire. Well, the irony is the person who shot me down is somebody who I had. Didn't even work there. 
uh, whose script I had punched. Oh, really? Yes. It's just about your meanness. Yeah. And so anyway, and then I'm like, you know what? Totally cool. But that's rare. Usually it's much more diffuse where I have heard this. About there are you. plenty of reasons you can fail. And that's just one of them. And it's, yeah. you know, the most lobbyists is, well, you're just not that good. And that's yeah, one sure. I've been willing to embrace. Yeah. I've heard this about you too, where somebody's like, was doing something They're like, just don't tell David Taylor what I'm doing. And they were like, it was Kevin Christie. And he was like, why? Uh, why? She goes, I just don't want them knowing anything about me i just he's just not at all a joy to deal with in any way i just rather that guy kevin know me that. in any way about yeah about an actor so oh. like i wonder who it was when you hear that well it depends on who it was okay because if it is some if i hear i decide how i felt about that depending on how, who the person was and i think most people would right there would be one or two people. I'd be like, oh, that's a real bummer. I like that person. And if it weren't, I'd be like, well, what the fuck do I care about that person anyway? Well, that what you care is it's like, there's another peer in your industry that it's like, if somebody comes like, what do you think about that guy? They'd be like, oh, that guy's a virus on a writing team. You don't Ari, want him at your office. Here's the deal. That look, I understand that that personality, look, here's the, I understand. Absolutely. You don't see it getting back to you. Uh, whether or not it gets back to me at some point you have to fucking pick the hill you're going to die on. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the capacity or the desire to be that guy who's Mr. Fun with everybody. Now, I'll be fun with Mr. Fun with everybody, just not mean to people. I know, but like sometimes you're he like. It's to be Bobby Lee. Well, yeah, the Bobby is so good at that. Yeah, Bobby's great at that. He'll be great at like, somebody's like, hey, Bobby's like, hey, how you doing? I poke yeah. him in the stomach, then he goes like, who was that guy? Yeah, Bobby <laughs> like, is. Dude, you just Bobby you is incredible at that. But there's a difference between that and the opposite extreme. There's a middle ground of just like, hi, how are you? What's your name again? Oh, okay. Instead of. I don't fucking know you. Walk away from me. I think I have done that once or twice. Not that people deserve it. Not Minnie Dean, who you've actually decided. I Minnie dislike Dean this guy. is one of those people. Minnie, those are justified attacks. Minnie Dean and Dean, if I saw them hit by a car, and I've said this, if they saw them hit their car and I was the one person keeping them alive, I would drive away smiling and turn the music up just a little bit louder and sing along to it a little bit more. <laughs> Turn the radio up yes. for that sweet sound. I don't think I'd be listening to Make Me Lose Control by Eric Carmen. Is that who it was? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea how that got in my head. I told you about Ashley's mom, what she did once. What? Eric Carmen was the one celebrity who lived in Cleveland. And he was checking out Ashley's mom back in the day because Ashley's mom was quite pretty. Oh, really? And uh, Ashley's mom is in a Rite Aid. And Eric Carmen's checking her out. And she says, get your hungry eyes off me. Really? Yes. She said that to him? To Eric Carmen, yes. Because he, he sang Hungry Eyes? Yes, because he, he sang Hungry Eyes. That was, that was a, um, a, what's it called song, wasn't it? Dirty Dancing? Yeah, Dirty Dancing, I think. What a great soundtrack that was. That was one of the first soundtracks oh, come on, man. had. You know, it's so funny. I mean, in terms of longevity. Of course, that, you're, you're, Ari, big, you are becoming the cliche. That movie's about a Jewish day camp, and you've become the old Jews. Yeah, like, I went to Moshe This is <laughs> five years. We didn't have non-Jews working there. Um, I mean, it hit so long. What that soundtrack was powerful as fuck. Powerful? I mean, like it, it fucking every it song did have a hit. bunch. It did have a bunch and of And that's hits. when we weren't getting soundtrack like to movies that were like, 
hit songs. Oh, like what are you that. talking about? 80s had a bunch of hit soundtracks. Top Gun. Top Gun. Kenny had a good Loggins one. has a career because of soundtracks. Top Gun had a good one. Um, uh, San Elmo's Fire had a great one. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Dirty Dancing was epic. And let's not forget uh, Back to the Future and National Lampoon's Vacation as the catchiest song of all time. Yeah, that's a great one. Holiday Road by Lindsey Buckingham Road. should be oh, studied that, by scientists. I heard a punk version of that. That was no way. Sick. Was it as catchy as Holiday Road as by Lindsey Buckingham? I think it was my maybe Lagwagon, and they did a Holiday Road right. just as a fuck like you. a KMFDM. But it might not have been. Wait, who was I just looking up? Oh, Dirty Dancing soundtrack. Dirty jokes not there yet. R.I.P. to Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey's nose. In yeah, a way, right. both of those actors are dead. Remember, it's like you know. Oh yeah, when she was came back with she her played new herself. face, and uh, the bald dude from Sex and the City was on that too. Listen to these. Listen to this. Oh my God, song one. Tell me if you don't remember any of these. I know all these songs. Yeah, I've had the time of my life. Jennifer. Yeah, Jennifer Warren's and Bill Medley. Who's Be My Baby? Oh, they're on, that's an old one. These are all a bunch of like 60s songs, and then even then, like you've lost that love and feeling. I think is on that soundtrack. I've had the time of my life. Is not a 60s song, is it? No, it wasn't. A, but Bill Medley She's was like the wind brother. She's yeah. like the wind song three by Patrick Swayze. You're written by Patrick Dude, Swayze. Dude, yeah. That, that guy was talented as fuck. Part of the whole raft of actors singing with Bruce Willis and Don Johnson wow. and Jack Wagner. Then Hungry Eyes by Eric Carmen. Yes. Already, that's four hits like that. You're like, good soundtrack. All in fairness, Be My Baby is kind of cheating. It is kind of cheating. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Who didn't know that was a hit? That was already a hit that for was already 40 years. A hit. Yes. Hell, that was the money that let Phil Spector by the, still, by the hooker he murdered. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll still say this is a successful soundtrack with three hits. Oh, yeah. And, that, and this was a one. huge, it's a huge soundtrack. Yes. Number four, number, f- number four, Hungry Eyes. Number five, this one I don't know. Stay by Maurice William and the Zodiacs. Uh, I think that that's what, oh, yeah. Stay just a little bit longer. You've heard it. He oh, sings in falsetto. a little bit yeah. longer. That's an old one, too. That's a cheater one. Yes by Mary Clayton. Which was the Now That I Can Dance one? Mary Clayton is spelled Happy Mary. M-E-R-R-Y? Uh-huh. How does that go? Yes by Mary Clayton? How does that one go? That's the only one, one I don't, don't know. know. Can I use the bathroom? Can we stop this so I can use the bathroom? Yeah. I'm loading this up while you're in the bathroom anyway. I want to hear it. No, that's Dark Knight trilogy. What is this? What movie is this? Two weeks before Blu-ray. Space? Oh, Interstellar looks good. Okay. This seems new. New for them. No memory of this. I barely remember this. That was the chorus.
This sounds like uh, like something the Pointer Sisters would have rejected. Let's call that the, the the dud. That feels to me like that was a song written at that time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. This to me that feels like. And one by that- the way, there's links to on every one of these to the artist and there's uh, hyperlinks the artist and the song. This one is just a hyperlink to the artist. No, yeah, this not song, song did not earn its own Wikipedia page. It would have been not notable enough. Okay, next. So that's six. That's nothing there. Um, you don't own me by the Blow Monkeys. Oh, everybody knows that. Where does that one go? Wait, by the Blow Monkeys? Yeah. I thought that was just Leslie Gore. You don't own me by the Blow Monkeys. Pretty sure Leslie Gore did that. It's like a, it says fe- lo- lo- it's a proto-feminist anthem. I think Leslie Gore was a type of girl who'd be oh, standing Blue behind monkeys. dice in the airport baggage area, if you it's know what I'm saying. Wrong. You don't own me. Definitely new. So cheesy. But that's a cover. Yeah, yeah, it is a cover of Leslie Gorn. Want to hear the chorus? We're going to hear a man singing this. That's like a dude singing Natural Woman. You ever hear um, White Stripes version of Jolene? Yeah. Sick. And they don't change the the, the uh, tense at all. Oh, so yeah. Like, Please leave my man alone. He's Who else that. does that? It's, it's oh, um, I know another version of that. You know what? This gets worse. What's Hey Baby by Bruce, Bruce Chanel? I don't know that one. Overload by Alfie Zappacosta. Love is Strange by Mickey and Sylvia. Do you That's know that a, one? Yeah, Love is Strange. Everyone knows that. Uh, Where Are You Tonight by Tom Johnston? No, that that one didn't make the cut. In the Still of the Night by the Five Satins. Yeah, everybody knows that one. Dude, this was not that great a soundtrack. Honestly, three big singles is a pretty... Good. I'll give you good. What did you accept as a good soundtrack then? I don't know, but I thought this was like start to finish. You had maybe 10 out of 12 were like, boom, hits you sure recognize. Yeah, I don't know. Other than Thriller, I don't know what you would count as a good album that, that's like you know what the, look at the music industry that was before they had mp3s what was and the first big green day album dookie dookie that was before they had big like you maybe you could buy a tape like a single but other than that a couple s- singles will definitely sell that album the pulp fiction soundtrack and i might be remembering that wrong but that one was like all fucking great all i remember awesome. is just that dick dale thing yeah that was all old i remember the reservoir dog soundtrack with steven wright ron yang had that and we played it a lot Dookie had Burnout, Having a Blast, Chump, Longview, Welcome to Paradise. They came by the- Basket Case, She was great, When I Come Around. Yeah, they came by the store and I was working the booth there one one night. In the end, oh man. Damn. That's a good track. Good album too. Anyway. Um, All right. Well, anyway, that's nothing to do with what we're talking about. (laughs) Everything to do with what we're talking about. (laughs) That's everything. About being set in your ways and not accepting new music. Does your um oh shit sorry dog does your anger level or um uh, meanness level go up or down with stress do you think is it affected by anything I like stress stress? um what affects it you don't have stress is that what you said no I like stress I enjoy stressful situations yeah but does it make it go up or down or what does it is associated with anything I mean I guess it always it's tough to like graph it on anything or predict a strong correlation I haven't slept a lot I'm crankier yeah absolutely I'm not ever is like that I mean I'm trying to think of what would be a specific trigger uh. You know, when the old man was dying, I think I was tougher to get along with. But uh, you went home to see him. Yeah, 
Was he, my, was my he dad. fair enough to... Um... He was real happy to see me. Real, real, real happy. Really? Yeah. Well, you said you weren't going to go home? Didn't you go home before to say, say goodbye to him? Oh, yeah. Two years before I went home to say goodbye to him. I mean, the dude was always leaving. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it was like the last time I knew. So I, uh, I flew home on uh, a Priceline ticket. Yeah. And I got there just in time to uh, yeah. sort of spend a little time with him. How much time? Like one day of him being sane, you know? And even when he was talking to me, he's like pointing at like people that weren't there. And I'm like, I don't, I didn't really understand what was up. Really? When people die in the movies, it's very simple and, you know, dramatic. And they're talking to the end. And then it's like, and now I'm going to go. That's not how it was with the old man. He was like, his brain was cooked from cancer. He was what kind uh, of cancer? Uh, colon, but it spread everywhere. He had cachexia, which is the medical term for wasting away that like AIDS people get. So you're looking at a dude who's like six four, uh, and like in one like one ten, like something crazy. Man, yeah, and I never, you know, the weird thing is he didn't seem that tall until he was in bed at the end. Was it weird to see him that thin? You know, he was thin for a couple of years, but that was like another level. That was he was thin, and you'd always see it. And one sixty is thin. Yeah, well, you see it and get used to it, but then once when you saw him at one ten, you're like, it looked like a cartoon character. You could count every rib in his back. It was horrifying. And he was, it's like sort of thing I wish I could unsee. You, you know? hold his hand? What? Did you hold his hand? You know, not really. Like, I just sat there and we chatted. And then and when he was dying, like, the, oh, yeah. I was there like the last night, you know? What did you chat about? You know, like this and that. It was nothing notable. It was like the old man was just like, how's it going? I'm like, oh, everything good? You know, but it's, you're not really, t- look, he not, didn't have cancer. He also had, he was fucking senile. He was like deaf. You're not like having great chats with the old man, but you're talking with him a little. He was just happy to see me. Yeah. How old was he? 74. No, no, that's not true. He was 75. That's in a range of when some people die, right? He he was dying for the last 20 years. I knew him and I was shocked. He lasted that long and that was kind of incredible. Let's see. Yeah. I mean, yes. So like, you're, uh, you know, like the last, so he just kind of, he was like dead for like 14 hours before, but not dead. He was just kind of like not there. He's like, he was doing this thing where he was like sort of grasping at things with his hand. That was like a day before. And the woman from the hospice said, yeah, that's active dying. And he was just kind of like grabbing at stuff. That's an act of dying. She said active dying, not active, active. Like what do you mean? What just mean? like dying is not like a process. Like we think of it as like, I'm here. And all of a sudden, and I'm gone. It's like, the, it was like the body was kind of shutting all the systems down. The so brain he, went, he was like grabbing at things like this. Like it's hard to explain to the listeners, but it was like a, it looked like a cockroach. Hallucinations? Yeah, there was hallucinations. And he was kind of grabbing at things in a weird way, like a cockroach, but it wasn't even like an act of grabbing. It was just kind of like reaching his hands out and kind of snapping his fingers together like this, like grabbing for something, but it was nothing you could really resolve into an image. Was he trying to touch it or was he trying to like a little, but it didn't, it's like, that's like the sort of thing where I don't think it even made any logical sense. He was just some, I think the whole brain was shutting down and that, that particular center was just sending out, you know, signals to grab for stuff, but nothing in particular. Uh Then he slept for like the last 14, 16 hours. I just sat in the room with him that long. Yeah, you know, I was going to leave that night because my mom left and she was like, and, and I was like, I'm going to leave. And then I'm like, I looked at him I'm like, no, nah, that guy's going to die. And I was like, if he's going to die, I kind of have to be here, you know? 
to, to see him off or something. Yes, exactly. It was like, it's like he was there for me. It's like, it's hard to explain, but you're like, well, I guess I'm the guy. And then you're also, I had to call, I knew I was going to have to call my mom. So I'm like, I got to be here. Oh, so what? I didn't done? want a hospital divorced. Uh, no, the, the last time they were common law. So they were divorced, but they were living together. So how they, are they together? Were they together when you died? Yeah. I mean, not like, and as much as they ever were, but like, like when I was there, I'm like, I don't want a hospice employee to have to call my mom and tell her my old man's dad. It's like, it's gotta be me. So you called her and told her. Yeah. And then you ready for the last part? Guess who left a posthumous Valentine for mom? Your dad? Yeah. What do you mean? He left a Valentine for my mom to find in his papers. And the crazy thing about that on is February 14th. She found it around February. What do you mean? A posthumous Valentine? Like he left it in there. Like yeah. she'll get this when I'm gone. Yes. The weird nice. thing, well, yeah, that's what your dad was always great at the grand gestures. He was great at that shit. Uh, and the weird thing is that, like, he wasn't that sane at the end. I don't know how he pulled it together. I think he was in and out. Here's the thing when you're a single mother, and I've seen this with other single mothers. I am one. Well, do you have you known any women that are single mothers? Have you ever known people raised by a single mother? Do you have any black friends? <laughs> yeah. Every one of my black friends, it's the same thing. Not all of them, but what like a lot of the single mothers. And then Tableman too. It's like what happens is the mom has to take on both roles. Yeah. So it's hard. I mean, it's fucking impossible. It's a lot of work. It's exhausting. She has to be the mother and the father. It's an impossible role. Yeah. And what she sees is, is she has a son. She sees a boy who has traits of both parents. And any traits that she sees that the father who she has now seen as a fuck up who left any traits that that boy evinces of the father are crushed or are stamped down. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. And a lot of times that they're the same trait. Now in the Taylor house, dishonesty and charm were conflated. So whenever uh, I would you show any of either of those traits, it was, it was attacked with a lot of, of, uh, of anger. So that was your father. Yeah, it's my father. Dishonest and charming. So, for example, being a jerk was fine because... He not, wasn't... Char- that's not charming. Well, it's, yeah, it's not being dishonest. He was, at least there was modesty there. So, in a weird way, whatever traits that I have that are this were certainly not... I mean, they were fought against, but they weren't, you know, they weren't viewed as a moral hazard. Yeah. Um, man, that's tough. What? Watching the old man die? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were preparing for it for a long time. That helps. You know, there's a, there's a mesh, mush, mushal. Last year was a bad year for deaths. Only one in the Deadpool and then my dad, you know? Anybody have Robin Williams? No, nobody had Robin Williams. Anyone in your whole pool have him? I looked and I don't think anybody did. It's a shame. Well, it's you can't just make those plays. You know, I had Bernie Mac. But you, dude, he got that Parkinson's, which adds. You to, did, yeah, but Parkinson's takes a long time. I mean, and also. It's a shame. Remember when you told me about Bernie Mac being sick and I collected on him? I was so thrilled. Yeah. I called Jeremy. I'm like, dude, take Bernie Mac this year. He said, I'll do it next year. I'm like, dude, he's sick. Like, yeah. He was like, okay. I was like, no, no. I heard he's like really real bad. Sick. So I called Jeremy. I said, Jeremy, we got to take Bernie Mac. He goes, I'll take him next year. And then when Bernie Mac died, all his friends were like, do you have Bernie Mac? He goes, no, I didn't. The funny thing is now there's all these websites with like Deadpool websites. Yeah, that's where like, we, we've always played websites. Stiffs.com. And then you can, we do the research. Jeremy and I are always emailing back and forth. Whenever somebody announces their terminal, that's an email. Or, or if I get inside information, like Dom DeLuise I collected on because I overheard something at, a, uh, at an audition. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And being in Hollywood with celebrity Deadpool. Helps significantly. Yeah. I wonder if they have office Deadpools at like giant companies. You know, <laughs> like, who in great, this company is. Oh, yeah. No, that's. 
like Maybe some it, like IBM insurance Even the founders yeah anyone at IBM past or present that we know about the problem is that the, you, nobody knows enough people yeah, to yeah, make that yeah, a statistically yeah. but where celebrities are people that everybody yeah. knows or just like a sports Deadpool yeah but those are tough too because like oh, for like example I have Buddy this Ryan year. this year but who knows if he's gonna go oh yeah but is he doing bad yeah real bad well it's all about defense um uh let me ask you a question about yeah. this one, do you ever get – well, all right. Do you get chicks using your meanness? You, you know, the funny thing about you that is – You turn your game into whatever Here's the weird is. thing about that, right? The, the cliche is that women like jerks, right? Mm-hmm. But in my case, it was kind of the opposite. Like most guys, like the, the game is all about like nerds. Be a little meaner. It'll work for you. But in my case, it was the opposite. I, I, once I got less mean, I got a lot better with women. Yeah, it's like you were going too far over yeah, the line. Yeah, exactly. It's and like it's like – like, They don't want somebody to smack them in the face. Yeah. Or if he does it, it has to work for him. What you you have to have a too. game that works for you. And in my case, a little bit of meanness was great, but too much meanness flooded the engine. It's like gasoline. Well, you had the good seven innings, and then your bullpen would let terrible you Terrible closer. Terrible. So you were, the girls would like, be interested. They would talk. Yeah, I had cry, a shockingly talk, good first seven innings. You, there was nothing in you because you were only mean. So no part of you well, go, at that point also, hey, there was, you want to hang remember, out? I was eight years celibate, so there was a huge amount of like sexual insecurity. So part right. of the reason I had a bad closer is I didn't think I could get to inning nine. Because you didn't think you could fuck them. Yeah, for a couple of years, I was convinced I was impotent. And even then, you're just like, even if it just, it was a nightmare. So that was a big reason I had what's, no closing what's game. Favorite's advice was the greatest. Okay, so one night, I, I have meet a girl. This is, this story really, I was telling the story a couple nights ago because it sums up the comedy store for me in so many ways. I meet some girl randomly out. She has a Jack Skellington Nightmare Before Christmas tattoo on her back. And to me, that is like, David, you are good because. How big? On, uh, big enough that I could tell was Jack, Jack Skel- Skelton. Yeah, Jack. Skel- I mean, yes. So when I went to see Nightmare for Christmas, no, with, how, I mean, shoulder, uh, just back, entire back. You know, Ashley had a Jack Skellington uh, stuffed animal, like a statue, and I'm like, oh, there we go. And then when I went to see the movie with her and her whole family, her mom said, "Does he know he looks like?" She said, "Yeah, he knows. He knows he looks like that." So I go with this girl, and then <laughs> we, uh, you know, we talk, and then I'm drunk, and then she says, "I want you inside me." I'm like, "Great!" And then I, my dick doesn't work, and I'm like, "What in the fuck, God? What in the fuck?" So it's a nightmare was story. Was that the meth girl? Actually, yeah, she was the meth girl, wasn't she? she so like, in she retrospect, meth or she liked meth. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. But you're like, fuck, I don't care. It's been seven years. No, Let's end this thing. Yes. Exactly. At that point, it was like you're four or five. So I end up. Uh, so I end up going to the store and telling the story and I don't want to tell the story, but it's something about the story. You just do it. So I'm on stage telling the story and I hear this sound from the back, this way like, Oh, David, because you tried to fuck her and you couldn't get hard enough to, fuck wasn't her. hard enough. I, oh, David. I'm like, Oh God. And it's so embarrassing. And I just hear the voice goes, David, bro, squeeze the bass. And I'm like, what? He goes, squeeze the bass. I'm like, wait, that's happening? He goes, all the time. Squeeze the bass, man. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. And I'll be goddamned if that didn't help me out many times later. <laughs> the I remember, and then years later, I remember telling uh, Edgar that story. I told the story and I go, to let my lesson to you, Matt, is because you're going to get older, squeeze the, squeeze the bass. And he has since thanked me for that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the funny thing where, uh, you know, I came from software. I had a bit about it. Really? Called it like the, the squeeze the empty toothpaste container. Yeah, it's basically, it it's, a, it's a blood balloon, you yeah. know? So the funny thing about that, yeah. So, you know, I came from software where if you told that story, people would kind of look at you askance. But the store was just completely like, no, man, <laughs> you deal with it. And that's, that's why you love being there. 
Because they're not going to judge you over it, or they'll judge yeah. you and they'll still accept you. Yes, That's exactly. What it is. They'll exactly. judge you. Even the, the down, not down syndrome kids, but the cerebral palsy kids. Yeah. It was like, hey, we'll accept you, but we're going to laugh at you when it takes you seven minutes to get up the steps. Exactly. We're not going to help. But, or if we do, we'll say, you know, hey, try leaning with your, your good side. <laughs> Just fall into it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, so yeah, I had, a, I had a good first seven innings and then, uh, you couldn't close. Another thing too is I don't even my first inning was so good. It's this. It's that I look like the serviceable. You gave up four runs in seven innings. Yeah, but for me, it looked yeah. like I couldn't get the ball across the plate. So people are like, "Holy shit, that's uh-huh. like he's great with women." Because you look at my face, yeah, you're, you're like, like Wakefield. Yes, exactly. It's like you're like, how the fuck is he not just having them walk away? Yeah. So and then I got better once I got nicer. That really it was like Sebastian out. learning how to smile over it. Yes. And now uh, you can actually get the his numbers thing? here or there. Uh, yeah, I've gotten a lot better because also I've just, like, once you get nicer, everything changes. Does this meanness, this jerk attitude, did it hold you back from my having, rebel bad boy attitude? Having <laughs> like loving relationships? Uh, you know, uh, I was with Ashley, my lovely ex-girlfriend of off and on for eight years. I was telling somebody this eight story. Eight years. Yeah. Wow. I was telling somebody this story recently. I can't remember who. A lot of off though. A lot of off, but a lot of on too. Um, so she, as I mentioned, t- big Tim Burton fan, huge Tim Burton fan, just sees herself because she looks like a Tim Burton character. Very, very pretty. And she, uh, so she shows me her favorite movies. This is a couple years in. Her favorite movie is Edward Scissorhands because it's just like Winona Ryder is, loves Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands, if you remember, was an artist. With his scissors, but the problem is it's tough to be with him because, you know, the same thing that made him an artist made him difficult to be around because he cut people with his scissors. And I think in some sense, she thought, well, this is kind of David's story. You know, maybe yeah. he's difficult, but that's his art I, on some level. She eventually got him to give up his scissors, right? Yeah, I can't remember what happens. All I remember is watching the movie with her and saying, Ashley, the only character in this movie I relate to is Anthony Michael Hall. Who is he? The bully. She goes, wait, the bully? You relate to the bully? I said, yeah, the bully. She said, wait, I'm dating somebody who relates to the bully in this movie. I said, Ashley, fuck yeah. There was a dude with thalidomide in my high school. I wrote a poem about shooting him. Yes, I would absolutely have made fun of Edward Scissorhands. Not a question. This movie is fucking ridiculous. Everybody made fun of Edward Scissorhands. And she's like, wait, I can't believe you would have. I'm dating the bully. And she, she started to cry. And I kept pushing. And then she just cried. And it made me laugh. This reminds me of, I was messing with my little sister once when she was like one. Yeah. And I was asking her to say names of people. I don't know how it started in the family. Guess who I was thinking of? And she'd be like, mama. And I'm like, no, not mom. She'd be like, daddy. No, not daddy. How old were you? Six years old. I was probably seven, eight. Yeah. And she was probably one or two. And uh, she goes, good, the housekeeper, Grace. I was like, no, not Grace. And then she'd be like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's okay, Grace. <laughs> and then I would just try to like make her cry, and then like, no, it's like you got it, and then stop her from crying. But doing those things with the lovely Ashley, who you referred to as the, the slut for a while, the slut for many years, yeah. Um, she got very angry about did that. that so get in the way? Let's did, not call her the slut. She's right. not the slut. Did that meanness get in the way of this of a relationship you would have liked to have kept going? Assume she will not be listening. Oh, she'll be listening, but that, I mean, that's, Wait, put it out of your head is what I mean. No, no, I'm thinking about this. I'm not thinking what's she going to think. It's like, no, that thing, you know what? Honestly, that, that went the course that it was supposed to go. I mean, I know one of the things that kept getting in the way is your inability to say, I love you to her. 
Oh, yeah. But then I eventually did that a whole bunch. You know, the bigger thing that like got in the way was I have no money. There's no marrying somebody who's poor. I mean, let's be honest. And she wants to be married. Yeah. You get married. It's the difference. Ingram's poor. He's got a great marriage. I don't want to be married and poor. It's funny. I mentioned that to my mom. I said, yeah, about Ashley want to get married. She goes, you can get married. You're poor. I'm like, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when you've been, you've seen up close a marriage with two people who don't have a lot of money, then you think, well, I don't want to do this. You know, it's just the same as a relationship, really. Mm, what do you mean? Exactly. A marriage? A marriage yeah. is a whole other thing, man. Of course, you know that. I, I was David, best man David, at your fucking belly room wedding. pronounced a whole another thing the word is another <laughs> another a whole another yeah thing. you're the best man at my wedding yes absolutely in the belly room um so yeah. uh yeah i'm sure that that caused problems is that your only girlfriend since rachel uh i'm trying to think here yeah i guess more than like steady girlfriend month, two months what more than like a month or two yeah that's the only one that's a long that was like eight years hell that's most of the time and you didn't have anybody else in that time no, and if you remember, that broke my streak, and I got a standing ovation for the back of the room at the comedy store because you of that. that. Sex. Yeah, they and then they did a press conference. Yeah, that was fun times. That was, was really a press fun. Barris involved in that. Uh, I remember Mark Ellis more than anybody because he was like Mark Ellis, Roanoke Gazette here, and then they'd ask everybody Roanoke asked Gazette. <laughs> yeah, everybody asked questions, and it was it was one of those things that you remember. You know, that was like a real memory of the store. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good thing. Yeah, remember my nickname for you on uh, I, I posted you. Millennium Virgin when you posted on uh, the special, special thing. thing. And you know the funny thing too is you did that for a little while, and then I found out and I ended it without saying anything. <laughs> and then I mentioned it like you, how'd you end it? I called Sasquatch and I said, "Hey, um, I, this is David Taylor, and I, I have somebody else posting as me. Please kill the account." That's right. I remember he getting did. the account in the and then, apartment going, oh, my fun's gone. And then a couple <laughs> months later, I never said anything about you. And I casually mentioned, you go, you knew? And I said, yes. But why didn't <laughs> you say anything? I said, if I said something, you would have won. And you go, yeah, that's a good yeah. point. <laughs> what, what did I post as you? you were, no, you were doing this thing where you were very positive uh, because you were setting up for something. So you were laying groundwork where it seemed like it wasn't my to be a good troll. You can't just have one post saying something cr- crazy. You got yeah. like, it's got to be a 300th post. Yes. So like Myron Lefkowitz, if you remember, was your other uh, <laughs> nom de plume. And Myron Lefkowitz was the world's biggest Riley Newton fan. And it's funny thing about that <laughs> Millennium Virgin thing. When I read the account, I looked at it. I said, oh, that's all right. <laughs> I knew without a doubt. I read the writing. I'm like, that's harsh fair. And I, I called. I said, I know who it is. I'm not going to say, but I'm, please cancel the account. You that's, knew it was me. That's why I mentioned to you casually. Oh, yeah, that thing you did to me. Yeah. How did you know? I just know. Yeah. You know, after a while. The Ryan Newton thing, Myron Lefkowitz. So that's my alter ego. I love using that name a lot. Yeah. And, um, it's the only name Jewier than you. Yeah. If people send stuff to my uh, P.O. box that <laughs> they're not allowed to send, send it to Myron Lefkowitz. Really? Yeah, it gets to me. Nick's getting a P.O. box, too. Is he really? Yeah. You know, you guys are like fucking porn stars. What? Well, the porn stars always have the fucking Amazon wish list and people send them free shit. Like, I'd like to be in a place where people it's just occasional want to... free. It's like somebody sent me a I needed a calendar. Somebody sent me a calendar. It was like, perfect. It was oh. like June when I needed like a, a, a everyday calendar to write my spots on in New York. There's so many. Don't you have... Oh, you don't have a smartphone. You have me. Well, I could go to Amazon and buy one. By the way, use my Amazon link, rashafir.com. You go to the bottom right and you'll see Very Amazon smooth link. plug. Very Please smooth. use it. it helps Do people use people that? Like David Taylor, $100. The rate went up. $100 because Duncan started paying people too. You're paying people what? I was paying people 50 For what? Podcasts. Oh, really? 
Yeah. That's great. I'll tell you what we'll do is I will, uh, I'll buy you dinner with that money. Tonight? I'm still I'm not hungry yet. Maybe not tonight. Maybe later. All right. Oh, you're going to Sean Perlman's party? Sean Perlman is having yeah. a party? No. no. This is not podcast material. Oh, sorry. Um, so let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Something. Oh, I remember. So Myron Lefkowitz, he left for a while. I got bored. He left for a while. Like a year or two. Riley moved to Portland, moved to Seattle, moved back to Portland. At some point, she was doing a spot at um, the comedy Death Ray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, Riley Newton, fuck yeah. All caps. <laughs> all 18 caps point like, type. Like 36 point. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Right? <laughs> and all the old timers are like, oh, it's so glad to be a part of this board for so long. I <laughs> 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 know stuff like this. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the funny thing about a special thing is that they absolutely could have been the nerdist and they just didn't. Yeah. They were the nerdist before the nerdist and they just weren't able to make the turn. Yeah, and you tough. know, I think the difference was what? I'm telling you, the abs- the day that Jimmy Pardo charged for his podcast was the end of them selling for $50 million. Right. He took. He was like, no, no, no we're not going to make it on ads. We're going to make it on subscribers. It wasn't even that. It was, like, it was couched in the language of like, we deserve this because we work so hard. But all he did was sell out for short-term money. Yeah. He was one of the first big early they podcasts. Helped they helped with that on a special thing. They yeah. That was- records. A lot of people released their yeah, album. They were, they were nerds before the nerds. Sasquatch was the sidekick. Still is the sidekick on Jimmy Pardo's podcast. I talked to Louie about it once. Yeah, we were at the cellar, and he was like, "We just I started talking about it." He's like, oh, "We just talked about it for like five." You know minutes. who the, it was a big thing in comedy. Yeah, well, you know, you know what made it. that was Dino Stamatopoulos. Why Dino Stamatopoulos, who's a brilliant writer, was the one first part. He did a Q and A, and he did these really honest answers about what the business was about. He called Ben Stiller a cold, shallow asshole. Really, and he was really honest and interesting. And the problem is, everybody after that tried. Like Patton Oswalt tried to do that, but tried the problem is. He'd do Q&As where he would try to school the comics, but it just came off as massively self-aggrandizing. So, so self-absorbed. I heard this thing once that Eric Griffin did, and I like Eric Griffin. This was five years ago, so I'm not going to judge him, but I am going to judge the five years ago Eric Griffin. And he went up to the ha-ha, a bunch of people performing. It was a new, it was like the six o'clock open mic. And he went on and he's like, hey guys, I just want to go on to tell you guys, you guys are doing really good. You guys are all really doing well. It's awesome. And they got up as if he was the guy to like. You know, that reminds me of the guy who was leaving for. They knew this comic who was living in Los Angeles. He was moving to New York and he had this big QA for like four hours about what comics should know. What, because, who, who's that guy? Who's that guy? That's me. That was not from the same position. That was because no one told us shit and I wanted people to know shit. It wasn't like, look, guys, I'm the guy who knows everything. Let me explain to you. A I will bit say this. Kiss up to me. Patton absolutely portrayed himself. Whenever you read anything he writes, it's like, uh, hold on, Napoleon. Yeah. It's cool. Right? Yeah. Yeah, all that. So he loved being revered on that board. Yeah. Whereas Dino Stamatopoulos was so much more interesting because he was so honest. I'll just give the real answer. He was, And it was almost like, dude, you must be so fucked up to be this honest on a fucking web board. Yeah, the other guys, you say Patton, whatever, but like those guys looked at it kind of like, Kind of like they're being interviewed on on um, uh, inside the actor studio. Yeah, so they're finally like, well, yes, it's actually an interesting story, and it's like because they're look they're revered. Well, also they the were that's time. how they were being treated. I mean, that was absolutely they were. Yeah, they're being treated as the king. You'll eventually. Yeah, and that was early. That was before there was such a massive like a burgeoning online comedy nerd community. That was like the first one I remember. Where and then that was like that was a heady first taste for those guys to be treated like. Like it's the, the first time you see something in print with you with you in it. Yeah, so and like, oh, is this real? Does and this it's matter? comedians too. They already thought of themselves that way. This just sort of verified it. Wow. Yeah. A special thing. Is it still up? Uh, I've not, I haven't looked in months. Got to be years. Months. I, I bet it is. Maybe years. I don't know. It's like been a while. I might have looked because I was like, whatever happened to that? 
because I've thought about it because they really could have been the nerdist and Sasquatch is a great guy. Great. And I, I just wish that it, you know, I liked his wife. Uh, like it just too bad. Didn't what did I call her snatch Squatch. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty great. I like that. Snatch Squatch. Snatch Squatch. Good nickname, Ari. You know, what's nice about being so stoned that your memory is hashed is that you can entertain yourself from years later. Oh Yeah. yeah. I explain to girlfriends all the time. Like, I've already told you that story. Like all mad, but I'm like, well, did I like it? And they're like, yes. I'm like, then tell me again. I'll love it again. The feeling you got <laughs> of telling a good story to somebody. Holy shit, Ari, you've smoked so much pot, you become 50 first dates. Yeah, man. Just know what I'm into. You know. So let's just do that. Adult friend. Wow. A special thing goes to adultfriendfinder.com. In a way, it's more honest. A special thing.com. That's what it was, right? A special yeah. thing forum. Here we go. AST forums. That's still there. AST comedy. Wow. Show listings and recaps. That was big. If you get a show listing in there. Yeah. I remember uh, like their reviews were really funny because I didn't care at all, but people did care. Anthony Jelson, the new host of Last Comic Standing. Let me ask you a question. Yes. I know that too. At the end of that sentence, Anthony Jelson is Last Comic Standing. What do you think the the, – The take on a special things is going to be? No. That's not my question. Last post by Sparky Pop, by the way. I love that. Nice. <laughs> what do you think the, uh, what the, what the, what's, what do you call a question mark? What? Question mark, period, exclamation point, semicolon. What are those things? Punctuation. Punctuation. What is a punctuation at the end of Anthony Jelznick? It's a new host. Question mark. Concept. Or exclamation point. It's exclamation, exclamation point. point. Okay. What do you think that it is on the end of RIP Harris Whittles? Question mark. It's nothing. Oh, really? Exclamation point. Like heart. Yeah. By the way. Here's my question. If I get fucking murdered by an audience member, is this going to be my fucking audio obituary? Because that's what the podcast had become, the new obituary. I, it worries me that this will be my last, like the last bit of information. It won't be some like, oh man, he really opened his heart up about his addiction. It's going to be like, yep, he was a prick and he talked about being a prick. Wow, dude. That's the last post is March 18th. One before that is March 17th. Nothing for two days. Nothing for no, four weird. days before that. Damn, they don't. This is not really the up. days of the bulletin board have come and gone, I guess. It's such a great place to talk to people about. I mean, I'm looking at it from the nerd's point of views, and it's like, oh, Maria Bamford. She's a good kind. You start to like make a Maria community. Bamford is a really good yeah, comic. So that's, I, she I, is I, Trust great. me, I chose her so you wouldn't shit on whoever I chose. Oh, no, Maria Bamford is it fucking more awesome. About, yeah. more, no, absolutely. More about, but it's a nice to come together with stuff. And it's like, yeah, this style of comedy is really awesome. I never fucking like that shit. That's my phone. Yeah. I'm surprised your phone has that powerful a vibrating function considering uh, I don't even know that it has digital keys. The problem is it doesn't uh, It does not have digital keys. The problem is that it doesn't have a different vibrator for ring or text. So you can only tell it's not a text and it's actually a ringing on the fourth. Really? Bus. Yeah. Because, you know, have you watched uh, text? Ring. <laughs> yeah, there's a, that show that Rain Wilson is on. Now name's escaping me. Uh, I know what that show is. What? Oh, haven't you seen this show exactly the yes, same before? Have. But the one interesting thing is that it's his, a kooky cop. When it's his phone but, but, does his own thing, but he talks not I am a sucker for those shows. When oh, his phone rings, you, it says ring, ring, Occupy ring. Occupy Hollywood. When it texts, it says text, 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 and I'm like, that's a great idea. A text that says what? When the guy character gets his fo- phone, it says ring, 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 and when he gets a text, it says text, text, text. Really? I'm like, that's a great idea. That's that writer fucking saying, I do this. I'm going to make my character do it. In fairness. Fuck you, Taylor. That show's terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Go watch Seventh Heaven reruns. 
by the way, Seventh Heaven, great show. And it's too bad that Stephen Collins got caught because, you know, the real victim of that is all of the other actors on the show. Just like Keisha Knight Pulliam is the real show was already done, right? Yeah, but it was in reruns until and Stephen they Collins. That? Yeah, they pulled oh, off in reruns. The best was Jessica Biel being younger than the older sister. Yeah, well, she was also hot. So hot. Yeah, so therefore. Uh, who do you think is the most famous person ever to come out of that show and is a regular at the comedy store? Uh, seventh Heaven. Regular at the comedy store on that show? Ever on that show. Not as not serious regular. It could be one world with lots. Um, who was on Seventh Heaven? I don't know. Wow, look at Mister David Taylor. I don't know who was on it. No, I guess who? you're an academic bull fucking pariah right now because that name of that person is Brian Callen. Oh, he was on that show. Yes, he played uh, another like priest. Wow. I wonder if he interacted. I think with like seven, eight episodes. Really, the real recurring. That's great. Yeah. I love that show, man. When I was working the phones, there was no internet in the phone room. There was no cable in the phone room. And the videotapes of comics that they would send in started to get real old real fast. So all you would do is watch 7th Heaven, and it was wonderful. That and also, I watched One Life to Live, I think, where I got really obsessed with it. And I remember I met met like a couple of the people later. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Greenlee. It's Greenlee. It was. It wasn't Greenlee. It was Bianca or something. Play the lesbian. I'm like, oh wow. Josh Duhamel was on that show too. It was like a big deal. Josh Duhamel from Vegas. Yes, he was on that show. Dude, Brian Callen's IMDb is massive. Yeah, it's incredible. Jesus Christ! And I just got to the Hangover. Yeah. Fuck. Seventh Heaven TV series. One, two, three, four, five, nine episodes. Same character. George Vic Vickery Petrowski. Vic was short for Vickery. Okay. Okay. I was a little confused by that. Why do you have his nickname for just his middle name? Anyway, whatever. Listen, David. All right. I think we're wrapping up. It seems like that. This has got to all the questions I can think of. Yeah. Well, I'm not that interesting. So we, I would like, it's long. It's already two and a half hours. Yeah. I'm not that interesting, but, uh, I would like you to be less mean around people that just don't deserve it. I guess your line on who deserves to be a, a victim is different than my line. I guess that's all it boils down to. Could be. It could be also, you know, another thing too is who am I? What sort of asshole am I to decide who deserves to be a victim? That's an asshole thing to do. Yeah. Like as though I'm there to dispense justice. And it's like when you want to know something for somebody, now you're great at using like, oh, I want to know what that girl was in. She was in something. David, you don't care. So I'll just go ask her. Yeah, I have no problem. That, but that's not your meanness. That's your lack of class. And your lack of class is something I don't care about that much. You know, lack of class is not the same as just, you know what? It's lack of, honestly, it's probably the same thing. You know what it is? It's lack of self-regard. Right. I don't care. I'll go up and ask. What the fuck do I care? Yeah. I'm not shy in that way. Yeah. So You don't mind I'm, about being embarrassed. Yeah. What am I going to be embarrassed right, about? I guess not. You're right. But things like that, it's always great for you to get to go. Like, David, you do it. Yeah. But when it's like... I, I, Here's the thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny about the store is that when somebody is being an asshole in the audience, people go, oh, David, you should have been here. Or, you know, or they've come in a couple of straight days. Remember that one guy, that, that Brooks and Dunn guy was, was standing oh, yeah. there. Big and, and rich? Yeah, big and oh, rich. He was God, big and rich. Fuck that guy. And you, you, I remember you what saying... What a dick. You saw it and you go, who's on stage? You go... 
Taylor's on stage. He goes, oh, Taylor. And all he did was get drunk and heckle everybody. Yeah, and you said, Taylor's going to light him up. And I don't believe he came back after that night. You lit him up. Yes, and he never came back. Good. Anthony Michael You ruin shows. Here's the deal. You want to go in there and ruin a show because you're a big celebrity? Yeah. You throw money around. Give $100 to all in the his- weight staff. Every comment that comes out that you ruin their set, that all they want to do is work out, throw them $300. Anthony Michael throw Hall throw money around also. it's okay don't throw money around and go fuck yourself I don't care if you're friends with Jeff Ross and Sarah Tiana I will you're say this you're a fucking country star and you're ruining what we want to do in, the, in defense of, of Big but and Rich but he's having a good time but he's ruining our no, time no that wasn't my defense my defense of him was this is I ripped him mercilessly and the one thing he never did was point out he was a huge successful musician yeah that's good which you gotta give him credit he could have absolutely done that's nice but uh, but he never came back after that Anthony Michael Hall same deal came in a bunch of times and then yeah. I think I got the last time because he would just be, he wanted to be all about him. And it's like, dude, you want to sit here in the audience and shut up and watch and enjoy yourself. That's fine. He said to me, have any of you, the guy from back and talk to anybody. Totally cool. In the showroom, you shut your fucking mouth. He said to me, he goes, I want you to roast me like Jeffrey Ross. And I said, I'd rather roast you like Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, nice. I was very pleased with that one because he would like cook people. Yeah. And eat them. Trying to make a perfect sex life. I had his friend Avi told me the story that, because he grew up in Chicago and he's eating his friends <sighs> with his family, eating at somebody's, you know, at Shabbos lunch and Shabbos dinner, you would eat at other people's houses. Yeah. Social thing. And so he was over there and he made a Dharma joke and they're like, actually, our, our nephew um, was one of his victims. I don't believe it. All of the victims were uh, non-white. Non-white? Yeah. That's why he was killed so fast in prison. Oh, really? Also, you know what's fascinating about Jeffrey Dahmer? What? Remember Adam Walsh? Yeah. You know that Jeffrey Dahmer was in the mall when Adam Walsh was taken? Or he was at the very close. There's Did a theory. Take him? The theory is Jeffrey Dahmer might have been the one. Because there, there was they evidence. They found him, huh? No. Well, no, they found the head. They found the, the head of the kid? They found his skull, but they never found the body, I think. Oh, severed head. Uh, they, they, they blame it on Otis Toole, but there's evidence pointing to Jeffrey Dahmer. But how crazy is that the two legit name brand serial killers, in any case, were in Florida in the same area at the same time? That, Ari... That is why I love Florida. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great fucking state with outstanding people. Look and at this movie that he was in, Kellen. It's called Sweetser. What do you, th- what do you bet it's I'm about gonna, life around LA? I'm going to take a, take a chance. Come on, guys. Sweetser. Director, oh, Wayne Reynolds. Writer, Wayne Reynolds. There Stars, enough Wayne movies. Reynolds, Brian Callen, Jorge Garcia. First of all, good for you, Wayne Reynolds. Find the perfect guy to play the role. Secondly, there aren't enough movies about people living and working and struggling in Los Angeles. It's an under, undercovered subject, and I'm glad that Wayne Reynolds had the guts to do it. <laughs> Filmed by Wayne Reynolds. It's counting. It doesn't say the, the summary. Oh, here we go. No. Nope. 7.2 stars from 415 users. What? Is this a legit movie that came out? No. My guess is probably Wayne Reynolds had all of his friends post on IMDb. At a plot. Oh, there's no plot on here. Yeah. The guy from Lost. The fat guy from Lost was in it. Herve or... Yeah. In, while he was on Lost. 2007 was mid-Lost, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. Back when it was popular. George Cat. Is that related to William Cat? Yeah, who knows? I'm Greatest American. This. Well, listen, David. Yeah. So, thank you. You're starting a podcast. What's your podcast all about? Until I lose interest, it's basically me and another person. It's kind of a ripoff of yours, only not as good. It's okay. What is it? You talk to them until you lose interest in them? No, it's the idea is that I've done other podcasts and I always lose interest a couple episodes in. So, the idea is if I'm still doing it, I haven't quite lost interest. You, you have 
kind of a made other podcasts. You've not done other people's podcasts. I've done like made others, and you always and put you like one interest. or two, and you're like, I've lost interest. We had a good one that was a good idea, but it was just un- uh, you know, couldn't yeah. do it. The breakup one. Yeah, I I, I have to make that work somehow. That was a really good. I'll idea. do that as an occasional one. It was but to get both sides, but to get both sides of a breakup in to talk to each other about it. It's tough when they're like, either they're on great terms and you won't have that great material, or they're on terrible terms and they're like they I'm won't not do go it. In there with that guy. Yeah, that's the problem. I want the I, what I want is that sort of moment where they realize they're not on great terms and then they just fucking let each other have it and then ari and only then can i feel the comfort of five-year-old david being able to use the talents that he has developed so this is called until i lose interest on until i lose interest on itunes and everywhere you can find podcast yeah well good job at least you're doing something i like that thank you for that backhander yeah at least you're doing something (laughs) the david taylor story well, I mean, because I, I keep hearing everybody going, I don't want to do a podcast. It's not, I'm not going to stand out. It's like, just do something. Do a thing. It doesn't matter if it goes anywhere. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you down like that. No, it's it's fine with me. I, if it bothered me, it I wouldn't. It makes you feel good. But that's what I do mean. Like, You know, you said good. something great. You're like, David, you've pissed off so many people. The sun never sets on hating David Taylor. <laughs> yeah. The British Empire. People all over the world hate you no yeah, matter where I you really are. have Someone done it. Hates I, David. Every time zone. I used to get locked in with you, too. That was a problem. Yeah, that's the thing. I have a strong personality. This David Taylor on Twitter? At this David Taylor, yes. Um, uh, yeah, I would be like, oh, David and Ari such jerks. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Tell me that story again and tell me the lines I said because I was yeah. just next to him. I'm, in my defense, I usually am the one with the great lines, too. Oh, yeah. That was the best in, in, in Alaska and Anchorage. Oh, yeah. In Alaska, we both did stand-up. You did very well. I did very poorly. We kept switching around the lineups. And yeah, they, I just was bad and you were good. And people were hearing how bad I was doing. They would come up, I hear you're doing bad. Didn't bother me in the slightest because I got to fish. But what kept happening was people would come up to you and say, fuck, man, that other guy was so terrible. You were so good. I especially liked it when you'd say, and then it was things. Or the NASCAR joke. The things NASCAR that joke. I, bits like, I had done. That wasn't me. That was David. Oh, well, how about this one? Like, that was David too. Well, anyway, I liked you. Okay, thanks. But I think you really like David. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like that commercial we did. Where, no, you did the commercial, but we both auditioned for it. And we got to the point, the callback, where they're like, uh, hey, would you shave for this role? And my response was, fuck you. And then afterwards, when you booked it, somebody said, God, it was really funny what you said about fuck you. To me? Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> oh, that was actually not me. That was my friend David. Um. Um, yep. I have a strong personality. Yeah, you know, I went back to that reindeer dog place that we ate at, that delicious reindeer dog place oh, in Anchorage. Oh, God. Yeah, that I think was... it was EMs. Anchorage in the summer is fucking amazing. What are you looking up? My reviews? No. Oh, maybe my reviews. That's what it'll be under. That's one review. I have this thing that I want to, like, write funny reviews, and I've had this thought in my head for seven years. You know, what's funny is the reviews, never do it. people's reviews of me at the comedy store on Yelp. Oh, so yeah. We got to read that. I meant to read that. But M.A.'s Gourmet Dogs. It's so fucking good. Oh, dude. It's so great. I, I have them I saved, like, by the way. You what? I have my review. I have two great Yelp reviews of me saved. About you. Comedy yeah. club reviews are amazing because people will usually not know the name of the comic, but they can describe them to the point. In my case, they know my name. Yeah, but usually yeah. they can describe them to the point where the other comics will know oh, who yeah, they're absolutely. talking about. Yes. Now, one of them has my name. One of them doesn't. I've tweeted one of these. So let's do the one that I haven't tweeted. Okay. And then the other one is on my Twitter, at this David Taylor, if anybody cares to read it. The one that I haven't tweeted uh, does not mention my name, but here it is. The Comedy Store. Why is zero stars not allowed? 
I don't usually leave reviews, but I am so fucking pissed off at this place. All caps. Do not go here. Oh. Comedian came up and talked about how shitty the lineup was compared to him. That was me. <laughs> that was his opener. You said the lineup was shitty compared to you. Yes. Yeah, okay. That was his opener. Then as people walk out on him, he prays to God for them to die and then praise again that they are paralyzed instead. Two points. First of all, this guy misspells praise every single time. It's P-R-E-Y, which is like the sort of stupid thing really? where that's P-R-E-Y. the sort of thing. It's, it's not the way you would think they would misspell it. It almost reminds you of like when ransom notes are written by people who are trying to sound uneducated. Oh, right. So anyway, I guess this guy would prefer that I pray, pray them to die instead of parallel. I don't know why he would, you know, like one over the other. Then gets upset as two women are trying to pay and calls them skanks and prays again that they are raped before going home, <laughs> which I did do. Yeah. Then his act. And I appreciate Is that, that he, quotation marks. No, it's not. But it's interesting. He uses that. That word is though he, he knows recognizes. The, he knows the lingo. Yeah. Well, also he recognizes this is not just a personality. This is what I do. Oh, right. Then his act goes on to ask if there are deaths in the family, which I did do. My wife says that her father died. Then he goes back again to praying as the rest of the people in the back are leaving. All caps. Yes. This is his fucking act. And I did ask about that because my father just died. So we were kind of talking about it. Yeah. The management or staff should have stopped it by now. <laughs> I love how this is, by the way, this is a review of a business. Yeah. If you look at this as a fucking restaurant review, which is what Yelp was made yes. for, you'd be like, I can't believe an employee. <laughs> Guys, I'm not even like, I'm not even saying this is like bigger than it really happens. I'm just telling you the actual, you guys have to listen to me. This it's never a go here. Money making going concern. Uh, the management or staff should have stopped it by now because I guess he believes in the TKO as servers gasp and say, oh, my God, under their breath. Not true. The servers are never in the room. And another comedian <laughs> and another comedian in the back actually says, how do you know these women are not offended? He answers by saying he doesn't care. Who said that? Do you know? Don Barris. <laughs> he yeah. was just toying with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Like, uh, yeah. Question. David, <laughs> David, how do you side. know these women are not offended? Yeah. He brings another idiot staff member up, Hormoz, Hormoz Rashidi, and then does impressions. He does dead celebrity impersonations, and the whole show is shit. By the way, Hormoz does these great dead celebrity impressions where he does just celebrities who are dying, like Whitney Houston's glug, 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 you know? He does like five or six of them, super funny to me and nobody else. I can't believe I paid to see this bullshit. Then, this is where Hormoz got You paid for the whole show, really. It's not just that bullshit. By the way, it's only, I'm the only person he mentions. By the way, this is, where I, this is my moment of real genius, okay? Uh, I had Hormoz do this. Then he impersonates my wife's father's last moments. That, I was pretty proud of that one. And you know what I appreciate is Hormoz even threw in the I never loved you, which is always a nice touch. <laughs> I never loved you. Yeah. This is where I get up and leave or else I know that I will just all caps fuck up that comedian if I stay another moment. Two point- I love when people threaten like you lucky I left because I would have fucking kicked your ass. Like yes. oh, really? You just you know bragging who, about what you would have done Ari, if you didn't do you, it? You know who didn't leave? Who? His wife. Really? His wife stayed in. He had to pound on the window to get her to leave because she was still there. Oh. Why'd she stay? Because she was having a good time? I think she was compelled. I think she was interested in some deep way. And then she did eventually get up. And I think that guy is just a crybaby who wants to control his wife. Yeah. And as far as him fucking me up, he was not going to fuck me up. Yeah. No. He was not. Just that was not. There was not going to It's happen. like, he's lucky I left because I fucked him up. It's like, well, if you're the type of violent guy, these reasons are all enough. Yeah. So also, what else would happen that you wouldn't In his do world, it? would I have just stood there and said, oh, don't fuck me up. I guess you're punching me now. <laughs> oh, look at me. I'm getting my ass kicked. Yeah, exactly. Everybody I, thinks that happens in I'm a I'm paralyzed. Yeah. 
I called management twice and yet gotten a reply. This place is a shithole if this kind of act is considered funny. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, anybody could tell him the comedy store does not consider me funny. That's why I was up. And late. also, it is a shithole. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I was up late enough that, you know, he would have to pound on the window to get his wife. That, that, there's a reason I was up at the ending time. Save your money. Go down the street to Laugh Factory where you won't be insulted when you walk out. It's true. That is true. The other ones when it's like, I hope you die. He literally told us yes, that yes. he wants us to die. Yes, that one was great. It wasn't uh, like usually like I felt like when we left, they were looking at us like they wanted us to die. No, I, I But you're like, he said the, the word. funny thing. And this shows you how the moral sense is like a rope that can expand, but never really come back. I uh-huh. remember doing that and to some audience member and Ryan O'Neill going, David, oh my God. And then a couple weeks later, I watch O'Neill go, I hope you die. And I'm like, see, I made a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm the United the way of life. comedy. Here's what I realized about the moral line and people getting offended. Yeah. I saw somebody, I saw Jeff Ross doing a Cosby joke. Uh-huh. And I'm, it was got, got a good laugh. And I remember right after the Cosby allegation, after Hannibal said it, yeah. everyone's like, oh my God, talk about it. It was kind of like, oh no, sorry, excuse me. I'm wrong. He made a Ferguson joke. Okay. Cosby was like, eh, I'm not going to say anything right away. And then when they did, it was instantly funny. Everyone like yeah. laughed at his expense. Ferguson was a tense one. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the Newtown shootings, whose only person I just heard a good joke about Newtown... Benji Aflalo. What was his Newtown joke? You know, if these mass shooters, it wouldn't be so bad if they just chose the special education schools. If you shoot some Down syndrome kids, the reaction's completely different. That is reprehensible. And the reaction's like this from the parents go, I mean, you know, he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> um, but life goes on. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> it's just like, I do have my free time. So he did a Ferguson joke and he got a laugh. I think he did it in a special. And it hit me that like three months earlier, people were getting angry and walking out at that. And the line on what's too soon, what's not too soon, it's like a meter. I viewed it as a meter. Yeah. And what I want, what I look for in my comedy is something dangerous enough to make someone walk out. You know? Then Ari, that's what I. You will love the David Taylor experience. Absolutely. But I like that. I like it being like, ooh, this is tense. By Other the time people, everybody's laughing, like it, it's not as good of a joke. They like a Nixon joke yeah. or something where it's like, I oh, oh risque. Yeah. But it's like, it's not about offensive or less offensive. It's just about where your line is. Absolutely. What Absolutely. the excitement level you have. Yeah, that was. So that, when they talk about people doing rape jokes, it's just like, all right, your line is on the other side. That's all. It's not, know. this is too offensive. It's just too offensive to you. Yeah. It's sort of a realization. Like this same joke would have had people. Calling for his job. Well, you know what they say. Comedy is tragedy earlier. plus time. Plus time. But it's like how much time, I guess. Yeah. My thing is, all right, it wasn't enough time. That's not a reason a guy should get fired from his job that has nothing to do with this thing that he did. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, that's uh, my Yelp review. Uh, the other one is on my, uh, on my Twitter. That one mentions me by name. Uh, so, I mean, it's nice to have I'll people. I'll post a link to it on the website, com. It's nice to have people remember you. You know, that guy went through a whole night of comedy, yeah. a whole night. He paid money. He enjoyed everybody. And at the end, he wanted to give zero stars to the entire establishment because of what I had to say. And I like to think that's a pe- personal performing power. Isn't that hilarious where it's like you could have I, maybe earlier fucking Andrew Santino went up and had a great set. It's like, yeah. that's fucking awesome. Like, hey, somebody's going to write a Yelp review about this tonight. I'm like, oh, I bet they'll mention me because I killed the it. The point I mentioned to people is, you know, the funny thing is this. You're going to remember maybe one or two names, and mine is going to be one of them. And, <laughs> and you that, hate you. Yeah. They hate you. Uh-huh. And, and you're and not that, going to remember any of the joy in your life. You're only going to remember the negative. Exactly. Don't let people you hate choose how you live your life. 
That's I'm talking to the Yelp reviewer now. That's a perfect way to end this podcast. Yeah. So if you come across David, just walk away from him. If he's being or enjoy what he has to say. Yeah. Take it in the spirit it's intended. Aim it towards someone else and then use that gun. Awful person. Yes. Okay, wonderful. Ari, always a pleasure. Thanks, David. Thank you for having me. There won't be anyone like you in my life again. Someone who always tells the truth, lies would suffice instead. And who am I supposed to call to tell me what to do? You say I shouldn't care at all when I'm feeling not to say that you're a queen who's never nice and always mean but i would rather risk a fight than ever have to say goodbye that's the episode i hope you guys enjoyed it um i would like to make a point uh, that was actually made to me by David the next night after we recorded this. Um, he said he would never make fun of uh, a girl for being fat. Uh, and then he did it twice in this podcast. <laughs> I guess probably he meant he would never make fun of her for being fat to her face. Maybe that's what he meant. Um, but yeah, quick, quick stat check for you. No, I would never do that. Why did he say? Because they'd be too emotional about it? Because women spin out. If you say they're fat, they go too crazy or something. Whatever his point is, um, yeah, he was totally wrong. He said it twice. But maybe he meant that. Maybe he meant just can't say it to their face. Whose shoes are these? Fucking Morrissey. I come home. I just get back to New York. My apartment, the sheets and the covers are fucking up. They're not on the sheet, which means, I mean, this is pretty much the rule that I tell everybody staying in my place. You can stay there, make yourself at home, help yourself to some pot, some pot, Jeff Richards, some pot, not all of it, and leave 40 bucks in the fridge. He goes, I took some pot while I was there. Some pot, all my pot. You took all the pot. 40 bucks. It's not about, the pot I have in my apartment, when guests stay with me, is just to get them on their way while they're new and you just landed. It's 1030 at night. How are you going to find weed right now? It's a brand new city. You don't know. Well, guess what? The good host Ari has pot to get you through the night. So you can start making your phone calls and asking your friends, hey, where can I get some weed? It's starter weed. You don't smoke all the starter weed. That's like driving on your spare tire. It just gets you to where you got to go to change your tire. Maybe I should leave a note. Maybe it's not my fault. How am I going to trust him? How am I going to trust Jeff Rich? How am I going to trust any pothead? With pot. Anyway, so the pot's all gone. But, why did I say that? Oh, my place. Oh, so I know. (laughs) Come on, weed. The pot should be all gone. You guys, this is really getting degenerative. I mean, my memory has gotten worse and worse and worse. It's like, I started reading. I started reading. That'll help. And I talked to those Scrabble guys. Remember when I did the uh, the podcast with David? Actually, with David did. Um, it was one of the first ones he did where he was my guest host, uh, where we talked to his friend Jeremy um, about 
um, what's it called? Um, crossword puzzles. And I think I'm going to talk to that champion guy who actually won all the crossword puzzle fucking tournaments. Who goes head to head with the other guy all the time. This fucking redhead nerd. So we're all talking outside uh, the punchline in San Francisco. Me, Jeremy, him. And he's like, if you want to do the podcast, I'd love to have you on. And now that I think about it, yeah, I'll have him on. But we're talking to those two guys and their friend and a girl. And uh, everyone's talking, all these boys and girls. And we're enjoying ourselves. And then I was talking about my memory. And I'm like, oh, my memory fucking sucks. And I guess it's because it's all this weed that I was smoking. But I realized I was smoking with those incredibly intelligent people. Who like win crossword puzzle competitions. I mean, Jeremy used to teach at a college. Oh, these pants are breaking. I need new jeans. I mean, there's a hole in them. Fuck. The problem with jeans is you really wear them down. I know there's all this new raw, don't ever wash them kind of like theory in jeans. But like, there's some two jeans you've washed, you know, 600 times. They just get so soft and they get faded just right. But... A hole in the stitching. Who makes these jeans? Levi Strauss. This fucking shoddy workmanship. Shoddy workmanship from the Western Jew. Barely got these jeans through six years. That's that's a pretty long time. Um, Get David's podcast, Until I Lose Interest, on iTunes. That's Until I Lose Interest. Okay. Anyway, the deal is, if you stay in my place, this is always the deal. Matt Edgar stayed in my place um, in, in L.A., when I was gone, and anybody stays in my place here, the deal is, if you fuck on my bed, you can have whatever you want. Ma- literally, make yourself at home. If I left any food in the freezer, the fridge, make yourself at home. Eat it. Enjoy yourself. Drink my tea. Piss on my toilet seat. Walk around naked. If you fuck on my bed, don't even not fuck. You can fuck. If you fuck on my bed, lift the corners of the sheets up before you leave. So I know that you have fucked here because I don't want to sleep on a fuck bed. So Morrissey stayed here last and the sheets were all up in the middle, a pile in the middle of the bed. But I was tired. So I slept on it. But at least he lifted up the sheets. Thank you, Morrissey, for abiding by the code of conduct of Ari Shafir's apartment when I'm not here. Uh, well, that's the episode, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, don't forget, if you want to support the podcast, you can donate if you want. There's a donate button on my website. I'm not asking anybody to donate, but if you want to, it's there. Um, also, right near that donate button is the uh, Amazon link. It's on my website right underneath my dates and the, uh, the um, link to buy Passive Aggressive special I recorded in 2012 at the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn. And on the right-hand side, there's a link to buy Paid Regular, um, which I recorded in October in L.A., realizing a dream. Um, but under that, there's an Amazon link. You can click on that, and then it takes you to Amazon, do all your shopping, help support the podcast. Yeah, sure. You should do that. Do that. Amazon's also great. Everybody likes Amazon because it has everything available. All right. Is that it? I'll be in Australia. If you want to see David Taylor, you can see them all the time at the comedy store. He only goes on after one o'clock. You guys, let me say a quick thing about the comedy store after midnight. 
It's a magical place. I mean, it's pretty magical before midnight, too. When it's packed, that room goes off, and it does get packed a lot. But, and I don't suggest you stay for five hours. So if you come at 9, 9.15, 9.30 for the show that starts at 9, you can be late. Stay till 10.30, 11, then take off. It's okay. But if you're around Hollywood, if you're around Sunset and West Hollywood, I guess it is, and you're leaving the bar, you're like, what else should we do? And it's 10, 12, 12.30. Go buy the comedy store. They'll probably give you two-for-one tickets if it's not on a weekend. On a weekend, on a Friday or Saturday, after one, they'll probably get you in free. Um, say we heard about it on Ari Shafir's podcast, on Ari Shafir's Skeptic Tank. They said, hey, if we get in, if we come in real late at night, Ari Shafir said on his podcast that we can get in free or cheap. And they'll probably let you in for free. And if you go to the door guy and say, hey, I got a nug of some Cali weed. Uh, if you let us in free, you can have it. They'll probably let you in free. They'll probably give you a really good seat for it, too, if you give them some weed. If you give the door guy a joint, one, he will smoke it with the other door guys, and those people are me. That's who goes on. You're supporting art and artists. But uh, anyway, go in there, and it's a fucking wild west, you guys. It's a crazy show. It's nuts. Anything goes, and David Taylor will be on late at night. And I'll be standing on the front table because no one will be sitting at it because the show's not at capacity. The room looks like bombs went off in it. Three people here, four people in the back, six people to the right, one dude sleeping all alone. It's everywhere. And everybody gets real conversational because you can't be showy when there's 14 spread out people in the room. You can't be. And that's one big way I developed my style of being conversational. I developed that conversational style with late nights at the comedy store. And you'll feel like a comic is talking to you. And in David's case, you'll feel like a comic is talking down to you. Now, my suggestion is do not try to engage him. Do not try to fight against him. Just step back and say, I'm going to enjoy this thing and go in and enjoy it. And hopefully he sets his anger sights on some other person. (laughs) And you can enjoy the fucking mayhem. You can enjoy the damage and the pain. I mean, one of the best times I ever had. One of the biggest moments that I'll always remember is Brian Holtzman, who was the king of mean, they used to call him. <sighs> I wonder who called him that. You know what? I know who it wasn't, Brian Holtzman. He didn't name himself. And he would go pretty, pretty, pretty harsh on stage. And this one time he was yelling at some girl. And she was yelling back and he was winning. His you know, skills as an orator were far superior than hers as an audience member. And she started crying eventually. I mean, she was yelling at him that he's not funny, and that's how it started. She was like, you're not funny. Do something funny. And then he started like, what the fuck are you doing here? And she's like, well, I did this and this. And then it kept going back and forth, and eventually he had her literally tears were coming out of her eyes, crying. But she started with him. She started with him. So he's yelling at her. She's crying. Eventually her and her whole party leave, four people, and they all leave. And when people run out of the comedy store angry, they, there's a place they stop by, right by the cover booth. It's right before you dip, uh, you dip uh, past the curtains to go down the hallway where all the pictures are. And that's the last word spot. That is where every audience member tries to get their last word in before they go. And they go, yeah, well, you're ugly. Yeah, you're bald. Yeah, well, you're this. Fuck you. I'll be back and shoot up the place. They say threats a lot of times. That's the spot to do it in. So a lot of comics know that. It's like no one's as original as they think they are. The, the reason that the idea hits you there is because you see the exit. You see there's a little barrier of the booth in front of you, and you just feel more free to, to say something. So comics know. I know when they go that way. So as they start going there, if they look up and go, don't forget you're getting your last word in. Do you want to say a last word? 
Hey, you remember how you were just going to leave, but now you got to get a last word and you call them on it. I saw this on Dynasty once. Um, someone was leaving and one of those ladies, one of the women who was in Dynasty, um, who I think later like got real weird looking with plastic surgery. I forget who it was. But, um, oh, I watched this Joan Rivers special where she fucking obliterates Liz Taylor and just calls her fat. Just because Liz Taylor is this fat, disgusting pig. Like, over and over again. Whoa, Joan Rivers went hard. Um, but uh, as they go, so, so here's what happens. So somebody in Dynasty opened up the door. Like, opened up the door and was, like, yelling at that lady. The, one, the, the evil one. I forget her name. The black. I remember her in my head with black, short, curly hair. That's probably not it. But he opens up the door all angry because she's like, get out. You know, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm not going to. Like, you can't get with me. And, he, and, and she goes, do be a deer and slam the door behind you. Because you know he was going to. And it was just this rage. Like, motherfucker, he took away the one thing I was going to do. And so he slams it open. He, like, opens it hard and knocks shit off the table. So Holtzman was yelling at this lady. She was running out. She gets to the thing. She says her last piece, like, fuck you, I hate you, in tears. And her friends are dragging her out and pulling her away. And he's like, you fucking stupid idiot. Go fucking, go suck a dick. Go do whatever he's saying. And then she leaves. And Holtzman, then he goes, and this is what happens late at night there. And he goes, thank you, good night, everybody. And he runs off stage. He might have introduced the next guy. I don't remember, no. Because he went out to chase after them. And it's like, oh, my God, Brian. Brian, you're, you're, it's over now, man. I had to run out of the booth. That same booth that Steve Renazisi was in that he did not stop me when I was beating up Bobby Lee, that he went the long way around. I had to jump through that, that window and hold him back. I'm like, it's over, man. It's over. You're off stage. You're off stage. If this was an argument or a fight, you won. Shit, I got to go to the stand. I got to go stand now. Um, all right, everybody. That's it for me. Don't forget to check out my tour dates on my website, ariashafir.com. Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane coming up in mid-April, starting on the 15th or 16th in Melbourne, maybe 14th. I know it's not Melbourne, but I just said it that way. So anyway, David Taylor, go watch him late at night. Go watch everybody late at night. Enjoy yourselves, everybody. Enjoy your lives. That's it for me. Until next week. I want to start doing more of these Bible stories. Did you guys like that last week, the whole intro? I'm going to do more of those. Maybe I'll put them in a... a... Oh, and the one thing I didn't say. Okay, if anyone's still listening, which according to my stats, 41% of my listeners are. The one thing I forgot to get back to in the Pesach story, in the Passover story, is that remember when God made the plague when all the animals would get, you know, like die and stuff, and all the cattle and all the horses and all the camels, and they'd all die. And they'd be beset with plague. And then later, whatever was left, that fucking locusts would come and eat all the crops. So they had no crops to live. And, and then, then there was the, the flies were on the... On the uh, cattles were ravaged. All of them. Then, when the Jews finally leave Israel, and, and, and Pharaoh says, okay, get out. His, his, he's not hardened. His heart is not hardened by God. God lets him say, fine, get out already. I've been trying to kick you out for fucking months. You keep hardening my heart. Which, by the way, also seems like God saying, no, no, I went back on my word, not him. I, I did it. Anyway, he says, okay, go. And all the Jews, they don't take their, they don't leaven their bread, and they go with their new matzah invention. Oh, by the way, I've made the best dish in Sacramento. I got to tell you about it. Next week, remind me. I got to tell you about it next week. I made the best dish up. 
it's going to be it's going to revolutionize food you guys it's going to revolutionize food it won't really but it's really good um snacking food so everyone in sacramento on the late show saturday knows what i'm talking about um so he says okay you guys all go go get out of here and then they leave they take everything real quick they leave they and, and they grab gold from the egyptians too they stole a bunch of gold if i'm remembering right they stole their goblets and stuff hmm um Anyway, they left, and then as they're leaving, Pharaoh, his heart is hardened, and he goes, no, you know what? Fuck this. Go get him. And they took the chariots. It's a famous scene. If you saw the, 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 that Bible movie that just came out, it's like, you know, the, the Red Sea was split. Somebody put their toe in the water, and then it split because it was teaching you have to, like, try for yourself, and then God can help you. They're all standing by the shore. One guy said, well, we can't get out of here. The Egyptians are coming now. They're coming on their chariots. He goes, we're all going to die here. He goes, nowhere to go. There's a red, the Dead Sea is right there. And then one guy's like, well, let's just go. God told us to go. And he puts his foot in and the Red Sea splits because he made the effort. And they're all walking and all the chariots, all the Egyptian chariots are coming at them. Where do they get the horses to drive the chariots? Where did the horses come from? The horses were all killed. Half of them were killed in the plague with the flies. Their crops were all eaten by the locusts. I mean, all of them were eaten. And then, the, then all the fucking livestock died. That was one of the plagues. All the livestock died. Where did they get the horses for the chariots? I'm waiting for your answer, God. I'm waiting for your answer. I would like a public answer and tell us where the horses for the chariots, where did they come from? We're waiting, man. Um, and don't tell me in a dream one-on-one. I want you to tell everybody. Tell everybody so they all know it. All right, you guys. Ladies and gentlemen, Ari first kept to think. Episode 212, Jerk with David Taylor over and out and a lovely song to play us out enjoy sometimes I can be perfectly sweet got the sugary meat all stuffed up in my sleeve and I'll talk of ponies and rainbows and things and I'm just who you want me to be but like most creatures down here on the ground I'm composed of the elements moving around and I grow and change and I shift and I switch it turns out I'm actually kind of a bitch but that only happens when I get provoked by some piece of shit asshole we all sadly know when I sit and I write or remind you all it means songs are still better than going postal And that guy's an asshole That girl's a bitch Maybe he's natural No getting away from it So sing it all with me Yeah, let it go
Cause that guy's an asshole. That guy's an asshole. That girl. 